participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, September 28, 2022. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. I missed you. It's been a week since we last spoke. Last Wednesday was our last show off on Monday due to Rosh Hashanah. Shana Tova to all my uh, friends out there, to everyone out there, whether you celebrate or not, Shana Tova meaning... Happy New Year, happy sweet New Year to you and yours. And so that's why we were off. Uh, I was in Montreal, just got back last night. Great to be home, great to see the family, great to see the friends, great to be amongst my people, but it is always nice to come back to my other home, which is this little studio right here with my people over there behind that wall. lot to discuss, lot going on in the world of MMA, lot going on in the world of combat sports, and we love Wednesdays. It's fun to come back. And right off the bat, answer some questions, which is what we are going to do today. So stay tuned for that. UFC off last week, 
weekend, I should say. But there was a lot of MMA, of course, uh, Bellator Dublin, which is always an incredible time. I mean, I really think that Bellator should start considering putting on more than one or two events in Dublin every single year because uh, they just come off as a different kind of promotion when they're in Dublin. I feel like you go to Dublin, it looks like the hottest thing in combat sports, and then you come over to the United States, you're Mohegan Sun, you're in California, it's like, okay, whatever, it's it's you know run of the mill. You go over there, on fire, walkouts are tremendous, atmosphere is tremendous, all this stuff, you go... Uh, Bo Nickel won last night. He's officially in, in case you were worried, in case you were wondering. Incredible to me how many people thought I was being serious when I said that he should go into the tough house. Of course I was joking. Of course he's an incredible fighter. I hope that people ask me about him on the uh, the On the Nose segment. And in case you're wondering, why isn't he on the show today? Because, of course, we have to answer these questions because there's some sort of entitlement as to you know the, the type of guests that we have on the show. He's flying back home, all right? So everyone just calm down. We'll talk to him next week. Um, I'm looking forward to that. What a performance. Also, this morning, some breaking news. PFL announcing... Oh, thanks. Wow. Frank coming in hot. Thank you for that. Uh, PFL announcing that their championship event is going down on the day after Thanksgiving, which off the top of my head is November 25th at the Hulu Theater. So uh, maybe Frank and the boys will be in attendance. I'll probably be in Boston... I'm going to be oh, there didn't for, miss it for the world. Yeah, you had such a great time. I mean, they they really rolled out the red carpet for you, right? Yeah, not that I expect that the second time. Maybe put in another word for that. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm going to be in Boston for Survivor Series. I don't know if you guys heard the news about uh, War Games coming back, Survivor Series. I mean, it's going to be off the chain, as the kids like to say. But uh, that is a big announcement. They're going on pay-per-view, which is also a really interesting announcement. I wish we could put up a poll. Have we figured out the poll thing yet, guys? Just now remembered about the poll thing. Okay. Maybe we could put up a poll because I see everyone else putting up polls. I'm curious uh, what the appetite is for a PFL pay-per-view with their biggest names, you know, the Kalas of the world. And I'm curious, like, what the ceiling is. Like, how much are people willing to pay for something like that? They announced six fights, six championship fights, plus Marlon Moraes fighting Shane Burgos which is an interesting matchup because one guy last fought at 55, the the other guy last fought at 35. But also, a TBA special fight. I think I know what that fight is. And if someone asked me about it, but, you know, I think that announcement came out too late. I don't know. Maybe there's a question or two about it. Maybe I'll get a hot tag. Uh, But that's eight fights, by the way, which if all six of those championship fights go the distance, that's going to be the longest pay-per-view of all time. What's six times 25? I don't know, but the poll is live. It is? Yes. We could do a poll right now. We already did. What's the poll? Will you buy the PFL pay-per-view? Is there a poll right now? 92% no. Wow. Who just did this? You? Yeah, a little production work in here in the back. Told me to give myself the old Barry H. Wow. 90% say, uh, say no. Well, that's exciting. Thank you for that. Uh, in any event, we could talk about that. Uh, talk about what I think, or you know, maybe some clues as to what that special fight will be. But eight. What, okay, so what's six times thirty minutes? Let's say. Is that? Why can't I figure this out? Three uh-huh. hours. That's three hours, right? Yes. So that's three hours, just for the championship fights. 
if they all go the distance, plus walkout announcement. Then you got two other fights. I mean, we're talking with the you know the the the, the packages and everything. I, I think we're looking at like a five hour pay per view there, if you ask me. Exciting. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. Day after Thanksgiving. Um, so there's there's something to talk about there. UFC is back. A lot of people wondering about this closed off event. I have a feeling one or two questions are about that, so we'll save it for that. As always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Please do download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use the code the MMA Hour for a special offer when you sign up again. That's code the MMA Hour only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Please support them because they support us. Speaking of DraftKings, back into the show. Parlay Pals are back. Tough weekend for us, unfortunately. Three out of four, but that's essentially the same as uh, 0 for 4. We'll get back on track this weekend. Little UFC, little Bellator. Bellator going back-to-back, rare back-to-back for them these days. So stay tuned for that. Also, we'll recap the weekend and get GC's picks for the weekend. That's back into the show. At 3.30, we're going to talk to uh, one of the uh, the proud members of the Nick Diaz Army, a.k.a. the Nathan Diaz Army. At what point does it go from Nick Diaz to Nathan Diaz? I'm not sure, if ever. Chris Avila, who is going to be on that October 29th card in Glendale, Arizona, Gila River Arena, of course. That's the Showtime pay-per-view card. Anderson Silva, Jake Paul. He's fighting a guy named Dr. Mike, who I hear Frank is a massive fan of watches all his videos. I mean, the guy averages like six, seven million views per video. He's a legit doctor, very in shape, 32 years young, from New Jersey, apparently a big deal. Chris Avila is fighting him in a boxing match. Weird. Looking forward to that. Of course, we all remember his great appearance on the program back in July when he uh, sat in for <laughs> when he sat in for Nathan when Nathan went to the bathroom. Do you guys remember that? That was incredible stuff. One of the great cameos in the history of the show. At 3 o'clock, we'll be joined by the president of Bellator MMA, one Scott Coker. Always love talking to Scott. Big weekend for him. Coming up in the LBC, Long Beach, the return of AJ McKee. First fight for him since his loss to Pitbull. Pitbull also on the card as well. Bellator 286, also Aaron Pico on the card. You got AJ, you got Pitbull on the same card, not fighting each other. Curious to get his take on a few things going on in the world of Bellator MMA, so stay tuned for that. That's at 3 o'clock. Scott Coker joins us. How about this one? John Hathaway is going to join us. Yes, John Hathaway, who we have not seen in action since 2014 when he fought Dung Young Kim in Macau. John Hathaway, who was once one of the biggest prospects in MMA. John Hathaway, who was once one of the biggest stars coming out of the UK scene, who we have not really heard from in eight years, is returning to action in like two weeks, October 15th for Octagon, who are doing great things over in Europe. Uh, Octagon, I believe, 36. He's fighting on October 15th, which is a Friday, if my math is correct. Is that a Friday? Let me just make sure here. I want to screw this up. Uh, Yeah, October 15th is a Friday in Frankfurt against uh, Mr. TBA, Octagon MMA has signed him to a multi-fight deal. John Hathaway, a lot of you new fans have no idea who John Hathaway is, but trust me when I say this guy, 17-2, and two, was, I mean, like, you know how we talk about Arnold Allen, Leon Edwards, in terms of incredible, well, can't call Leon a prospect, but for a long time felt like he was, incredible prospect coming out of the UK, not really braggadocious, doesn't really talk shite, doesn't trash talk, 
but is incredible. He was that guy. When, by the way, there were a lot less of those guys out there coming out of the UK. So we'll talk to John about where he's been. Uh, Nolan King of MMA Junkie wrote a great feature on him, which I urge you to check out. A couple of days ago, it dropped. And I'm really excited to talk to John, and I'm happy that he's back. So that's coming up. John Hathaway at 2.30. At 2 o'clock, Eddie Alvarez, who we found out around a week ago, had parted ways with one. What's going on with the underground king? Where is he headed? What's his future? What happened with one? We'll talk to the great Eddie Alvarez at around 2 o'clock. Eddie Alvarez, John Hathaway, Scott Coker. It's like an episode out of 2013. You got to love it. More things change, more they stay the same. Now, I always love, I'm, I'm trying these days, if the schedule allows, if people's schedules allow, I like to go first hour on the nose because I feel like if I save it for the back end of the show, I'm tired, I have to go to the bathroom, I speed things up. I feel like I give you a little bit more oomph, if you will, if we start the show with the on the nose questions. And to be honest, haven't talked to you all in a week. I feel like there's a lot of questions, a lot of innuendo, a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation going on right now in the world of MMA. And so without further ado, it's time for a good let's start things off with a little fans. on the nose, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. I like it this way. Ladies I feel fresh. I just had this unbelievable himself, prime ice pop, courtesy of my good friend Logan Paul and KSI. I don't really know KSI, but I know Logan Paul. I mean, we're mad cute together. Ice pop flavor. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is just... I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. It's just... Unbelievable. I feel refreshed. Bit of a stomach ache? No, I'm kidding. Um, we got a lot of answers for your questions. So without further ado, uh, our, our moderator, Lewis, has been working very hard to get us these questions. I mean, I feel a little bit bad when I ask him to do this a little early because, honestly, um, you know, he's used to delivering them around 2, 2.30. But mensch that he is, he makes it happen for us. And so without further ado, let's get to the questions. I'm curious... What is on your mind? This is from Hugo Knows. Oh, I got a little um, editor's note here. Okay. Uh, he says, I'm going to read this. This question was chronologically number one, and I'm going to start honoring question one as first person up like it used to be, unless it's stinker. Like, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's a mensch move from Lewis. First person to write in should go first. I'm 100% on board with this. So Hugo knows says, Que onda mi amigo Ariel? Yes. Me gusta bailar, me gusta cantar. Could we get some real truth? Well, oh, right off the bat. Why there will be no media in this week's card? Also, do you think the end of the year card will have three titles as they end the year with a bang? Thanks to the whole crew for all the great work. Okay, so everyone is so up in arms over this thing. In case you didn't hear, um, it has been reported our friend Alex... I don't want to butcher his last name. Do you know his last name, GC? I feel like you know his last name. I feel like I'm going to butcher it too. Buhainen? Buhainen, yes. Uh, he reported that uh, the card this weekend at the world's most famous Apex is uh, going to be closed off not only to the public, which isn't so crazy, but to the media as well. It's strictly a private affair. This is the card headlined by Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Shaonan. And this has sent everyone into a tizzy. Now, what I was told from one source, just one, that's why I don't feel really comfortable like saying this is definitive, but it's a very good source, very close to the event. Uh, I was told that it has something to do with 
Mark Zuckerberg. Now, is he renting it out just for him, just for his friends? Doesn't seem like something he would do. Are they renting it out to do something, like some sort of metaverse event or so? You know, I, I can't quite uh, nail that down. Um, and so we'll see. And maybe that's why Dana White was being coy about it. You know, when he has an announcement to make, you know, when he has something up his sleeve, he doesn't just like to blurt it out, give it to the media. He was saying, oh, I want to give you guys the night off and all this stuff. Obviously, that's not the case. But I was told via one of the people involved on the card that what they were told was it's because of Mark Zuckerberg, who you may have heard uh, is really into MMA. He's been training MMA. You know, do we DM sometimes? Is he a big fan of the program? Sure. You know, know, who am I to name drop? But uh, it seems like it's something to do with him. What exactly that is, is up in the air. Now, if you're asking my feelings on this, here's how I feel about it. I feel like as unique and cool as, let's just say, okay, let's say this is the reason, right? Which I'm saying right now, I don't have it two sources. I don't have it, but, you know, we're shooting here. You know, this is what we do. We're not, it's different. I know people are going to run with it, but, you know, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're shooting. Um, let's just say this is it. As cool as it may be to be part of some sort of metaverse thing, whatever. Don't you feel as though if you're a headliner on this card, if you're a fighter on this card, and, and, and look, you guys are asking me about it. I'm not making a stink. I'm not tweeting up a storm about it. But I do kind of feel like they deserve a little better, Right. Um, and there's there's a few factors at play. Oh, your family can't be there if this is the case. If it's truly closed off, if it's truly closed off and they're not allowing exceptions, family can't be there, friends can't be there, uh, spouse can't be there, uh, significant other can't be there, mom can't be there, dad can't be there, brother, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. You know what I mean? Feels like a bummer. You're fighting in the you know premier league of the... Uh, Mixed martial arts world feels like that's something that should be allowed, especially in this almost post-pandemic age that we're living in. That's one thing. The other thing is, and, you know, maybe they don't care. Um, You're not going to get your interviews after or your scrum, your little press conference. You're not going to get that. Of course, you're going to get the interview. Listen, is it something to get all up in arms about? Mm, Maybe not. Uh, It isn't the deepest card of all time. To me, the, the, the bigger thing, and this I was talking to a manager about this on Monday, it's just another example. Let's just say this is for the coolest reason possible. Let's say this is this is for something else. Um, I, other theories were thrown on my way. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't even matter. Another example of the fighters not having a say. Because if there was some sort of fighter rep and the UFC wanted to close off the event that they're competing in, close it off to the media and the public, how it would go if this was already in place, hey, we're going to talk to the fighter rep. Hey, um, we're thinking about doing this. How do the 24 fighters on this card feel about you know this situation? And you go back, you pull them, you ask them, majority, whatever the case, whatever system is in place. But it's another example of how the biggest league in MMA with 500 or so fighters, the fighters have no say. Throw on another sponsor on that uniform, you won't get a cut. Close off the event to the media and the fans, you won't have a say. Sign this deal with this media partner, you won't get a cut. Throw these logos all over the cage, you won't get a cut. Drug test you whenever you want, an hour before the weigh-ins, you won't get a cut. You, you won't have a say. All this stuff. It's just enough. And they'll keep doing, nothing's going to change. And I can assure you, even though they'll all 
disagree publicly. I can assure you that every fighter, every manager, every, well, maybe not every manager, but you get my point. Every fighter all feels like they would like to have a say, all feels, feel like they want to have a voice, and they don't. They just have to do whatever they're told. They just have to do whatever they're told. So to me, when I found out about this, I wasn't really that concerned with the why. Obviously, it wasn't COVID-related. Um, I wasn't really concerned with the how, the why, the what, anything. I was just more thinking like, wow, just another thing that they could do. And this is supposed, you know, this is the the, the company that came out first and we got to be open and all this stuff. And the fighters just don't have a say. And that to me is unfortunate. Because if you're Yan Shanen and you have someone who's coming over now, if someone's flying over from China and they're going to be there, you know, I'd like to think that they're going to make an exception for that person. Let's not go crazy before they come out and fully explain what is going on. But here is what I'm 100% sure of. They don't have a say. If they wanted to close it off, they could close it off. If they want to do events on the moon in front of aliens, they could do that. If they want to do events at 4 a.m., they could do that. If they want to drug test you an hour before, they could do that. If they want to slap logos on you and not give you a cut, they can do that. They could do all of that, and you won't have a say. You will have absolutely no say. That's a bummer to me. That's a bummer as someone who loves the sport and loves the fighters and, and, and knows how small their window is to make this money. And then when they're 36, 37, whatever, 38, they're left finding a new job. That's my big takeaway. I feel like for most fans, they don't care. Fine. I feel like for most media, they probably don't care. Fine. But uh, that's my big takeaway from all of this. Also, do you think the end of the year card will have three titles? No. I mean, just look at it. There aren't three. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get one title. Looking more and more like it's not going to be John Jones. And Dana Witt was asked yesterday about Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prochaska. And so cool. Figueredo probably in Brazil. Aljo's fighting in October. Volk probably fighting first quarter. Charles fighting in October. Leon fighting, you know, first quarter or so. Izzy fighting in November. Yuri. And Ganu, no chance. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Uh, Valentin is out there, but against two. Carla fighting in November. Amanda out there, but against two. Maybe it's Amanda versus Valentina. I mean, that feels like it would be a big deal. Um, but should, I mean, maybe that happens in Brazil. I don't know. I think they're lucky if they get one. Unless they do an interim. Andres, Ariel, hope you had a great holiday with the family. Thank you. Two questions today. What is Bo Nichols' ceiling, and what do you think of his performance? Incredible how he showed his boxing, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu in under a minute. Also, will you or the guys be watching the inaugural one championship submission grappling title fight featuring Mikey Mesumechi? I'm butchering that. I, I know who he is, but I'm butchering. I'm just not. A lot of people are like, why don't you have ADCC, guys? I don't, I just, I don't watch it. The same reason I don't really watch collegiate wrestling. There's only so much. I choose to watch boxing. There's a little kickboxing. I'm aware of the NCAA wrestling championships. I, I don't watch grappling. I'm sorry. There's, there's only so much that we could do. As always, there's no show like the MA hour. Uh, no, we tried to get Angela Lee on today. She's fighting on Friday, their second event on Amazon, but the time difference is too screwy, so that's not going to happen. As far as Bo Nickel, let's talk about Bo Nickel. Another massive win for him. He does it under a minute. He finally gets into the UFC. There is something incredibly special about this young man. And it's, you know, with so many fighters in the sport, with so many names out there, with so many events, with so many cards, it's rare that someone 
with his lack of experience in MMA, comes across and just breaks through. It's it's reminiscent, I guess, to a degree of Hamza, like where one guy just breaks through the noise and all of a sudden you are captivated by this guy. Now, he couldn't be more different than Hamza, did call him out, and we could talk about that in a moment. But he is an uber prospect. And these come around once every few years. And he's one that we've been hearing about for a while. Yes, he's just 3-0 and in MMA as a pro, amateur a little bit. But this is a guy, I mean, I first had him on the show the ESPN Monday show in 2019 when he announced that he was going to move over to MMA, signs with first-round management, starts his own ATT in um, in Happy Valley. So he's been doing this for a while. He's been in training camps. He's training with some of the best guys, the Masvidals, the Poiriers, the Mike Browns of the world. But there's something about him that just screams potential superstar. He's a professional. He comes across like a professional athlete, like a champion. It almost feels like when he's around those guys on Contender Series, it feels like he's above it all. Like he knows something that we don't know, that he is aware of his ceiling. He is aware of how good he is. He's got this confidence about him. It's not quite cockiness. It's just extreme confidence. And the guy backs it up. And I was I was thinking yesterday, like when's the last time that we, we've seen a lot of wrestlers transition to MMA? When's the last time that we've seen a guy with his pedigree Hodge Trophy winner, multiple-time national champion, national champion, come over to MMA and be this well-rounded. Now, of course, his fights aren't lasting long. Of course, he's not fighting the creme de la creme, although the opponent that he fought had a winning record and you know seven and one, I think it was, with five finishes. When's the last time we've seen a guy come in via wrestling with his pedigree, with his resume, show the striking? I know it's the overhand left. I know it's the move that all the wrestlers learn on day one, but he's hitting it, he's nailing it, and then shows the grappling that he does. I mean, he transitioned to three different subs there, finally gets the triangle. It's incredible what he's doing. It's absolutely incredible. With the poise, with the confidence, with the calmness, yes, we've seen great wrestlers come in, but like when Brock Lesnar, for example, came in, he was just like a caveman. He didn't really know anything more than attack this guy, take him down, and then hammer fist him. Yes, we've seen Cejudo come in, but did he have that kind of pedigree in, in or at least that skill set, I should say, that early on? Seen Cormier, wasn't a national champion, Olympian. All I'm saying is it's been a long time since we've seen a prospect with this kind of ceiling. And so what is the ceiling? I think he could be the top 15 guy right now. He said he wants to fight in December. I don't know if they're going to give him that right away. It's rare that they want to push someone that quickly. They did it with Brock. They gave him Frank Mir in his first fight, and then Heath Herring when he lost, even though he lost somewhat controversially. I think he could be top 15 guys right now. Um, I don't want to say names because guys are going to take that personally and be upset. I did see Darren Till call him out. I wouldn't like that fight if I was Darren Till. I saw that he called out Hamza Chemaev. I'm sure they didn't love that he called out Logan Paul, especially in a WWE ring on his first official day as, as a UFC fighter, if you will, even though you know the first fight was really under a UFC contract. I think him versus Hamza would be super interesting. I'm not advocating it right now. You want to build this sort of thing. But you've got an American-born, American-bred, national champion wrestler from an institution like Penn State coming in and doing that. This guy could be a gigantic star. The last, I mean, appears to be a family guy, clean cut, but has the confidence, can talk the shit, can back it up. It's been a while since the UFC had this. It's really been a while since they had, you know, they, they, they have done a great job of building up 
of proving that you can have household names, box office names from other countries. Uh, Connor, uh, Anderson Silva, Amanda Nunes. They, they have, but look look at how popular Ronda Rousey was. She was, you know, Americans, if there's one thing that I know about them, they love cheering for their own. They love cheering for their own. That's, you know, that's part of the reason why I think hockey has never been as popular as the NBA or the NFL. Part of the reason why soccer has never been as popular, but it's getting more popular because the American team is getting a lot better. Point is, you got an American born and bred guy. This guy's going to be a huge potential star. You see the way ESPN's covering him already. They've been waiting for a guy like this. A Division I champion multiple time, they can sink their teeth. They understand what that means from a Big Ten school, and he could back it up, and he's got the endorsement of the likes of Masvidal and Brown and Poirier and all the guys at ATT. This is incredibly exciting. You see the look on Dana's face. You see his reaction. It's unbelievable what he's doing, and it's unbelievable what they have. And again, I'll say it again, shame on every other promotion who didn't make a run and throw the world at this guy. You all picked the wrong guys. This was the guy that you should have been putting in your in your farm system, in your training camp, on your monthly salary. This was the guy. Now, benefit of hindsight, fine, 2020, I get it. But wow, one of the best prospect signings that the UFC has had in years, if you ask me. And I don't mean signing a Conor McGregor off of Cage Wars. I don't mean signing a Brock Lesnar off of WWE. I don't mean even mean signing a guy off of LFA. I mean, this guy had one pro fight. One pro fight. They rarely, if ever, do it. But that's the brilliance of Contender Series. It gives them a reason to do it. And it's a seamless transition into the UFC. What a freaking stud. What a stud. There's just something about him. Something real special about him. I mean, GC and I were talking about him before the show. What is it about him, GC? What do, when you see this guy, what do you feel? What do you see? I mean, other than how incredible he is in the octagon, it's also just the way he feels like such a professional athlete, like the way that he carries himself that you said. It just feels like he's been polished. He's been, you know groomed by Penn State for this moment like it feels like no moment is too big for him the way that like even in the interviews and stuff the way he carries himself he yeah he seems like he's got it all going on I feel like the ceiling is is limitless for him we both noted he does his interview he shakes Laura Sanko's hand just little things yes. like that this <laughs> guy has been there he has it's competed. like he's been trained for the yeah. media like it, he has that NBA NFL player like aura to him. I don't I don't know. It's he's he's fascinating to watch. Very fascinating. Great hair. I love everything about his look. Um God, that hairline is tremendous. something to be jealous of. Yeah, it is it's it's tremendous. Really something. But then you consider this guy fighting national championship highs like what's the apex gonna do to him, right? He's not gonna be he's not gonna be nervous going into these fights. He's not gonna be phased at all. It's just an amazing thing to watch. And kudos to them for signing him. I mean kudos to Malky and Abe for picking him up before his first pro fight. Kudos to ATT for recognizing that he's worth building an ATT around at uh, at Penn State, at Happy Valley. And kudos to the UFC for signing him and bringing him on the Contender Series. And I do think it has elevated the Contender Series. Uh, I didn't love the way they did the whole like wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. I mean, you didn't think that they were behind this guy. They had him on the freaking cover of video game. Now, I know that you can print that out in two seconds, but they're behind this guy. And when the UFC wants to be behind someone, you see how they push them. No one is better. If they want to, if they want to push you, if they want to really sink their teeth into you and push you and market you and promote you, they could do it as well as anyone in combat sports when they want to, right? You saw it with Connor. You see it with Hamza to a degree. Uh, you see it with him. Now, some guys, they just kind of let them do their own thing and they become stars on their own. They're going to push Bo Nickel, and rightfully so. Very exciting stuff. 
Uh, I've spent 30 minutes on two questions. I should probably hurry up. James, what is up, Ariel? So despite the success of Bellator Dublin this past Friday, I can't help but feel like they are not growing as a promotion and are going to be completely passed up by the PFL and one championship if they haven't been already. There are only a few fights slash fighters in the promotion that actually entice me to watch or care about. There aren't many stars or characters and the actual actual marketing and promotion for the events and fighters is almost non-existent. Do you share the same point of view? And if so, what would you do to fix or improve Bellator? How do they change things up to become more important to both casual and hardcore MMA fans? So, um, I do think that there is a lot of truth there. I do feel like the transition over to Showtime hasn't been as seamless as maybe, or as big as some of us, including myself, thought. Thought maybe a CBS event here. They need to get back to signing. Pro- and, and they're starting to do it, I feel, a little bit more. You're seeing them pick up guys from uh, Shudo, from Ryzen, Tofik, etc. But they, they need to get back to that. I think what they're doing in Dublin and in the UK is good. Uh, but, you know, PFL is coming. They did that show in London. They did that show in Wales. I don't think they really have to worry about one championship, to be honest, because they're focused mainly on Asia, at least for now. But it feels like they need to get going a little bit. Um, homegrown stars. I mean, there's no real formula to all this. I have maintained from the beginning that they should have changed the name once Coker came in. I felt like that was a dead piece of wood. Uh, I, I didn't like the logo. I didn't like the name. I felt like there was a regime change and they needed to break free from the Bjorn era. And I think that has hung over them like a a cloud, a dark cloud on a rainy day. I, I have often felt that the, the, for whatever reason, the public just did not connect with that marketing, with that name. I felt that from the get-go. They've got some pretty solid events coming up. Um, but yeah, they, they've got to do a better job of making people aware. And there's little things like the Bellator Dublin show shouldn't be on a Friday. It shouldn't. Friday afternoon, like if you want people to be, you know, captivated and tuned in, you got to make that on a Saturday. A Friday afternoon is just not... Now, unless you just don't care and the gate was great and the crowd was great and maybe their, you know, their focus for that is just the, the Dublin crowd, the local crowd, but at least here in America, you have to do a little more. I will say, tighter show. I hope that they continue to do that. I know it's more of a European thing where they do it like they don't go to the desk as much. They need to get rid of the desk. They need to make the shows shorter, make the shows tighter, not make them as late. When they're in America, they start a 10 p.m. main card. Like the UFC did that. That was a mistake in the FS1 days. There's little tinkers. I think Coker needs to be more aggressive. I think he needs to come out. I think he needs to stir the pot. I think he needs to be a little more braggadocious, have a little more bravado, put his you know flag in the ground, go after free agents. There's no real like one thing that I can say. But yeah, PFL is uh, doing some stuff now. Maybe the numbers don't back it up. Um We'll see with this this pay-per-view. Beltor has to find their thing. They have to find their thing that separates them. For the longest time with Strike Force, it was the women's division. The UFC didn't have it. What's their thing now? What is going to separate them from the UFC? Because there's enough UFC. You can't just be another MMA promotion anymore. There's a UFC event almost every weekend. And if there isn't a UFC event, there's some other promotion doing an event. So what's your thing that is going to be like, ah, this is what makes us different? Because I think we all want different. It's nice tuning into a non-UFC event and being like, okay, this is different. This is fresh. This is a different kind of look, uh, different announcers, different voice, different feel. What's going to be their thing? If not things.
Red Pantoja Night. Clever. Hi, Ariel. With Campbell McLaren on the show last week. By the way, uh, GC, did you watch Combate? Uh, no. No. Didn't get Univision where I was. Am I crazy? Am I, and, and stop me if I'm being a hater. Am I crazy? But like even us having him on and being somewhat aware, didn't had we not spoken to him, I would have never known that this event happened. Like I didn't see anything breakthrough. I didn't see a highlight. I didn't see a clip. I didn't see a, a face-off. I didn't see anything. Am I crazy or did you? No, I, I, I know that the girl that he was supporting won. La Loba. La Loba won. Yeah, Decision. Yeah, I didn't see any highlights. I looked for that. I didn't see anything. Oh, you looked for it. I see, was I like, oh, I wonder what... Oh, you saw it? The only thing that I saw was a, a tweet from Campbell that said that she won. And then yeah. the TV numbers. Right, for I something? I some stuff on Reddit. You did? Yeah. Like what? Like, hey, Combate's on right now. Okay. Did you tune in? No. Huh. I was working. Huh. <laughs> Wait, you're on Reddit while you're working? Hey, um... Just act like you didn't hear that. What are you doing right now? I'm not on Reddit. Well, He's I mean, on TFATK right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're manning the friars? Moving on. Uh, with Campbell on the show last week, how do you feel about the future direction of each MMA promotion? Do you see Combate Global and One having more success? I mean, Combat. I asked him the question, are you building stars? And he gave me a real honest answer. I, I think it was, I mean, he said... We haven't built enough. You got to build stars. That's, I mean, you have to give people a reason to tune in. And so I don't see any of that right now from them. One has their events, and I think the Amazon thing is interesting. I think they're obviously very focused on Asia. Do they want to come over here? You need you need a guy. You need a, a, a an angle. You need a hook. You need a, a woman. You need someone that's going to break you through. A Bo Nickel would have been great for any of these promotions, but, you know. Not happening. Uh, how about PFL, Bellator, UFC? I understand you think Bellator is missing a little something recently. Thank you. I'd love to hear what you think is going well for each promotion and what you think could present roadblocks. I think the Amazon deal is interesting for one. Let's see where it goes. Uh, they're obviously getting behind sports very much. Amazon, that is, with NFL and some other leagues. Uh, it seems like Combate is very focused on their Univision deal and that market, which is fine if that works for them. PFL, look, you didn't ask me specifically about it. I have my reservations about this pay-per-view. I'm just being honest. Now, I asked them what the uh, price point is going to be, and they said TBA. I, I was told that it's going to be very reasonable and affordable. Can't imagine if that if that is the case. Reasonable for I can't imagine it's over 30. If it is, then it's not reasonable and affordable. Uh, I don't hate going on after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, people are usually home. There's a lot to compete with, though. World Cup is going to be on. Uh, there's college football, right? There's NFL. NFL's not going on on the Friday. They go on the Thursday, but someone's going on. There's say England is on that Friday. Oh, yeah, 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 for That's sure. That's in the afternoon. But there's just a lot. And, and, and last few years, they've done that golf thing, the match, right, on that Friday. Yeah. There's, there's obviously college football. There's college there's, football. There's, there's NBA. There's just a lot happening, right? Um, but I don't mind it because most people are home that weekend, at least here in the United States. So I don't hate it. Um, let's see how it goes. I just would love for them to put their best foot forward. You have your biggest card of the, of the year and you're putting it behind a paywall. Tough. I also think it's a lot of fights. I am aware of a... Spe I'll tell you this about the special attraction fight that was listed on there. It involves one mainstay and one guy who has never fought 
for the promotion. Now, they're trying to make this happen. It's not a done deal. That's why it wasn't in the press release. They were hoping it would be in the press release. Let's see if they pull it off. I think if they pull it off, that fight will probably get more attention than 90%, 95% of the fights on that card. Uh, give it a bit of a bump. But I don't know, you know, does it do 20K buys? What do you think the, the ceiling is at? 30K buys? I don't know. Very, 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 very rare for a non-UFC entity to get over 100K buys. I don't think that they're going to get 100 I mean, I think they would tell you they're not getting 100K. Would a success be 50? 50 is tough. So we'll see. Interesting times. People doing things. Bellator tried pay-per-view. didn't really work out. And they tried to load the deck as well. Gym leader Tom. Hello, Ariel. For a while, you had been referring to the UFC's bantamweight division as having its own Grand Prix based off the quality and quantity of the matchups they had slash still have in the top 10. Now, we see the lightweight division as having six of the top 10 matched up against each other with Gaethje and Fiziev as a possibility. Hopefully. Seeing as these two, these two divisions are debatably the best in the UFC, which of these Grand Prix do you see as having a bigger impact on its division? And whom do you foresee winning these upcoming matchups? Many thanks, gym leader Tom. The champion has a name, and it's Charles Oliveira. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to go over the matchups and pick winners, but I'm still, if I'm being honest, more intrigued by the bantamweight one because a lot of them are fresh guys who haven't fought for the belt before. Obviously, Oliveira... Champion, not champion. Chandler's fought for the belt. Poirier's fought for the belt. Gaethje's fought for the belt. So that's four of the six guys. Still a little bit more intrigued by the the bantamweight thing, and I really don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, Daniel, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Ariel. My question pertains to the heavyweight boxing scene, particularly the potential fight between AJ and Fury that was set for December 3rd until very recently. What a bummer, right? But, you know, who didn't see this coming? I hate this stuff. Oh, deadline this, that, like... If we're very, if we're really serious about making this fight, then let's make the fight. Let's make the fight. I, I, I don't love the way this is being handled. If we're very serious about making the fight, I don't feel like there should be deadlines and stuff. And now Eddie and AJ are saying all the right things like, hey, we're not going to haggle. We're not going to negotiate. We're not going to do this. And it feels like Tyson and Queensberry are like, take it or leave it. And they're, they, I don't know. I don't know who's lying at this point. I'm sure you've been following, but Fury set an arbitrary deadline for the contract to be signed by Monday, 5 p.m. GMT. AJ had already stated previously to this that he was going to sign it, that the contract was with his lawyers to review to be expected for a fight of this magnitude. So the deadline is passed, and Fury has now set his sights on Manuel Char for the third. Do you think Fury ever intended on fighting AJ? I think for sure he intended, but I feel like Char was the guy that was always... I mean, he even told me when I saw him in Wales that he had a press conference scheduled for later that week to announce his fight. Now, what happened, I don't know, but <sighs> we've been through this already with this fight. It's it's very frustrating, and it felt like, oh, wow, the, the clouds have opened up, and we're finally going to get it. Yes, it comes at a weird time. He's coming off two straight losses, AJ. But, hey, this is fun. We're getting it. Yay. And now we're left with, we're not getting Usyk, we're not getting AJ, we're getting Manuel Char, really? I'd rather get Joyce versus Fury. I don't know. I just don't, like, okay, so if he needed one more day, we aren't willing to wait? If he needed two more days, we aren't willing to wait? Fight of that magnitude? I don't know what to believe.
It's all kind of annoying. Let us know when you're ready. Newman, hello, Ariel. Hello, Newman. The featherweight title picture seems to be on hold while we wait for a clear number one contender to emerge for Vogue. Currently, we have Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater scheduled for 1029. Great fight. The Battle of the Unbeatens in Bryce Mitchell and Movsar Evloev. The following week on November 5th, with both events taking place at the Rockus UFC Apex. God damn. I mean, come on. Just take my soul and just stomp on it. How is this possible? How is this okay? We're approaching 2023, all right? We're approaching three years since the world shut down. This can't be okay anymore. Arnold Allen and Calvin Cater should not be fighting at the Apex. I'm sorry. Neither should Bryce Mitchell and Mosar Evloev. The other two fighters calling for a title shot are Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez. Do you think they will fight for the number one contender spot? And where does Max fit into all of this? Will his next fight be at lightweight? Please help sort this out. Max thing is TBD up in the air. I think he's looking for big, interesting fights. I think the whole division is on hold until we find out what happens with the lightweight title. And if Volk moves up to fight the champion of the 1022 fight. And if he does, that's going to happen in the first quarter of uh, 2023. So I'm sorry, but... This is one that I don't think we're going to get an answer to in the next few weeks. I think we're just going to have to wait to see how these fights play out, and in particular, the 1022 fight, and if they grant Volk that title fight. If they don't grant him the title fight, then it's probably Yair. If they do, then maybe you're getting an interim, or maybe you're getting these guys fighting each other a couple times um, until Volk is ready to return. Jordan. Sub Ariel, what is going on with Sarah McMahon and Aspen Ladd? I saw the Twitter roster bot remove and add Sarah and then remove Aspen yesterday. Did Aspen get cut for the weight misses? Yes, Aspen 100% is no longer in the UFC. Um, she did part ways. I spoke to her briefly, not ready to speak at the moment, but I do think she has plans, so she's not retiring. Sarah McMahon thing up in the air. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if she moves on. Wouldn't be surprised if she comes back. Um, but the Aspen thing is like, look, you need to go. And, and, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm the PFL, I'm trying to sign her. If I'm, if I'm Bellator, you know, one of the things I want to ask Scott about is like, are you guys still in the cyborg business? Cyborg fought in boxing on Sunday, won her pro boxing debut. Cyborg versus Aspen is cool. I'd honestly feel more comfortable with Aspen fighting at 55. Just give her that buffer or have... Kayla come down to 45. But sometimes we've seen it. We saw it with Anthony Johnson. Someone has trouble making weight, then goes up, and they have trouble with the next one just because, for whatever reason, they don't have the discipline or their body's just acting all weird. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. I don't know about you guys with, like, all the jokes about her weight. And, her. you know, like, we have no idea how hard this is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending her. You sign to fight at a weight, be a professional, make the weight. But I don't know. I have a hard time with some dudes who have never been to the gym before in their lives cracking jokes on someone who is missing weight by a pound or two. There's a different way to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? There's a different way to talk about it. There's a more respectful and professional way to talk about it. If you ask me, very easy for us to crack jokes on Twitter. So, I don't know. Is it unprofessional? 100%. There, there, there can't be any excuses after multiple misses. And uh, it's probably in her best interest to A, move up, and B, do it elsewhere with less pressure on her shoulders. She needs to fight at 45. She needs to fight maybe away from the limelight a little bit, although her versus Kayla would be a really fun, fresh matchup. There was a time where we all thought Aspen was going to be a future title contender. Remember she had that aggression? She had that, she's yelling. 
Patrick, favorite segment of the week. Two quick questions. Ariel, what are your thoughts on Gordon Ryan? Uh, he's a big boy. He's dominating his respective sport with a sort of WWE-like persona and is unapologetic about it. He seems to be over with most of the fans. GC, any merch updates? Yes, GC? Uh, yeah, there are updates. None that you could share. Yeah, I guess what people need to know is that it is out of our hands. We but have, things are happening. So things just, are happening. Things yeah. are happening. We've done everything we can on our end. It's just a waiting game now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully, sooner rather than later. All right. How about that? Sooner rather than later. Uh, as for Gordon Ryan, again, I don't really follow grappling all that much. Um, but I'm aware of him. He's got the look. He's got the persona. This is good. This is what you need. You need those personalities. It's really what I'm talking about with Bellator and PFL. and like You need those guys. You need those guys who know how to promote. You need those guys who are able to talk shit and back it up. And he does. So God bless. Adriano. Hi, Ariel. Wanted to get your thoughts on the comments made by Habib in regards to Hamza not having the correct people around him. Does this have something to do with Hamza leaving Ali and he could be pushing dominant MMA fighters to badmouth him to try to hurt his brand. Thank you for allowing the fans to have a platform to talk to you. I do know that part of the reason why Hamzat left dominance was because him and Habib just weren't on the same level and there was some uncomfortableness there. But honestly, I mean, you'd have to ask Habib, you know, his thoughts on him. But yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that, that's a big fish to lose. And I do know that they're not the best of friends. Why that is, I don't know. But that's what I know. Ariel, what do you think should be next for Tai Tuivasa? Oh, thank you for telling me about Tai Tuivasa or asking me about him. I just got this in the mail today. Thank you very much, Tai. We got the Shuivasa here. There it is. Um, I believe you put it like this, right? You, you've had this before, right, GC? What happens? You put it here, and then you open the valve. You What do you do? Yeah. You use this yeah, as like the straw? You turn the valve the wrong way. Definitely don't use it as a straw. No, that's for the oh. air in the oh. uh, thing, though. Sometimes I struggle. The, the liquid comes out the back end. You had it right then, the, the knob on the side. The knob on the side? Go grab another Prime. Let's get you to Shuivasa no, Prime on the end. Listen, I'm not some Come jabron. On, I mean, every jabron in the business at this point has done a, a Shuivasa. Yeah, A Shuivasa? They've done a Shui. Yeah, you're right. I don't know about a Shuivasa. I mean, you're just supporting You know as well as anyone, this is going to get all over me. And I'm gonna oh, it's going here. everywhere. Yeah. It's difficult, especially for a Where do you drink it out of? Like, like right you. here? Yeah, right over there. Like, look, turn the thing. Yeah, that opens the, the faucet, essentially. Okay. Once it, once it's open, there's it's it's tough sledding from there. Yeah, it seems like... Uh, what do you have to coffee? get you to do one. I've done coffee. I've done, uh, you know, obviously alcoholic beverages on the side. I've done you a have? Perrier. Perrier. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel that's like what that's I did t- on. Uh, that's what I did for UFC Paris. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, it was a video. Did good numbers, everything. Yeah. I guess you didn't see it. Didn't no, I didn't. It. By the way, the uh, the Tai Tuivasa video of him standing uh, outside. <laughs> I, I I actually I swear to God I go back to that video sometimes where he gives out his bets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hello everyone. This is uh, wait. It's so good. Have you seen this video, Frank? No, I have not. This is Ty giving out his UFC, what was it? Not UFC Paris. Was it UFC? No, UFC 279 picks, the Nate Diaz card, right? He's standing outside of the Eiffel Tower. He's still in Paris. He's got shades on. He's got this fresh jacket, and he's giving picks. He's smoking a blunt, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Fresh jacket. 
His eyes are both messed up. <laughs> Hazmat. This is great. Ding Lang versus Ferguson. I reckon uh, Butchers his name. Ding Lang is going to give him a little bing bang. You know oh, what I mean? Then you got Holland and Rodriguez. I'm going to go with uh, Holland. He's a funny cunt. Makes me laugh. Oh, then we got Aladina. Aladina. This is Macy. Macy? <laughs> Macy. Macy Gray. Macy Hay. Macy Gray. Cut Macy Hay. Smoking a bo- Walker and Cut Liver. Yeah. Okay, so the best part about this is he posts this after the whole car changed. Oh, so nice. so the uh the caption is so they changed the whole card, but uh essays UFC two seventy nine is going down. So none of these picks meant none anything. None of them are valid. Not that they would. You know, you, I mean, like his reasoning, but the, the whole delivery of that video is just incredible. The Macy analysis yes. was top-notch Macy, stuff. Macy Chasey. Um, so anyway, shout out to Ty. Thank you for the Shui Vasa. We shall use it. I just need to get the hand. I, I don't want to sit here for the next three hours soaking wet. Um, Iman, Ariel, what do you think should be next for Ty? Um, that's a good question. I haven't really thought of it. Let's see what's going on. Heavyweight. Right now, there's Pavlovich. I mentioned Zajarzinho. I think he has a fight coming up. Yeah. Dawkins, one of those guys. Blagoy, bounce back fight. Which would you rather? Knicks NBA title, Bills NFL title, Forest Premier League title. And then Lewis mentions Force won the league in 1977-78. Of course I knew that, Lewis, but thank you. So they at least have won their one title. Knicks have won two, by the way, 70 and 73. Uh, also won the league in their first season after being promoted. You know, I'm not going to say it's happening. A bit of a rough patch. We're just trying not to get relegated. We're just trying to get through this season, not re- relegated, and then we'll work on next season. That's what I think is a, an acceptable um, type of goal and mission for this year. What would I rather? Um, golly. Very hard. Very hard to pick. Uh, right now, I would say the Bills for multiple reasons. Uh, that franchise has had a lot of heartache over the last 30 years. So have the Knicks, of course. But I would say that a Bills Super Bowl win would mean a lot more to Western New York and Buffalo in particular than a Knicks win. Now, a Knicks win, I think the Knicks winning would mean more to New York City than a Yankees win, World Series win, uh, a Rangers, uh, Stanley Cup win, uh, obviously Nets and all those other jabroni teams. Because A, we've seen them win in the last 20, 30 years, but there's just a lot going on and New Yorkers have a lot going on. Like everything about Buffalo are the Bills. And obviously there's the Sabres, but the Bills are so close and there's been so much heartache and so many, you know, close finishes, if you will, near falls. Um, Yeah, I think the Bills won. I have to say, I was saying this uh, before the show, like that loss on Sunday really affected me. 
I was affected by that loss. All the injuries, seeing them struggle, the heat, the freaking Dolphins who I hate. I mean, you look at the stats and you got these annoying MFers like Maki and Abe and all these annoying people on Twitter. They're like, oh, how about them Dolphins? Again, you're all cute. We're all going to win. You know, you all know who the better team is. You know who's going to win the AFC East. You know that when we play you up in Orchard Park, we're going to kick your ass. But, you know, to lose to the heat, like you lost, we, we, lo- we lost to the weather. We didn't, look at the stats, 500 to 200 total yards. I mean, just look at the stats. It wasn't even close. Half our defense missing, and we lost to the Heat, cramping up and everything. Oh, oh, well, you know, the Dolphins, you know, they played in the same Heat. Yeah, well, you guys are used to it. Plus, they put us on the sidelines. The sun just kind of like in our faces, hour. It was it was a joke, but I was pissed. I thought that they were going to win by 14 at least, 17. BS. Anyway, to answer the question, Bills. I think it's the Bills. So close. I just want one. I just want to know. That, that ruined my day. I was like, man, I, I need to figure out a way to not care as much as I do. I was so mad. You know what happened, by the way? I was so mad that I left the room after, after they missed on fourth down and the Dolphins got the ball back. And then, my, and then I was so mad, I was like stewing. And then my kids ran back and told me that the dude punted the ball on the other guy's butt. <laughs> And they thought it was hilarious. They're like, he just hit him in the butt. I was like, what are you talking about? Went back and then I got my hope. I was already starting to come down and then I got my hopes up again. It's horrible. Wow. TST question, guys. This is big. The great Troy Farkas. Greetings, Mr. Helwani. So I have about 10 different career goals right now. There's so many things I want to do, but I'm spreading myself thin by trying to accomplish all these goals at the same time. In doing so, I actually end up accomplishing none of them because I can't give the proper time slash energy required since there's only one of me who's trying to get all of this done at the same time. As someone like yourself who works for so many different people doing so many different things, how do you make sure that you're still giving the appropriate amount of time slash energy slash focus to each task and that you're actually doing a good job? Well, uh, that is a great question. It's all... It's all about time management and the amount of focus and attention that you give everything. So by now, you should know like, oh, to be the best that I could be at this particular job, I need to give this much of this this kind and this amount of TLC to this job. Now, some jobs don't require as much as the other. Some just require an hour of your time. Some require five hours of your time. It's all very different. But what I would do is prioritize which jobs mean the most to me which goals mean the most to me, which one would give me the most joy, nachas, fulfillment, you prioritize that. Even with something as simple as like writing down on a piece of paper, number one, this one, number two, this one, and then you start dividing up your week, not necessarily your day because you can't do everything in one day, but your week, so there's seven days in the week, Tuesday's gonna be my day for this, Wednesday's gonna be my day for this, Thursday's gonna be my day for this, I feel like I've gotten it down pretty good where I'm like, okay, on this day, I'm going to focus on this. On this day, I'm going to focus on that. Then some days you're focusing on multiple things and those are hectic days. But if you organize it and don't just let it be a thing in your mind where you're constantly having this internal battle where, hey, I need to do this, but I'm not doing this. And if I'm doing this, I'm not paying attention to this. Then you're going to drive yourself crazy. Look at the week, divide every day, make sure every day is, you know, dedicated to the right job and you're giving 
and allotting the right amount of time to that job. And then you move on. And then, all right, Monday, hey, Monday's over. Did I do a good job? Great. Check in at the end of the night. Did I give it enough time, enough effort? Cool. Now Tuesday is the next. Don't let the Monday thing bleed into Tuesday. Tuesday is now devoted to this job. And we're going to do the best at that on Tuesday. We're going to win that day. And then we're going to try to win Wednesday. And that's the way I, I almost look at every day like a win or a loss. Did I win this day? Did I do the best that I could on this day? Did I, did I you know, exceed my expectations? Did I go a little extra? Did I give a little extra? Did I do something that surprised me or others? You know, I like to do that at the end of the day, see, kind of check in and see how I did. So I know TST. I know he has it in him. He's got big plans, lofty goals. Div- divide your week. And even if it's a six-day week, a seven-day week, whatever it is, I don't know how many things he's got on his plate, um, but devote each day to a job or multiple jobs and stick to that. I like routine. I like knowing what I'm doing every Wednesday. I like knowing what I'm doing every Thursday. Now, there's the off week here where you're going to travel, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, but I like the routine because when I get into that routine, I get into a flow. Christian, yo, Ariel, keen for your thoughts on Aaron Bronstetter's report that Conor McGregor is the only active fighter on the UFC's roster to not be tested by USADA this year. Is there any more to this other than coincidence? Seems dicey. People like Travis Brown have been tested this year, but not him. Appreciate you and the team. Definitely seems dicey. Don't understand why the Travis Browns of the world would be tested at this point. That makes no sense to me. I would love to get an explanation as to why this is. If you're asking me, have I looked into it? No. Uh, was Rosh Hashanah and all that stuff, and I was kind of off the grid a little bit, but that's not any kind of excuse. Aaron is a tremendous broadcaster, and I believe his report, um, and that probably took a while to you know cross-reference. Uh, and yeah, not a, not a great look. Uh, but I have felt from the beginning that USADA was you know mired in all kinds of holes, if you will. Um, and it felt like the goalposts were always being moved, whether it was for Brock, whether it was for John Jones, whether it was now. I mean, when's the last event that was affected by USADA suspension? We saw a bunch of them at the beginning. When's the last time that happened? Isn't that a little weird? Who's the last big name that we saw got popped? Is everyone just clean all of a sudden? Have a hard time believing that. Have a hard time believing that it was affecting so many main events. Now you could say, all right, maybe the fighters have learned Maybe there's an education process. Maybe there's a learning curve, all that stuff. I just have a hard time believing it. And my one issue with USAD has always been, from the get-go, this has been consistent from the get-go. Obviously, a clean sport is paramount. Obviously, that's what we all want. But I hate the fact that the fighters have never gotten a say in, um, in the matter. I've never gotten a say in how many times they're drug tested, how many times they're you know coming to their house, how many times... Uh, you know, what time, when, all like that's the kind of stuff that I talk about when I talk about collective bargaining. That's the important stuff. Employees at the UFC aren't tested 24-7, 365. Employees, why should the contractors be? Now I understand the employees aren't fighting in a cage, but you get what I'm saying? The 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 contractors are being monitored via an app that they have to update 24-7 and the employees don't. Seems weird to me. Seems backwards. So there's a ton of issues there. Uh, the Connor one is one that they have to answer for and answer to. And, you know, I would love to hear that answer. I would love to hear the explanation. All right, we'll put a pin on the questions. We're at lucky 13. Finish them up in a bit. For now, though, 
Let's talk to one of the big names in the history of the sport, the underground king. And a lot of people have been wondering, where is Eddie Alvarez going to fight next? What is going on with Eddie Alvarez? We found out the news that he has moved on from one. What happened there? What's his future? Where is he headed? What's he doing? Is he still fighting? All those questions and more shall be answered right here now by Mr. Eddie Alvarez himself. Hello, Edward. How are you? <laughs> Long time, Ariel. Where have Long you been? Time, man. I miss you, buddy. I miss you, too. <laughs> You've been very kind of under the radars, underground, if you will, pardon the pun. You've been keeping a low yeah. profile. <laughs> underground. I was actually considering even coming to New York, but I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what the traffic's going to be like. I would have been able to give you a hug or whatnot, but I know. Uh, not today. Would have been nice. There was a time where you put in that little extra effort to come in studio to see me, but now you can't be bothered. You got your palatial estate in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you can't be bothered, right? I mean, you're probably not even wearing pants right now. I, they, I'm going to leave that to you to guess. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, good to see you as always. Uh, love the background. You got all the titles there. And so let's talk about your fighting future. We found out last week you had parted ways with one championship. Could you tell us why? What happened there? Why are you no longer with one? Well, our my contract, uh, we we signed our contract, and then the pandemic kind of hit. So I put a little weird little, uh, I don't want to say gray area in the contract. It was like a weird little thing that went on where there was a pause, a pretty long pause, a lot longer than what our contract, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, spelled out to be. But uh, either way, um, everybody, everybody involved, like I just, uh, more than anything, the contract kind of was coming to an end and I spoke with Lloyd, my, my agent. And I was basically like, I want my fights. I would like, like my career to kind of finish up in the United States, like in the U S and, um, when we originally sat down with one, the idea was to, uh, kind of, we're going to progressively move to the u.s so like originally in the contract we we're gonna be fighting in um in asia and then the, my idea my plan in my head was where i'm gonna start in asia and then toward the end of my contract we're gonna move closer to the u.s and eventually get a fight there um unfortunately the pandemic kind of threw a wrench in all them plans and uh you know just slowed slowed things up slowed the progression of that up like a lot so you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be more than likely signing my latest contract. I, I just want to fight here in the United States. Like, I have, a, I have a really want and need to fight here in the United States and finish my career here. Could I ask, how many fights did you have left on the deal? On my one deal? Yeah. I, I just, I, I only had a little bit of time left, a okay. tiny bit of time left. Or like, yeah, like that, that was it. That was basically it. And so would you say this was like an amicable split if you will you you told them you want to fight here they seemed okay like are you guys on good terms as you as you go your separate ways a hundred percent okay i've i've only had i've only had bad splits with one company ever and it was public and everybody knew about yeah. it <laughs> and um you know i never want to be involved in anything like that again i never did ever since then and um i don't think i don't think i ever will um, I'm an adult. Uh, I, I know the I know the sport. I know the business. I try to like add value to whatever promotion I go to, and the people that I sign with, they know that. And uh, I don't I don't think there's any there was never any uh, reason to, you know, 
besides the one promotion, I never had any reason to kind of butt heads with anybody. The decision to sign with one a few years ago and, and, and leave the UFC was a huge deal. A lot of people didn't see it coming, and they were being very aggressive signing American-born fighters like yourself, DJ, Sage Northcutt, all kind of at the same time. Um, looking back now and knowing how it played out, and of course, who could have predicted the, per, the the pandemic? Who knows how their future would have turned out if there wasn't a pandemic? Maybe they would have done a few events in the States. But looking back now at how it all played out, are you happy with your time there? Are you happy with what you did? Are you happy with the decision to go over there? Incredibly happy. I, when we signed it, uh, you know, me and my, I know more, my wife was more reluctant to head back to Asia just because we fought in Asia from 2005 all the way to like 2008 in the dream tournament. And it was, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It was a lot. It's a lot to the time change, the being able to stay competitive, through all the, um, like having to acclimate, you know, everything like that. So we knew it was a lot. We knew what, what it was going to entail, but like, you know, I got to go back to Tokyo and fight in front of my, you know, my Japanese fans. It's something I wanted to do. Something I definitely didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to leave that hanging. I always wanted to go back to Japan and fight in front of the Japanese audience. Got to do that. I got to, uh, fight in the Philippines. I got to fight in Manila um singapore i got to travel to singapore fight there see parts of the world i would have never seen before fight in front of fans i would have never gotten fight fight in front of before and then fight with some of the best athletes in the world so like my time there was incredible um i got to see parts of the world that i you know are incredible fighting against athletes that like that that are some of the best in the world so like for me um, it ticked all my boxes. I got, I, I, I got paid a lot, a lot of money. Um, I was able to invest a lot of money and, um, you know, and, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was the perfect move at the perfect time. Okay. So you're 38 right now, turning 39 in January. How many fights realistically do you have left? On, I don't have no. a contract. No, no, no. I mean like in you, like how many fights do you want to like do? Like how many fights you have left in here? Like, you know, what do you think? Two more, three more, four more? What do we think? Oh God, <laughs> dude. So like that's always been a, a weird question for me just because like, and I, and I always have the same answer. Like I never planned on doing this shit in the first place. So like, why would I, like, why would I start making plans now? I'm not, I'm not a planner. Um, I think plans are for schemers. So um, I just kind of, I think, um, you know, I just follow my heart. I follow, like, I, I head into the training room. I see how, like, how how enjoyable it is in the training room. Um, like, how the rounds are in the training room against the top-level guys here in the world right now. And, like, more than anything, gauge how much fun I'm having, like, how engaged I am in the sport. And, like, I got to do that this summer. I got to go out to Florida um enjoy some time with my family this summer but i was also getting ready kind of getting ready for an august fight that uh that kind of uh that that never never uh never manifested um but i was getting ready for an august fight i got to go out to uh sanford which is now Killcliffe, and train with a lot of my old training partners out there jason jackson sean soriano um I mean, Mike, jo- Mike, ja- Mike Johnson was out there, Dorino, like all guys I used to train with like uh, a while back and uh, got to do pads with Henry Hooft and like just kind of see some old friends. And uh, Jason Jackson was getting ready for uh, Lima. 
So I, I, I helped him get ready for his Lima fight, got really good rounds in with him, and he's gotten so, so good over the years. So, like, just, you know, just doing that, getting rounds in with, like, the top-level guys who are still doing it and enjoying myself. I'm like, honestly, like, I'm like, I just – I. I feel like I need to be back in the cage and be fighting at a high, at a, at a high level. That, that, that's, that's exactly how I felt when I left it, left there. By the way, why didn't the August fight materialize? Uh, we were just speaking back and forth about, um, about, about, um, th this situation was still being spoke about, okay. you know, the idea of coming back to America and, you know, because, uh, the, the fight ended up being on, um, on american television but not in america got it you know so uh i was just trying to you know hopefully try to get a fight here in america and that's that's what my head's wrapped around today now that like whoever i do end up signing with i want to be on american soil i want to be close to home and uh the pandemic has brought up a lot of a lot of weird things but like wherever you travel you know there's different rules wherever you travel and depending on what goes on during your stay there, you're, you're subject to the rules of that right. state country, whatever it is. And uh, it just made things like a little too unpredictable for me. I'm like, I would like to have my feet on American soil and like fight here. And, uh, you know, in front of my friends, fans, family, and like, like, uh, you know, I like, I won't, I won't be fighting another five, 10 years. So like, I, I know I, I'll be, I have years left more than like decades so it's like i'd like to do it here in america so you okay so around eight days and and yeah. there's some really big fights here like and just recently we're like what just went on there's some really big fights that are possible oh. for me here that, what are you that i'm about? excited about what, what, what are you referring to i'm they're just possibilities not like I, there's nothing signed i'm just saying yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they, Nate just got free yeah. and I just got free. I just got free. And like this, this rarely ever happens, but like that happened with me and Mike Chandler at a certain time. And I called Mike Chandler on the phone and I said, Hey man, don't go signing with anyone. Let's walk into an office together. I think, I think that it's more beneficial as a matchup to walk in front of a promoter together, um, that we'd make a lot more money doing that. So like, there's not, there's there's hypotheticals or opportunities like that like here in America that that can't be seen in Asia right now or be seen in other places so like there's a lot of big fights that could be had here by the way when you uh pitch that to Mike did you guys ever walk into an office together or at least pitch someone together no man he uh he he said it's a great idea to me and I, I left the conversation hopeful. And then I didn't hear from him and I heard he re-signed with Bellator. Oh, right. And I'm like, <laughs> it was kind of, it was, kinda, it was uh, yeah, it was discouraging. I'm like, man, you gotta, I guess you gotta hope that your rival becomes your teammate at least for five minutes. Right. But uh, no, that, that didn't work. So since this news came out that you're a free man, and by the way, any strings attached here or could you literally sign with anyone today? I, I, I'm free. You're good. Okay. I'm free. You're free. That's tremendous. Since this came out around eight days ago, what's the interest been like? Who are you hearing from? Who are we talking to? Let's figure this out right here and now. Lay it on the table for us. What do we got? It's it's been almost every it's been almost everyone. Um, 
everyone reaching out and man Lloyd, man Lloyd begin meetings, I think on the third. Oh, um, do you need me there? We begin meet. We'll be meeting somewhere near you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, may, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll let, maybe I'll let you join in. That'd be incredible. I'll, I'll tell Lloyd to take a back seat, and let you negotiate. Who are you meeting with area. in this area? <laughs> Who are you meeting with? Uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say it. But for the most part, every every all the biggest names that everybody's already been mentioning have all reached out, and we're, we have meetings with almost everyone. So, wow. um. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hear everyone out, and I'm more more than anything I'm gonna hear the fans out. And I, I've I've been listening to the fans, so like keep tweeting, uh, keep DMing me, keep because uh, it's important to me. Um, you know, I'm not at the beginning of my career. I'm to, I'm toward the end of my career, and I would love to you know I love to do what the fans want me to do, and their their voice uh, means something to me. So. Um, they should call out for the fights that they want. And um, if enough of them, if the voice gets loud enough, you know, promoters hear it and uh, I'm, I'm willing to fight anyone. You know, it's not, it's no, no skin off my back. Like I'll, I'll fight anyone in the world. If, uh, if the fans want to put an awesome fight together against and like you name it, you know, they, even, even in the UFC, like uh, the, the UFC right now, um, out of the top eight, I've I've beaten four out of the top eight, and like three or three of them guys are in the mix for the in the hunt for the title. Whether it's Poirier, Gaethje, or Chandler, all three of them I've wins over, um, can win over them again, and they're all in the hunt for the UFC title. I, even Dos Anjos is number eight, mm. and, I've, and I and I and I and I have wins over him. So like to get back back in that mix is awesome. To win another American World Title somewhere is awesome. Um, to do a super fight with with uh, a new uh, the new free agent who's unsigned, you know, Auto um, I believe is free. I believe Nate is free, and I'm sure there'll be other free guys within the next couple months that are larger names that you can do a card with. Um, I don't know, there's just a lot a lot of opportunity out there and a lot of big names to make to make some good fights with. Wow. Okay. So can I ask you some blunt questions? Uh, mainly, would you be willing to go back to the UFC? Would you be open to that? Yes. Would you, yeah. be, would you be open to going back to Bellator? Yeah. Despite the messy divorce that you just referenced? Yeah. My, my messy divorce with Bellator was with Bjorn Rabney. It wasn't with Scott Coker. Like I, um, I was freed by Scott Coker. Right. I was not... I was not held captive by Scott Coker. Uh, they fired Bjorn. Scott Coker took head. Then I was freed. Right. Um, my issue was never with Bellator the name. I had a spat with a CEO, and I, or, or I had a spat with the president, and that president got fired. So um, I'm not – I don't think I have like a – you're not going to mention a company, and I'm going to go – no, I don't. I don't think okay. I, as long as there's big fights, big fights involved in that company, like a bigger names and big fights, I, I'm I'm gonna probably more than likely going to say yes and leave my options open. And I think most fans, I don't think any fans that that reached out to me so far was like, don't do this. You know, they're right. like, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, 
So the one that I was curious about was obviously the PFL has been very aggressive lately in signing guys, and they've got some big plans. They're going on pay-per-view. They've got their finals in New York. They just announced that today. But I was wondering if someone like yourself who's accomplished so much and you know, you're, you're getting up there in age, would you be willing to do the whole tournament thing? Like That's a lot. And we've seen some guys come over from promotions, big names, and then afterwards being like, damn, this was a lot tougher. I mean, I'm fighting every two months here. My body's just taking a beating. Would, would that kind of preclude you from looking at the PFL or would you be open to that kind of schedule? No, I think I'm better. I think I'm better on that kind of schedule, but for the, for the type of person I am, like I've only done two or three tournaments my whole career. And I'm almost, I thought my first fight was in 2003. Where are we at now? I'm almost, I'm almost two decades. So like, yeah, so we're we're going on we're going on twenty years um, of, of of chaos. So, um, like for me, my best fighting was done, and my best like uh, my most balanced life was done inside of a tournament structure. Like uh, I just do better there um, because I'm I'm not the type of fighter who stays in the gym year round. I don't. Um, I tried it. It don't work for me. I am 100% full-on focused, disregard everyone, uh, laser focused for three months. Um, no one talked to me. I, I, I ignore everyone. And then I um, fight. And then I do the same thing the other way. I drop everything. I don't want to fight. I don't want to train. I don't want to speak with anybody, coach, or anything about anything. I want to go with my family away somewhere, book one way, and do whatever I want. And then when, when I feel the energy again, I get back in the gym. So like what tournaments do is they force me, they force me to be focused for a long period of time. And it, and I actually get a lot better and improve, um, quickly when I, when I do things like that. Do you want to fight again in 2022? Um, by the end of this year, I tough. It's a stretch. It's just it's yeah. a stretch. More likely, more than likely, it'll be the beginning of next. Okay. Um, where are we where are we at right now? We're we're in the beginning of yeah October almost. Yeah, we're coming. We're come. We're coming in October. So October, November, December. Yeah, more than more than likely, it's gonna be the beginning of next year. Okay. And and just curious, uh, you've always been someone who's had great takes on the state of the business. Like, how do you feel about the state of the business? What you guys are making? You've not been shy about you know testing free agency and knowing your worth and fighting for what you're worth. Like, you know, now we're seeing Nate and we're seeing Aldo, sure. But I mean, Nate had to freaking scratch and claw his way to freedom. And and, and Aldo just kind of, you know, I think he had one fight left and, and they let him go and maybe he's on the back nine of the career. It's very rare. It, it's to, it's still not boxing, right? How do you feel about, you know, the 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 liberties that you guys have, the the freedom to pay, all that stuff right now, the state of the business? I I think that, um, I would I, I would love to consult. Like I'm I I don't think collective bargaining is going to work. I don't know if they, but I would love to consult with younger fighters, um, just to explain them the, the the business of this sport because I don't. No one values free agency, and they don't understand the power in it. Once once you've made a name for yourself, or once you've held a world title, um, and I think fighters uh, will complain that they can't get out of a contract or they can't do this. But like, you have to remember the first day you signed that contract, you were happy with it, right? You were, you were happy with it at some point. And now the key is 
to add value, well, let's say the contract six fights, you have to add as much value to yourself and to that promotion during them six fights as possible. That way you're more valuable outside of the contract, but you have to leave the contract. You mm. can't, you can't allow a company to come in a, a fight or two before the contract and, and re-sign you for another six and eight. And you can't do that because you're honestly, you're, you're killing yourself. And then I think, I don't know if the resentment is toward the promotion, but it should be geared back at the manager or the fighter themselves going, why do you, why do you keep resigning? Because your biggest value and your biggest assets, the idea of free agency and being able to get to find out what you're worth. Um, I don't know who to blame. I don't, if I ran a business and I, I, I have multiple businesses, I don't know if I would do anything different. I would try to get my products for as cheap as possible and then sell them for as, as much as I can. And I think that's what the top companies do. They try to, we're the products. They, they try to get us for as cheap as possible and they try to sell us to a larger audience for a lot more so they gain a profit. It's up to me, the product, to go, I need to find out what I'm worth. Right. Like it's my responsibility. No one's gonna no one's gonna give a fuck about what I'm worth more than I should. I should care more than anyone and figure out what's my number, what's my number there, 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 and there. That way I can um, you know, I I I I can negotiate properly for myself. But you know how I it just goes. don't think you know how it goes. They say, Oh, you want this fight, okay, but we're gonna have to tack on, you know, four more fights to this deal, right? Like isn't that the way it goes down quite often? Oh, you want this big fight or you wanna renegotiate you want this pay bump? We're gonna have to tack on. That's that's I mean, standard procedure, is it not? hundred percent. And you gotta say no. Right. You yeah. gotta say no. Yeah. You gotta say no because Whatever that value is, that tack on, or whatever that value is in that fight for you, and most of the time it's not money, Ariel. It's attention. Right. A lot of these guys are selling themselves for attention, not money. They're getting the main event, or they're getting they're getting a you know uh, more exposure in some way, shape, or form. Promotions aren't they're 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 paying with with they're paying with uh, attention, not not money. And the fighter's ego gets involved, and then they sign a deal that monetarily sucks for them. And in the long term, they're gonna—they're not gonna make nearly as much money as what they should have if they didn't, if their ego didn't get involved and want that main event spot. You know what I mean? And I'm look—I'm for the fighter. I'm—I'm a hundred percent, and everybody knows that. That's why I've been a free agent so long. I'm for the fighter, but I'm also for taking accountability and responsibility in you, right? And like. No one should give a fuck on earth about your value and about how much money you make than you, not your agent, not your promoter, not your best friends, your wife, your mom, you, you should care. You're walking in a cage, risking your health. You should care uh, how much you're getting paid and and how much, and know how much you're worth. By the way, you mentioned uh, Nathan Diaz. That would be, I I didn't really think of that. that. That would be something. You guys fighting under some sort of like independent banner. Do you think this is a possibility? I don't, I, I mean, I don't want to get fans right up for nothing. I don't, I, I've, Nate's been sent contracts with my name on them in the UFC for a while. And we, we've never, 
got a chance to fight. I don't know if it's ever going to happen outside. I think Nate is more trying to more trying to get, you know, the Jake Pauls of the world or like uh I don't know who else he has on his plate, but a lot bigger exposure to myself, but like MMA alone and just like the MMA gods coming together in a real in a real MMA fight. Um I think that'd be great for the, you know, for the hardcore fans, for the underground fans. But no, I don't do I the likelihood of it, um, it'd be more likely that I'd sign it than they would. Uh, there, there is this new market now with you know MMA fighters going over and boxing. Whether it's like a Woodley and he was in talks to fight in Dubai recently and all this YouTube stuff. Are you interested in any of that? I remember there was a time where I think Triller was kind of talking to you about maybe I think De La Hoya at one point. Are you interested in any of this crossover stuff? It it depends. I mean, my my heart and soul is in MMA. I wanted to I wanted to die there mm. in 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 mixed martial arts. Um, but like I do, like just like anyone listening, I have a family. I would like so like if some retarded number came across the table, and I just had to look at my family and go, "Fuck, man, I don't want to do this, but I will because it's gonna it'll you know it's gonna benefit us later on or whatnot." I I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past me because like I train a lot of boxing. Um, I have the best resources here in Philadelphia to train with the best boxers in the world right now. So um, as far as preparation, if you gave me three to four months, I'd, I'd, there's no doubt in my mind that I'd, I'd beat a lot of pro boxers or a lot of guys who think they're pro boxers in the world um, with the resources I have and the people I'm able to train with. By the way, speaking of Philadelphia, I remember like, I don't know, four or five-ish, maybe even more years ago, Lloyd, your your agent, Lloyd Pearson, sent me a video of a young man. He's like, this is a this is a disciple of Eddie Alvarez. His name is Joe Pfeiffer. You gotta look out for this guy. And now we're starting to see this guy kick some ass in the UFC. You've known him, and I think you knew his dad a long time ago, right? There's something, and there's like this whole new era of guys. Sean Brady. Every time I talk to Sean Brady, he sounds exactly like you. I feel like I'm talking to you. Like he says, <laughs> he says Foyt, just like you. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I feel like I'm talking to Eddie Alvarez 15 years ago. It seems like there's this whole new era of guys coming up through Philly who were all kind of relate, like from your from your tree, if you will. Yeah, well, Philly MMA is so small, so like, there's not, there's probably not going to be a guy that isn't from from my tree. Like we we were one gym or maybe two or three gyms to start in the whole area of everything. When when we begun, it was a fight factory balance studios and maybe maybe some other ones so like we've all are disciples of these three gyms that have branched out you know have become you know marquez and and martinez bjj and balance like now it's gotten large but the guys at at marquez mma and what they're what they're doing down here in philly i mean the, the what they're breeding and what they're able to do right now and the guys that are in there arguably is one of the best gyms in the world. I went there, I trained and I've trained, I train everywhere and what's going on there is something special, man. And, uh, yeah, guys like Joe Pfeiffer, Sean Brady, um, Joe, I knew since he was four years old, his dad wow. used to bring him in the gym. His dad used to pit him against larger kids. The kids used to fuck Joe up sometimes. And then his dad would get really mad at him and yell at him and scream. And I, I would, 
feel I felt the stories Joe's are Joe's telling, yeah. you know, you know, it's sadly or you know, he he dealt with a lot from a young age with fighting and his his father. Um I love Big Joe Pfeiffer, but he's had he had a, he has a big ego and some guys live through try to live through their sons and Joe was, you know, Joe had to deal with that. Um little Joey had to deal with that. And he's been literally fighting at that level um, again with guys like me in the room since he was four years old. So I'm glad to see he's getting what he deserves now. And uh, to see to hear Dana say Beecho Pfeiffer, I mean, it's just a magical thing for me because I knew I knew the kids since he was four. And he was weird when he says he was weird and awkward and all that. He was a fucking weird kid. He'd walk up to other he'd walk up to other little kids and just say like. Hey, I'm gonna choke you the fuck out. Like he, he acted like his dad. Wow. Even when he was four, when he was four, he acted like he had the ego of his dad. Like he was just saying what his dad would say to people. So he would say shit that wasn't like, it wasn't really socially like yeah. norm. People were like, dude, what are you talking about? But he was real cocky and arrogant, like his father at at like a five six year old age. Wow. Yeah, what a story. And then you got Brady. Brady's about to yep. fucking, uh, you heard it here first. Sean's going to, I mean, I love Bilal. You know, I've always loved watching him in this and that, but Sean's going to smash him. He's going he's gonna to smash him and take his spot. And uh, I've never been more positive out in my life. Um, I, I've been high on that guy. I called Dana White directly years back and said, um, here's a guy and he'll be your guy and he'll win the championship wow. and he's damn near there um ending on you for a moment you don't have to tell me and 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 maybe it's smart not to, but like are you leaning in one direction is your heart leaning in one direction right now and you're going to see how this plays out and you're going through your own little free agency tour but in your heart of hearts if you had a choice do, do you have a wish where you end up Like a, like a, a where like in a perfect world. Yeah, I wish I'd end, end up. I do, honestly like the fan. The fans would love to see a Mike Chandler three fight, right? And that's kind of what I've gotten on my what I've gotten on my um, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Everybody wants to see that fight, and that'd be great. That'd be amazing, and I I'd want to fulfill that for people, and I'd want to say, hey, this is for you guys. Uh, Let's do it. Let's make it happen. My my issue is, you know, the it's, it's so much. You have to take so much less, right? Than ever than all the other bidders. So, like, I don't, I don't, I want to make that happen, but I don't want to kill myself either. So, like, the fans that are watching, like, hey, understand, I, I hear you. I want to make the big fights you want to see, but um, I'm I don't want. I can't take half of what everybody else is offering. I can't take a, a third of what everyone else is offering. So um, I'm open to everything, but also you got to understand, like I'm, I'm a working man just like you are. And I'm trying to get the best deal done we can. Okay. This is going to be no, great. Our, our meetings start on the third. Okay. Our meetings start on, on the third. So they begin very soon. And then everybody's going to be able to hear where we're headed at next. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, good luck with that. Please keep us posted. If you need me at any of the meetings, I'm in the, I'm, you know, I'm in the area, so I'm happy to uh, look out for, you know, I, I'm, you're in good hands with Lloyd, but if you need another ear, 
uh, happy to jump in, whether it's, you know, speaker phones and whatever. And uh, I'm happy to hear that you're still fighting. You're in good spirits. And I can't wait to see how this plays out. I could think of a lot of great options for you, to be honest. A little shot in the arm for a few of the up-and-comers. So let's see how this goes. Thank you, as always, Eddie. Great to talk to you. And let's not make it three years until the next chat, all right? Stop being so elusive. I'll see you, buddy. (laughs) All right. There he is, Eddie Alvarez, the underground king. What a legend he is. And an interesting name to follow. We were talking about shots in the... I mean... Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I could see him on a PFL card. I'll tell you that much. I could see him on a Bellator card. That'd be interesting. And wouldn't you know, we're talking to the Bellator president in about 30 minutes. So we'll ask... Uh, one Scott Coker about him as well. Interesting how he phrased that, right? Scott was the one who freed me, uh, not the one who kept me captive. Now, I can't believe it, my friends. I cannot believe this. But in a matter of seconds, we're going to be talking to a man who I have not talked to in about 10 years. And we found out just a couple of days ago that he is returning to action on October 15th, Octagon MMA, Frankfurt, Germany. We have not seen or really heard from John Hathaway in quite some time. His last fight eight years ago in Macau, China, against Dung Young Kim. But he appears to be healthy, appears to be in a good spot, appears to be in good spirits, and he's returning in a little over two weeks' time. I can't believe it. John Hathaway, is he there? Is it really him? There yeah. he is. Yeah, I'm here. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. John, how are you? Great to chat you. I'm very well, thank you very much. It was really cool as well. Caught the end of uh, Eddie's chat as well. Obviously, I've, I've been a big fan of Eddie as well for a while. Obviously, the Chandler fights were just uh, absolutely epic. And yeah, I, hopefully he can get what he deserves and, and get a third one in. Well, I have to say, I am delighted to see you, see that smile, hear that voice. It has been a long time, my friend. It has really been a long time. And this news kind of came out of nowhere. You know, a couple of days ago, a reporter, I believe it was Aaron Bronstetter, who tweeted that these fighters are still being tested by USADA. And I saw your name on there and I was like, golly, John Hathaway, what happened to him? And then a couple of days later, we find out that you're coming back and you have signed with Octagon MMA. And so could I ask you and take as much time as you want, where have you been, John? Why have we not seen you since 2014? Well, I guess obviously uh, I had like osteosclitis, which is like a kind of form of Crohn's in like the lower bowel. And kind of, I think I ended up having to put out 
think it was about three, maybe four fights I ended up pulling out of. And I kind of, on that last one, which was the the Gunnar Nelson one, which I believe was a couple months after the the loss to Kim, I kind of were like, I can't keep basically, or I thought to myself, I can't keep doing this and pulling out for a couple of weeks notice on guys. It's not really fair. And I was like, I basically took a backward step to kind of, I guess, go through the process of of trying to fix myself or even cure myself in this uh, this respect. How much pain so, um, were you in yeah. at that time? Um, I mean, it's, it's always massively discomfort. Any kind of a, I don't know if you had any stomach issues, but any kind of like bowel issues or anything, it's just a general general discomfort. Do you know what I mean? It's not as painful as getting a cut or getting shot or stabbed or anything like right. that, but it's a general just low-level discomfort the whole time. Obviously, when it flares up even worse, it kind of gets more uncomfortable and just very hard to kind of train to a good level, really. And, and, were, and you're constantly kind of fatigued on it. And were you battling this? Like, were you, was this always, you know, like maybe you were at a three, a four, and then it would flare up even when you were in your prime in the UFC? Yeah. So especially towards the end. So I think probably my first four fights in the UFC, I didn't have it. And then from then onwards, I would say after the pile fight is when I, I got it. So uh, I'd had obviously um, uh, Tommy Egan fight, Rick Story, Diego, pile. And then after that, I think I was coming up to, match against matt brown actually and that was when i first kind of got diagnosed with this and, and started having a lot of troubles with it and then yeah depending some fights i managed to kind of get through camp and, and not have any troubles some fights i'd be on a, a medication called prendiserone which is kind of like a it's like an anti-inflammatory steroid which you have to be on which kind of like doesn't do wonders for your bodies kind of just makes a uh, other problems but again makes it anti-inflammation so it kind of brings down the uh symptoms of of uc or Crohn's. And you had to have multiple surgeries? Uh, yeah, so basically it was, I guess, three surgeries for for one thing. So the first surgery is to remove the large bowel. So wow. it ends up working out about two kilos, two and a half kilos of, of kind of bowel. Wow. The second surgery, so you get a stoma from that, which is basically what you, your butthole kind of coming out of your uh, abdomen. And you'll have a, a stoma bag, so you'll be pulling in a bag. And then from there, I had a, a J pouch made. So I believe it was about four months after about four or five months after they build the j pouch which is basically the end of your small bowel they build a pouch which sits like kind of a on your bum hole and then you'll still have a stoma because they they let that settle for about four horrible. to six weeks I, it's, it's, I mean it's, it's more crazy what they, they can yeah. do with the human body now it's just you know amazing I mean? like that you're talking about this yeah like so chalantly it's unbelievable it sounds like a, a nightmare but i mean <laughs> There was one nightmare part of it where uh, basically on my first surgery, I had my surgery and um, it was like this odd thing where like I had a um, epidurin, you know what, what pregnant women have, yeah, so I yeah. couldn't feel anything oh, while I no. had it. And I, I felt amazing after the surgery. I was like, obviously almost like it's a weird thing because you have like say two and a half kilos of like almost necrotic bad flesh taken out. So I like instantly was like, oh, I feel so much better now. Right. And I still had the epidurin and I was like, oh, they no. were like, want you to eat and drink. So I was eating and drinking. It was all fine. They took the epidural and basically my body realized that something catastrophic had happened to it. Oh no. So my bowel like shut shut down, but it shut down with like loads of stuff in it, basically. So like wholly oh. just froze up, nothing was passing. Anything I drank would basically like fill up and then just come back out. Oh my god. And it's gosh. that weird thing of like any kind of nauseous medication I was on, like didn't do anything. And it was just before Christmas, and it was this really odd process where like Everyone in there, I managed to get it done privately as well, which is, is a plus because I was waiting on the NHS to do it. And I think I missed the first week because 
some other more important things came in. So I managed to get private after that. But I was walking around this private hostel and it was almost like the scene um, at the beginning of 28 Days Later where basically everyone had gone home for Christmas. Oh. There's like just me and like my nightgown with like a um, little um, IV in me. Oh, and I was just gosh. like wandering around because they're like, they tell you to get up and try basically walk around as much as you can to kind of like stimulate your bowel or, or just get your body moving. So I was like hobbling around this uh, place. Like half of it was shut off because it's Christmas time. No one's in. So it's just like this really eerie kind of a uh, odd occasion. But regardless it took i think about three four days of that and then i, I got past that body started working again and then uh i was home for christmas so it wasn't well, so bad were you depressed i mean that's that's a depressing scene that you just described there here at one point you're fighting at the o2 you're this massive prospect world renowned uh 17 and 2 in the ufc everyone's talking about you as a yeah. future champion uh you know like this well-rounded fighter coming out of a great like did you feel depressed did you feel down and if so how did you get over that uh i guess i never felt truly down i mean i got hiccups one of the days when i had it and that was super grim and my wife well she was my wife at that time well she was my wife wife was there she was just basically laughing at me as i'm hiccuping and being in a, a bit of uncomfortableness but i said it was right i said i always knew what i wanted to do i always knew from the the moment i i met the the surgeon I was like, I'm going to go back internal, like build the J pouch. So I don't have basically an external kind of um, bag. So I'll go back internal so I can basically get back to doing some kind of competition. Like whether, even if it wasn't going to be, say, MMA, whether it'd just be wrestling or grappling or, or some boxing, like I just wanted to get back to doing something. So I always had that kind of motivation to kind of, I guess, keep going and keep cracking on with it. Wow. How how long were you away from the gym? Like, you know, when you're going through all of this, you can't train at all. So, you know, like, did you go years without training? Uh, probably not years. Again, I was always trying to pop up to shoot as much as I could. Like, this is before the surgeries. So, um, I kind of like, once I got past the initial surgeries, I went back up to shoot. Obviously, we had a, probably a couple of weeks where they were like, oh, you know, once I was, I was back to healthiness, they were like, oh, we don't really want you taking any body shots or anything, which is understandable. Yeah. But we're, we're kind of way past that now that like body's fine. We can get hit, kicked, everything. It's just like a normal body or what anyone else wow. would kind of have, you know? That is... Yeah, I mean, before that, when I was just getting through all the, all the different medications, like I was trying to get up as much like I guess I could without my body kind of like collapsing on me again sure. and, and getting a flare up. Uh, did you keep in touch, like, you know, like the sport? Like, did you keep tabs on the sport? Did you still watch the sport? Did you still watch the UFC? Or was that difficult for you because it had kind of been taken away from you? I think for the probably the first year or two, it was quite difficult for me. But after that, I basically, I just fell back in love with it. I think I started teaching again a bit more. And just it couldn't, couldn't really stay away from it. It's the same a little bit like with... It's not just a MMA for me. Like, just the whole combat sport scene is just so cool at the moment. Right. It's so nice to follow. Like, with the ADCCs recently, have just been an amazing thing to watch as well. So, um, yeah, just combat sports in general is just, just on a whole new high, and it's just doing amazing. Obviously, the boxing's always really good as well. So, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, was there any doctor, any professional that told you, yeah, like, you'll get better and we'll fix you, but you'll never fight again. Like we do not advise this. Was was that ever said to you at any point? No, it was actually never said to me. The surgeon wow. never said that. I mean, one of the things what he, he kind of did say, I guess, was like he said about going back internal. He was like, most people prefer having the bag because it's just so much easier than like, I guess, going to the toilet naturally. Right. So, and I, I definitely felt that when I first started going 
I guess back again through my bumhole rather than just pooing in a bag and draining it. Like it, <laughs> it becomes it becomes so much more mature. And it's one of the things again, no one should ever really get to that point where they realize like, oh man, like, yeah, you have to make that decision. Just doing it like this way is just like such a pain in the backside. I can just drain a bag. It's Literally. It's, it's, uh, it's no problem. But yeah, I guess, you know, again, I knew it was, it was not going to hold me back. So I was, I was kind of even when that was, uh, and it was annoying going back to being, I guess, normal, but you're just like, I wanted to do it so much. It didn't bother me. So here's the thing. Are, are you still, because I saw that thing about USADA, like, were they really testing you during all of this? Yeah, so they were, they were still testing me at least three, three to four times a year. Come on, really? So for the last, I guess, eight, eight or nine years. I mean, all the guys who come and test me are always super nice, nice people. So I don't mind have a chance. Of, I mean, I guess the only annoying thing was for large parts of it i was on different medications before i had the went yeah. down the surgery option i was on like some just random wacky like immune suppressant medication or biological immune suppressant medication it was just that weird thing of like i made sure i mean after the first couple i made sure i had it on my phone written down rather than being like oh, i'm on these medications and sure. trying to find like what ones i'm actually on or or whatnot because again they'd always catch me like at the gym when i'm teaching or sometimes first thing in the morning so you know you wouldn't be necessarily have these things on hand being like oh these are the dozen medications i'm on to like try fix my body up but what's the point of testing you if you were nowhere near coming back i have no idea okay <laughs> no idea really i mean the, the good thing about it i guess in in, in the hindsight thing that i'm, I'm back to being and it's like is i've been clean for like eight years or seven years so it's, it's not yeah. like i have to have any I guess, set in period where they're like, oh, we've got to make sure we test you a lot for the next six months and make sure you've kind of not been taking anything. Now, why, why eight years? Like, you're coming back October 15th and, I'm, and I want to talk to you about Octagon, but were you told at some point, like, okay, you are officially cleared to fight again and this was at some certain, like, why are you deciding to come back now, essentially, and not six months ago or four months ago? I guess to, to a certain, certain point, we started trying to, get back probably beginning of this year almost and wow. we're speaking to ufc but i think the ufc we're in the point and again i'll say as well off the bat, ufc has been pretty good of like let me take this time off and kind of work out you know, get to the bottom of my body problem basically and end up having the surgery to fix yeah. it rather than all the medication i said but they were at the point i think at the beginning of this year of like they didn't really know what to do with me they were like they didn't just want to chuck me back in with that long out just in case like you know, I, I don't have any ability left in me when, you know, again, confident that I have the ability just because I've been training again with, with all the guys that shoot in some other places. So I'm, I'm confident that I'm back to almost the level where I was at, or at least a very high level. But um, yeah, they didn't know what to do with me. So they, they kind of asked me to, I guess, go have a, a tune-up fight somewhere to be able to compete somewhere else. It took a little while to actually get a, an organization that would kind of accept me almost on like a limited contract. Uh, thing or a one fight contract obviously I'm, I'm blessed in that we managed to speak to octagon and we managed to get that kind of sorted with them so i've managed to get that secured in and then um yeah i'll just basically crack on with that and it, obviously it's taken till now till october wow. to kind of organize that and, and get that all sorted out so in the in the press release where octagon announced that you're returning again it's october 15th in frankfurt germany and octagon's been doing amazing things they're really one of the up-and-coming promotions in europe massive crowds all over europe it said multi-fight deal that you signed with them. Yeah. So how yeah, I've got a multi-fight deal. I said like, if UFC may not want me back, if they want me back at some point, we will kind of okay. start negotiations and, uh, and organize that. But yeah, I've got a four-fight deal with Octagon. As you've said, like 
I'm super happy with it. When you look at the, say, when you look at that October card, like there's so much good European talent in there, and they've all got such great records as well now. So it really is going to be a nice, I guess, competitive show. There's a bunch of good people on it. Now, this is a crazy question to ask someone who's been out for eight years, but why is the fight like so soon? Like it was just announced and you're fighting October 15th. Have you known about it for a while? Because it seems like a really quick, you know, turnaround from the announcement to the actual fight happening. Yeah, again, I probably knew maybe a couple weeks out and we were kind of just uh, negotiating kind of, I guess, opponents and trying to finalize that kind of contract on payment and how many fights were there because originally again we were just trying to i guess get a one fight contract deal just in case ufc wanted it back but we were fine taking like that four five one again we've been speaking to the ufc and they were fine with this so it was just taking i guess a couple a couple extra weeks to kind of okay cross the t's and dot, dot the i's you know uh i saw in the press release and i asked them but i didn't hear back maybe they wrote me while we're on the air in the press release it says versus tba you versus the dreaded tba do you have an opponent yet uh, no, it's meant to be hopefully confirmed tonight for for the opponent. Obviously, there was they got a bunch of good names in the worldweight division, so just kind of trying to find one which wants the fight with me and uh, getting organized on, on again a couple weeks notice as well. Okay, so you will be fighting as as a welterweight again. Yes. Okay, and have you, you know, have you kept uh, like the UK MMA scene? I'm sure you don't need to hear it from me is incredible now, right? I mean, there's a champion. Uh, the shows are incredible. The amount of talent from, you know, from Leon all the way down, Tom Aspinall was doing. Isn't this an incredible... Like, when you were fighting eight years ago, I remember going to uh, UFC 120 at the O2, and, there, you know, there's you, there's Bisping, there's, but it wasn't this type of talent. It was nowhere near this type of talent. Yeah. Um, what do you make of what has become of the UK MMA scene? And it's not just like, oh, a bunch of strikers. Everyone's well-rounded, Every you know, from jiu-jitsu to wrestling this this type of evolution in the last 10 years what do you make of it i again it's super cool like the best thing is uh, it's not all just a bunch of boxes which have turned to mma everyone's got skills in absolutely every every department and the cool thing is it's, it's not just one weight division obviously you've got leon which is amazing and uh, i was so happy for him to win that i actually made sure i stayed up for that one and kind of watched that one live which is uh it's been a while since they did i normally kind uh-huh. of catch up on sunday mornings for him but i, I wanted to be up for that one but yeah you've got heavyweights you've got all the way, like, there's a good UK guy in every weight division. In fact, there's, there's more than one. There's always a couple. And there's always a couple kind of vying to get into, say, the bigger promotions like UFC and Bellator. So, yeah, it's, it's a great time for UK MMA, but just MMA is a general thing. But the general level of everyone's just got higher as, like, an all-round thing rather than, I said, even though I wasn't, like, super early days, I was still in the point where people were predominantly, like, A-style a lot of the time. So, yeah. It's a golden age of, uh, of mixed martial arts, or as I, said, as I said earlier, just combat sports in general. Right. And it's very rare to see someone come back in combat sports after an eight-year hiatus and, and the kind of health issues that you have had to overcome. Ultimately, why is this important to you? Why, why do you want to come back? Uh, again, it's something I've always loved to do. Ever since I was, say, 15 years old and I first watched my first UFC and then started watching, say, like The Prides and all the other shows, it's just like which... Uh, I love competing and I love competing in combat sports. Uh, for me, again, I guess I definitely didn't finish my combat. If, the, if the, what I finished was the end of my combat career, I definitely didn't finish it in the way I wanted it to finish. Right. And definitely was kind of felt like a little bit taken away from me. And I said, I'm just lucky that I've managed to 
bring this around and get back to a point where I kind of can compete and do stuff again. Uh, how much did it bother you that the last fight was was the loss to Kim? Like that it wasn't some great win. You had so many more wins and losses, seventeen and two, an unbelievable run right. by any stretch. But that it was that one. Like that was the the most recent one on the record. Did that bother you? Did that sit? You know, oh yeah, like, massively yeah? so. Yeah, definitely, definitely sits bad again. Even if I'd managed to say get the the gunner fight, I would have been a would have been a good fight, kind of a good competitive different style. Obviously, losing to Kim in that way is a a great show for him, but obviously a, a bad show for me. I think what was more annoying is watching his next fight straight after me of Tyron Woodley, and like almost like when I'm one you're like, oh, I hope he does well, just because it, it almost makes me seem yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Spun straight away from the elbow and just got clipped by Woodley straight away, and you're like. Oh, you <laughs> waited like three rounds to throw it on me, yet you did it like the first thing as soon as you get in there. You're like, damn it, again. But then he was always a wicked guy, so obviously he won. But um, it was a, he was a great guy to compete against. He had some great fights in the UFC as well. And, 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 you know, as you mentioned, a lot of promotions now are doing a lot of big things in Europe. But, you know, uh, PFL is coming there, doing shows. Bellator just right. had a, a show in Dublin, and they've gone to the UK you're still a UFC fighter, like in the sense that you can't, if, if Bellator or PFL or one of these guys want to grab you, you can't do that. Like UFC is giving you permission to fight with Octagon, but you couldn't go from Octagon to one of these other guys. I think basically after these next couple of fights, we'll, we'll basically figure out whether the UFC contracts terminate or whether they're going to want to pick it back up again. I guess it's on freeze at the moment, but as you said, there's, I love UFC. They've done some great things for me and great things that they've made, but, there's some great organizations out there as well. Obviously, it was, it was enjoyable to see that PFL finally came over as well. Had their, I think they had back-to-back weekends, I believe, yeah. as well, once in Cardiff and then yeah. somewhere else. So it was just cool. Yeah, it was London, wasn't it? It was Cardiff yeah. and London. But yeah, I said, MA's just on a cool boom at the moment. There's some great shows out there. People are doing some great things. And uh, just curious, um, those surgeries, you mentioned private, I'm sure rather pricey. Yeah. Did UFC help you with that? Uh, no, I mean... Got lucky that we managed to get a um, kind of like business, basically insurance for it. So, okay, like for a family business, what what my family runs. So I managed to get on the books for that and just just get it done privately in the UK. Okay, it was a bit of like I said, it was that odd thing of like I waited. I think it was one or two weeks where I missed my spot for the NHS, and we were just like, you know, we'll just jump on this if we can get it. It worked out. The insurance company were happy to take it. So, and no concerns whatsoever about anything. You know, going in there to fight. Someone kicking you, punching you, n- nothing at all. No, that's no, nothing. I, I don't kind of I yeah. guess, encounter now weekly. <laughs> so, did it take a while? With, uh, did it take your while for your uh, brain to get over that? No, no, not so much to get here now. It took me a while to kind of just get my my body back to strength. As I right. said, like I kind of did shrink down during the surgeries, where I just had like couldn't do anything really, and nothing left in me. Could like train moderately, but nothing too hard. And then again, not being able to eat properly for a while just because my, my stomach kind of couldn't really take the uh, the volume really or anything. So, right. and as far yeah, as I'm you, back to an, a normalish weight. And and as far as your diet is concerned, like are there things that you just absolutely can have, must avoid? Pretty much, I can have anything. There's just slight consequences for some things. As a general rule, like large amounts of fiber don't do my body that great just because it's such a smaller track now to go through that it just goes through faster okay hot things as much as i like hot things they come out pretty much as hot as they go in so that's not huh. necessarily always the best best thing but i said i still like hot things so again it's that, that moderation of like okay i'll have this but I'll, I'll probably suffer a little bit for it later you know gosh that is tough man and 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 but otherwise like no flare-ups no issues when's the last time you had any kind no, of that- issue I said the weird thing 
I guess with this this thing is uh, I'm technically cured because wow. of the surgery. They've just removed the whole area which gets affected by this. And I said, like, since then, I've had no problems with it. So obviously, I kind of went through so many different ways to try and not have this because I said, and obviously, when you first get diagnosed with something like this, one of the first things they're like, oh, like, you know, you may have to have surgery if it keeps happening. Or I think the other thing they're like, obviously, you'll have to go into immune suppressants. And there were two things where I was like, I've never got on immune suppressants and I'm, I'm never going to have surgery. I went for all the immune suppressants and I end up having surgery. But, oh, man. you know, I guess looking back at it now, I'm like, I, I was not that I wanted to do it early. I kind of got to the point where I had to do it. There was no like other way of uh, fixing it or, or sorting it out. So it was right. What about beef jerky? I see that uh, on, on uh, Instagram, you, you make your own beef jerky. How does that sit with you? Am I right in that? Yeah, ab- absolutely fine. I said like, Pretty much all meat products. I mean, it's that weird thing of like different kind of people with different diets saying this is the diet, whether it's vegan, whether it's the carnivore diet, where like I said, I've, I've tried the majority of them. I guess slightly more towards the, I guess, meat or kind of products which don't have large amounts of fiber. Again, I like, I've always liked having salads and other stuff. I just got, can't have them as much as what I would say would used to. You know, so I just got to be careful more like my, my fiber intake. Right. Back on. I mean, I've always liked white bread, so there's nothing wrong with white bread. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It's the uh, the old-fashioned kind that we like as kids. Are you making your own beef jerky? Yeah, make my own beef jerky. Wow. So again, just got like a little little dry box and stuff like that. Amazing. It's not so bad. You season it up. But you can't, again, you can season it up any, any way you want, really. It's the good thing about jerky. And uh, you're still training at London Shoot Fighters? Yeah, so I train at London Shoot Fighters. I train at my uh, local boxing gym, which is... Uh, Hove and uh, Brighton Hove Amateur Boxing Club, which again, uh, not that I train with him, but Chris Eubanks Jr. is in there as well. So he's got his fight coming up with Connor wow. Ben, which should be a really good, uh, kind of, I guess, all British yeah. fight cast, which is going to be great. And again, like, uh, I guess I watched their, like, their old men fight as well. Oh my God. When I was younger. Is so Chris- it really is like a massive yes. history kind of thing. Chris Senior, is he ever at the gym? I love that man. <laughs> I've, I've actually met Chris Senior quite oh. a few times. He said, like, he's always super nice to me. Obviously, he's a. Uh, what a gentleman. It's eccentric or whatever. Yes. But yeah, it's just absolute gentleman. I mean, he was so different from every other boxer in that yes. time. It was just uh, just insane. But yeah, lovely fella. Met him a couple of times. And yeah, what a, what a fighter he was. And as far as, you know, there's a lot of new fans in, in MMA. I bet there's people watching this. I mean, it's crazy. So much has happened since you, you last fought. Right. There's probably people watching this right now who have never seen you fight, right? A lot of new fans, ESPN fans, Conor McGregor fans, all that stuff. Which what if so if if you could tell a fan watching this who has never had the pleasure of seeing you fight and they're like you know what I want to learn more about this guy I was talking about him seventeen and two what a re- what's the fight in the UFC that you're most proud of that you would say all right you want to get a sense for who John Hathaway was back then and who he will be again what's the fight that sticks out? Uh, for me, it's always the Rick Story fight. That guy was so tough. He was a I mean, almost one of those awkward ones, a solid wrestler, not overly tall, so hard to get any shots on off. Of him, Southpaw as well. So he's awkward and he threw bombs, you know. And it was a it was a tough fight to kind of go head to head with him and kind of obviously eventually get get the win with him. But again, he had some great fights in UFC as well, and he he was a great competitor. It's crazy. You're mentioning all these names. The vast majority of these guys aren't fighting anymore. Rick Story, no, Mike. I, I, you know what I mean? Weird. It is a very it's weird, weird thing. It is a super weird thing. But I have to say. It's really lovely to see you back. It's bringing me uh, back to a whole other time in the sport, in my career, and uh, you've always been a gentleman. And, and just to see you again, your smile, I mean, you've always been lovely to talk to. So when I saw this news, 
uh, I hit up Octagon right away. I was like, I'd love to talk to John. It's been so long, and uh, I really hope that this works out for you. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be October 15th. Thank you, you can watch much. it on their website, Frankfurt, Germany. I hear they put on a fantastic show, and I love this home for you. So I'm so happy that you're in good health and good spirits. And, and welcome back, John. And I wish you nothing but the best in a couple of weeks and beyond. I hope you get to fight for another 10 years. I hope you get to make up for all that lost time. I will do my best to do it as well. Thank you ever so much for having me on. All right, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, the great John Hathaway. I mean, what a lovely guy. What an absolute legend. It's been so long. I was at that fight. I remember UFC 120, October of 2010, London, England, 02. He was 14-0 coming off a win over Diego Sanchez. I mean, look at this run. He beat Tom Egan at UFC 93. That was the, uh, the Ireland show. And Egan was the lone Irishman on the card. And he beat him rather convincingly in the first round. And then he beat Rick Story. And then he beat Paul Taylor. Then he beat Diego Sanchez. And at that point, he was 14-0. and 0, And he was a huge, huge star going into that card at UFC 120. It was Michael Bisping fighting uh, Yoshihiro Akiyama and Carlos Condit against Dan Hardy, and I remember John Hathaway versus Mike Pyle. Now, uh, Hardy and, and Bisping were obviously established. He was the up-and-comer. He was the next guy. He was undefeated, and he lost unanimous decision to, uh, to Pyle, and it was somewhat of a shocker. Pyle was always a very tough veteran, but it was a shocker to see John lose to him, comes back, beats Chris McRae, beats Pascal Krause, beats John McGuire, and then loses via spinning... Uh, back elbow to Dong Young Kim in Macau in March of 2014. So eight and a half years later, he is back and he is fighting for Octagon. And it's Octagon with a K, by the way, if you want to look them up. Uh, they are doing some really nice things over there. And you can watch the event, by the way, on Octagon on their website, which is, I think it's OctagonMMA.tv. Oh, excuse me, Octagon.tv. Octagon.tv, it's Octagon 36. And they've got some some solid European uh, talent on the card. But the one that sticks out, the one that I'll be tuning in for is one John Hathaway. Who is returning after an eight and a half year hiatus. I mean, that is great stuff. Out of nowhere. And again, uh, our good friend Nolan King wrote a great feature on him for MMA Junkie just a couple of days ago. I suggest you check it out. And uh, it brought back good feelings. Can't imagine how uncomfortable all of that was. Sounds horrific. Uh, but the guy, I mean, what a smile, right? Just in good spirits. Happy-go-lucky. Seemed really happy. Right? To go through, He's talking about all this stuff with like a massive smile on his face. How is this possible? It's good to have it behind him. Uh-huh. Thank you for that, Frank. Great insight. Uh, still to come, Chris Avila. He's going to join us, talk about his fight against Dr. Mike, who his real name is Mikhail Varshavsky. He's 1-0 and as... Uh, I guess, a amateur boxer. I mean, it was an exhibition bout. That doesn't even count as amateur. It was five two-minute rounds. He beat Ian Washburn at Creator Clash 1. Now he's fighting Chris Avila. Four three-minute rounds at 185 pounds. Chris Avila, of course, of the uh, the Nate Diaz squad. 
Now what's going on here? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Great tweet here. You see this tweet here uh, from uh, Bellator PR, at Bellator PR. Suddenly without plans this Saturday, MMA Media, Bellator MMA welcomes you all to cover the blockbuster Bellator 286 event in person this Saturday at the Long Beach Arena in Long Beach, California. What about that? I mean, that is that is clever stuff right there from the Bellator guys, CJ and the squad. Uh, yes, they'll be going head-to-head with the UFC. UFC on a little bit earlier, but UFC closed off to the public and the media. And uh, they've got a nice little event with some local flair on Saturday. It airs on Showtime. Bellator 286, Patricio Pitbull returning to defend his title against Adam Borix and AJ McKee returning at 155 pounds um, against Spike Carlisle. Aaron Pico also on the card against fellow Canadian Jeremy Kennedy, Juan Archuleta against Enrique Barzola, Islam Mamadov against Nick Brown, Max Roshkoff. Remember him from the UFC where everyone criticized him saying that he quit? Going up against Mike Hamill. Um, I'm looking forward to his return. He had been fighting for uh, Cage Warriors on their West Coast shows. Who else of note? J.J. Wilson, Lance Gibson Jr., 6-0 from Canada as well. So a little something for everyone. Of course, the top three fights are the ones that everyone is talking about. Pitbull being on the card, defending his title against Adam Bork, 18-1. Uh, Luke Rockhold hit me up about him recently saying that he is going to win the belt. And then you have AJ McKee on the card as well, but fighting at 55. A lot of us thought maybe they'd run it back for a third time. They didn't. Let's talk to one Scott Coker about all this and more. The Bellator president joins us now via the magic of Zoom. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hey, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you as always. You're looking fresh, back from Dublin. Can I ask you, Scott? I was wondering, man, I love those shows. I, 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 I tweeted during the event, I secretly kind of wish that Bellator was an Irish promotion so that all your events would be in front of those crowds. And I understand, like, if you did it every week, it would kind of lose a bit of its luster. But as someone, like, I had the pleasure of going to some of your, you know, Shark Tank shows back in the day, the Strike Force shows, even pre-Showtime. Like, those were incredible. The local guys, the crowds. I remember one time it was Bobby Southworth versus Babalu Sobral in the main event. And then two guys came mm-hmm. on afterwards. It was on HDNet. Two guys who were local kickboxing guys who I'd never heard of, who were like 0-1 and 1-0 because they fought each other in MMA, came on and the place exploded. And I was like, who are these guys? Everyone came to watch those guys. You probably know who they are off the top of your head. I, you know, they weren't household names. But you have been at those shows where the atmosphere is incredible. Can you compare these Dublin shows to the ones you did back in the heyday of Bay Area MMA? I'll I tell you, the, the biggest... Uh, the biggest crowd was the Shamrock versus Caesar Gracie, but the loudest crowd was Shamrock versus Kung Lee. Yes. Yeah. You had the Kung Lee and his following It's like East Bay versus the West Bay kind of thing. And, and it was so loud in there. I think we had 14 or 15,000 people, but they were, uh, you know, passionate. And when the, when the fans are passionate about who's fighting, you know, as you know, then it gets loud and it gets crazy. And, and, and Dublin is a whole nother level. I mean, if you've never wow. seen a fight in Dublin, 
I've, I've never heard of fans like, you know, the, the way they sing and they, they, it's just, it's just an amazing spiritual experience that everybody in mixed martial arts has to go there, come to the Bellator fight and experience it because it is fantastic. So you guys announced that you're going back in February. Are you open mm-hmm. to going back more than twice a year? It seems like you've kind of settled on twice a year, but because they're so well attended and it just comes across mm-hmm. so like it's such a fun vibe and event and experience on television. Is it even feasible to go back more than twice a year? You know, I'll tell you twice a year has been our, like been our sweet spot. Okay. I feel like we should probably just keep it right there. I think the fans get hungry enough after six months uh, to really attend. And this is the largest crowd we've ever had in the building. This is the largest gate we've ever had uh, in Dublin. Wow. So you're talking about we're gaining momentum and growing and the brand is growing and uh, things we're doing over there with uh, uh, Virgin Television and Virgin Media and the local marketing. It's just, you know, and, and really it starts with the fighters. I mean, you know, we went there, we started signing fighters. James Gallagher was the very first guy uh, that we signed our hat, uh, signed to, to represent, uh, Ireland to come to American fight. And then we started signing more fighters and more fighters. And, and, you know, I think we probably have a dozen Irish fighters and, you know, don't be surprised. One of the things that we're talking about internally is it's not a done deal yet, but is doing some type of uh, challenger series over there. Right. Oh, really? So in between the, the big fights, uh, work something out where we could maybe keep these guys continuing to fight either, uh, in Europe or there, but you know, some, something that, along the lines of a challenger series where they can continue to fight and gain the experience and climb the ladder to eventually get to the big show. So I was just about to ask you, it does seem like you have some kind of like magic formula over there in Europe. The European shows always come across as hot crowds, hot events, regardless of who's fighting on them. I don't feel this is, you know, I could tell it to you like it is, right? I don't feel the same type of energy in America. How do you get that energy to come over to America for the brand? Well, you know what? It's uh, like I said, Ireland is something very special. You know, you're France because it's so new. I mean, how many fights are in America? It's like right. you know, every weekend there's like a, a dozen fights on the weekend somewhere in the country. So I just think it's just a matter of frequency and that Europe is just starting. I mean, France, think about this. We did the first fight two years ago and there's been like probably four or five fights in, in the whole history of the country. Right. So they're hungry. They're passionate. It's like a new sport. This is new for them. It kind of reminds me of you know, back when it was new here, right? Um, and in the meantime, we're going to keep building the new stars and and giving the guys like Pitbull uh, the opportunity to fight, you know, the top guys in Bellator. And uh, But if you look at, you know, our commitment to building the next group of fighters, you know, those are the fighters that have to carry on the torch. And those are the fighters that have to develop the fan base and put on exciting fights and deliver it to the point where they build their fan base and uh, and and build passionate fans. Because, that's the one thing I will say in Europe, the fans are super passionate. Uh, I do feel that way. Like if you were in LA in the building when AJ stopped uh, Pitbull last yeah. year, it was electric in there. I mean, it was electric. And and same thing in San Jose when the fight started uh, with the rematch. I mean, it was electric in the building. So there, you know, if, if the fights are at that, you know, have that intensity to them and the passion to them and they have that heat to them, uh, the fans will respond. Okay, so that's a perfect transition point. Why are we seeing AJ and Pitbull on the same card but not fighting each other? I think everyone was kind of secretly hoping for the trilogy, maybe at 55 to give it a new... But ultimately, why did you decide to split them up for this? Well, you know, we thought about doing the trilogy and, you know, my understanding was that AJ wanted to fight at 55 and try it for this event. 
And so uh, let's see how he does. I mean, listen, win, lose, draw, whatever happens. I still think that, you know, he's, uh, I believe, the number one ranked contender in 45. So let's see what happens with uh, Pitbull's fight uh, with uh, uh, Boris. But that's not an easy fight. That's going to yeah. be a tough, tough fight. I'll tell you, people underestimate this kid. But I've seen this guy come along from day one when we signed him out of the Hungry fight when we fought in Budapest. So I, I feel like this kid is going to come and he's going to bring it. And, you know, after that fight, let's see how AJ does. And, we, you know, we can always revisit that. But I, I will say this. If, if you look at our, our roster, I think this is the best roster I've ever had at, at Bellator. And it's taken us about four or five years to get here. And we got a lot of young kids I'm super high on. And we got a lot of good veterans. Um, but if you look at our 155-pound weight class, you know, with uh, Masayev and Usman Nurmagomedov and uh, Pitbull uh, and, uh, you know, um, Benson Henderson, who came yeah. off of a great win against uh, Peter Gouley. So, you know, I think I think going into next year, one of the things that these guys are going to consider is uh, that probably will be our 155-pound uh, tournament next year. So I think some fan, I mean, some of the fighters might want to stick around and, and stay a little heavier to try to go after that prize money of a million dollars bonus that we give out at the end of the uh, tournament. Is this a, is this a Hawani exclusive 55 tournament next year for Bellator? This is an exclusive Hawani wow. 55 tournament. We're going to get it on and it's going to be amazing because I'm telling you, when I saw Masaya fight in Japan in 19 and he beat uh, Patricky, I was like, this kid's really good. And then uh, we had the opportunity to sign him and Usman. Javier tells me Usman's going to win the tournament. And, you know, Javier very rarely steers me wrong. But I think these kids are going to have their hands full, man. I think it's going to be an amazing tournament. And, uh, you know, uh, Brett Primus is going to be in the mix. We haven't decided who the eight fighters are. But, uh, look, if AJ likes fighting at 55, you'll definitely get an invitation wow. to step up. And if he wants to go back to 45, that's fine. But, you know, it's going to be uh, an amazing uh, tournament next year. Uh, and, uh I think the uh, you know that's 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 the division we're going to go after. And and when do you hope to kick this off? Well, you know we're going to finish our light heavyweight tournament in November, right? The semifinals in December with uh, the guys that you had to break up. <laughs> yes. I, I felt bad. I had to send in security. Thank you. Next thank time. you. But um, <laughs> but uh, I I feel like we want to set this off in February. Okay, and that's what I'm thinking. Is February will be. Uh, a good month and let's get it on man and and then we'll do the finals of the uh bantamweight tournament sometime in in march is what i'm thinking so i, I was uh answering some questions at the top of today's show on wednesdays we like to answer questions from uh the crowd and and uh you know the audience and they were asking me like okay what's your your take on all the other non-ufc promotions right now and i was saying what's key like what you had the magic i think that you had back in the day was you had women, UFC didn't have women. So that kind of separated you. You had like the strong Bay Area market. They obviously didn't really have a foothold there. The tournament is a thing that you have that they don't have. Do you feel like you need to have things that they don't have to separate so that you aren't viewed as, you know, the same as UFC as opposed to this different? Because the women really like Gina and Cyborg was a huge deal. They'd had nothing that could touch that. So that really gave you a big spotlight. Now, of course, they have women, so you can't really you know, you can't really hang your hat on that. Is it important for you to have things that they don't have in order to stick out and give fans that other option? Because they're essentially running every weekend these days. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't really look at it like that. And I think I've said this from the very beginning. Look, this is an industry. And mixed martial arts fighting is an industry. And it's a sport on itself. And and to me, they're doing their thing. We're doing our thing. I, I don't ever sit back and compare. We are so busy internally working 
you know, and, and growing this company and signing more fighters and putting on events around the world. Uh, and so to me, that's what I focus on and, and really not what, what do they have or who don't they have. I mean, to me, it's a fighter based business. And to me, that's the key. That's what we're focusing on. Uh, you are, as far as the big promotions in, in North America, you're the last one that lets fighters, I know there's some restrictions here or there, but you let them have multiple sponsors. You let them have the banner. It's it's very old school. And I love that. I love the fact that these guys can earn that extra income. It drives me nuts that they're wearing uniforms and all this stuff. And even, you know, the PFLs of the world are limiting. And I think that's crazy. Why would you limit uh, fighters deserve to make that? Their sponsors all over the cage. They deserve to make what they can make. Why is this something that you have continued to do while the other major North American promotions aren't doing anymore? Well, I think you, you said it exactly right. Basically, these guys are, you know, in a situation where they can make their money over a certain amount of years. And so to me, let, let go make your money. It's, it's the same reason why we uh, let fighters go fight in bare knuckle fighting or fighters go fight in Ryzen or, you know, look, if you have an opportunity, come, let's sit down, let's talk about it. If it makes sense, uh, then let's, let's do it. And, and the sponsors for the fighters, I mean, to me, that's a small ask and, and the, and the banners, it, it does look old school. And you know what? I, 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 I'm fine with it. I think it looks like like it's supposed to back in the day, and so uh, to me, I don't have a problem with it. And 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 they have a little bit more uh, freedom here, maybe than in other leagues. Uh, but um, you know, Michael fighting in in bare knuckle, that was something where he came to me and said, "Hey, I, I really wanted to go do this." And when he told me the economics involved for him, there's no way I could tell this kid no. Wow! You know, I said, "Hey, you know what? When you fight, Michael, you got to go and you got to do your best, and you're representing us because if you lose, we lose too, right?" Because your value is based on you winning and growing and getting better. And so, you know, so keep in mind, you're representing the company and do your best. And he went out there. He gave it a valiant effort. Didn't work out for him. And I texted him. I said, look, I know it didn't work out. But, hey, you know, I hope that uh, this is just, you know, as far as like the learning process and you get your, you know, get get your hands better, get your feet better. But, you know, in, in mixed martial arts, you are still one of the top fighters in the world. And don't let this one fight, you know you know, let bring you down. And so we're going to the battle. We go back to the drawing board with him. But, but honestly, Errol, it's like when, when, if he would have won, it would have been a different, you know, outcome for everybody because, you know, then he could continue riding, but, you know, now he's coming off of two defeats in a row and we have to take a step back, I think, to take a step forward uh, for his next fight. Platinum Perry doesn't have an MMA home. What about running it back in Bellator? Have you guys thought about that? Yeah, I think I think they did, and I would love to do it because Michael is an MMA fighter, not just a striker, yeah. a boxer, right? So it, I, I would love to do it, but uh, you know, I uh, I know that they engaged with his management and uh, didn't seem like it was uh, you know like a mutual feeling. Oh. But you know, I think I think Malky represents him, but yes. uh, you know, it's uh, you know he he he's a, he, he's a tough cookie sometimes, <laughs> and maybe we just got to keep talking and, and wear him down eventually. But I'd love to promote that fight; that'd be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of like letting people do it, can you give me some clarity on this? What is the state of your relationship with Chris Cyborg? Because I saw social media, you 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 gave her the you know the nod. Hey, go check out her fight. She boxed on Sunday. I think her contract is up. I'm not really sure where she. I, PFL is talking about her. Kayla wants to fight her. You, what is? Can you tell me what is going on there with Cy? Like, is she a Bellator fighter or is she not a Bellator fighter? Yeah, uh, she she is under exclusive. Uh, no, not exclusive. She's actually in the matching period of a contract, but her and I have a very good relationship. And I told her, I said, look, go, go train and do your fight. And kind of all felt during this training camp period of time. 
So I said, look, when you come back from Brazil, let's sit down and uh, let's make a deal. I have every intent intention to to you know to have her on our roster. Uh, it's just we just got to sit down and hammer out the deal. So uh, that's something I feel that uh, we'll get done here when she gets back from Brazil. I think the middle of the month. Okay. But um, you know, I I feel that the relationship is solid and and uh, we'll we'll be in the cyborg business for many years to come. I love that you guys went after Kayla. I would have loved to have seen that fight, Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg. It didn't work out. They matched. Are there enough fights out there for Cyborg? Like she, you know, she's sometimes having to run these back with opponents that she beat rather convincingly. Do you feel like there's enough interesting fights for her right now in Bellator? You know, <clears throat> there's a couple of girls out there, like one uh, Liam McCord being one that she, you know, but uh, but yeah, in the past we've had to uh, revisit some fights and run it back. When you look at Arlene Blinkhouse fight against Cyborg, the second fight was really good, better than the first fight. Right. So, you know, to me, it's like there, there might be some rematches, but as you know, listen, there's, there's, there's Amanda Nunez in the UFC. There's Kayla, there's Cyborg. And then there's, there's a handful of girls, but it's not like a, a, a weight class that there's an, a, a lot of, uh, really like high, high level, like 20 fighters sitting out there waiting to step up. I mean, it's like it's a handful of girls that could really fight at this level. So, yeah, it is tough. But um, you know what? Uh, I think she likes boxing. I think she wants to continue boxing. Uh, I, at some point, uh, you know, Stephen and I and her will sit down and maybe have that conversation. But, um, you know, to me, if she wants to box and fight MMA, I think we could keep her busy in, in both those uh, arenas to where it could be worth it for her. There's a fighter who was just mm -hmm. let go from uh, the UFC because she kept missing weight at 35. Her name is Aspen Ladd. People think she should fight at 45. Mm -hmm. Her versus Cyborg makes a lot of sense. I feel like in the past, you know, maybe the old Bellator would have ran and signed her. But I feel like you have tried to make a conscious effort, correct me if I'm wrong, of not signing every every single fighter who has been kind of let go from the UFC, a UFC cast off, if you will. You want to try to build your own guys and gals and, and not be viewed as that place where, you know, the cast offs go. Is that an accurate assessment of the the sort of like the mindset of who you're trying to sign and who you're not trying to sign? Yeah, and actually, I think her manager reached out uh, to us. I, I introduced him to Mike, so I know they're talking. Okay, um, and I know that the situation was more due, due to weight than her being you know losing fights in the in the in the cage. Um, but you know, it's not that there's a concentrated effort of not to sign fighters that have lost in the UFC, but Really, what, what, you know, to me, what, what is the matchup that we're looking for when a fighter becomes free? And, and then, you know, how long is it going to take to build that fight? And, you know, is it, is it going to move eyeballs? You know, is it going to, is it going to move the needle? Right. And if it is, then we're going to go after it. I mean, we're not, we're not afraid to go after free agents, right? It's, uh, uh, or people that have, have gotten released, but it has to make sense for the company overall and the overall, you know, structure. So, to me, that's there's a lot of moving parts to this formula because, as you know, fighters lose and then you're shuffling the deck and the rings yeah. come out and it's like all over. So you know, this is a fluid process. Every 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 month, we have to reshuffle the deck and we have to and figure out okay, what makes sense for us, what doesn't make sense for us, and and uh, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So, are you guys interested in Aspen Lad? I think they're talking, and I don't know anything more more okay. about it than that, honestly. You know, and I'm sure they're talking to everybody. You yeah. Know, so, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I uh, hear good things about her, but, um, you know, uh, there's nothing eminent or, you know, that's going on behind the scenes. Otherwise, I would tell you right now, I'd give you the exclusive here, Ariel. Yes. But 
it's it's not it's it's not it's not something that's uh, you know down the pipe. Sort of well, speak. moments ago you you gave us the breaking news exclusive. And by the way, uh, mysterious Frank kind of uh, slept on that one. Frank, can we get a. We had the breaking news there earlier that you announced 150. But that's what we play. We play that when there's breaking news. But I think Frank was on a lunch break, <laughs> so he missed that. But it's okay. Uh, and around an hour ago, as fate would have it, uh, Scott, we had an old friend of yours, Eddie Alvarez, on the program to talk about his free agency, spoke glowingly of you, said you were the man who freed him while another promoter named Bjorn was holding him captive. He only had nice things and said he would love to maybe revisit the idea of going back to Bellator. Eddie, in the 55 tournament, you're doing a tournament. I feel like that would be a nice little shot in the arm. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know what? Um, my, my initial response was like, you know, you know where this company is going. You know, we have, we have uh, a lot of veterans and we have a lot of great, you know, talent. Uh, and we have, but we have a lot of young, young fighters that are up and coming. And we're putting a big investment into the, the younger talent, right? So um, when, I, when I thought about Eddie originally, I was like, well, you know, we're, I, I kind of like the roster where it's at, right? Uh, being a, announcing the 155 pound tournament, could it be interesting? I mean, it's worth a conversation. I mean, Eddie was a great guy. And what he meant by um, getting him out of the, the deal, when I came on board, I flew to Florida and I sat down with Eddie and Glenn Robinson, actually. You know, it's, may rest in peace. You know, um, rest in peace, yeah. And uh, we sat down and, and we both agreed and said, hey, look, you know, this is probably not a fit for you. And let's just keep the door open. Right. And so here it is eight years later huh. and, and he's free. But, um, you know, I, uh, I really haven't talked to him. I haven't sat down with him. I have not, you know, had any type of uh, conversation with him. I don't even know who the manager is, uh, honestly. So, um, you know, and then, you know, let's see, let's see what, what the deal would look like. But it's worth a conversation. I'm not saying that, you know, it's something that uh, we would pursue, but it's at least worth a, a, a conversation at this point. Well, I could put you guys in touch. I think Mike knows his agent, Lloyd Pearson. So, I, you know, I could, I, could, I could mediate if you'd like. He said he would be happy to have me in the, uh, the room for his negotiations. So. Is, it, is, Lloyd, is Lloyd the one that was uh, out of Texas? Uh, yes, he lives in Dallas. He, he is uh, working for Vayner Media. Vayner yeah, Sports. Tell, tell Lloyd uh, next time he needs to pick up the check because oh. last time he just kind of pushed the check over to me and go, oh, no. I'm sure you're going to take care of this, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Lloyd, you're a nice guy. Jeez. We had lunch with the Beecher Belfour when uh, Belfour was uh, free and we had, uh, and Rich was there, myself, and and uh, and <laughs> we had lunch and, and you, I go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to pick it up and, yeah. and he's, he just kind of slid like, here oh, you go, no. okay, take this uh, Wow, one of those guys. Okay, I'll so. I'll take that up with him as well. I'll take that up with him. Uh, yeah, Lloyd, come on. Yeah, come on. You're Lloyd. a big time agent, man. Pick up the check. Pick up the check. Jeez, Louise, don't give us the old dinosaur <laughs> hands. You know, like oh, would you like um, the alligator arms? Buddy. Yes, yes, alligator yes. Arms. Can I ask? You know, I'm happy that you're on. Uh, there was a period where I thought maybe you would never come on my show. I heard that everyone at Bellator was very mad at me for this interview that AJ McKee did on my program uh right before his last fight where he was talking about his future and wanting to get paid and all this stuff i'm happy that this is all water in the bridge here i am bringing it up again but just how mad were you at me and uh the things that aj said because it seemed like a bit of an awkward time there well you know what honestly i i nothing surprised me anymore errol like i've been in this business so long and dealing with fighters at the highest level and mid-level and beginning like it's you know i i've seen i've seen it all right and i feel like there's no scenario that you know, that hasn't come my way. And I, I can't even remember the details of that. I just remember, you know, here's a young kid feeling really good about his turn yes. to win. And he has a million dollars in his pocket. He's going to go buy a Porsche. 
going to go buy a house. He's going to, yeah. he's going to do all this stuff. And then, you know, they, they, you know, get a mic in front of him and they start talking. And some of the things I remember were not even factual because, you know, he still has a contract with us. And he's still part of the team. And, but, you know, they get excited and they start talking and start, you know, stuff starts flowing out. And, and then, uh, you know, of course, you know, then he's on your show, which is the biggest show in MMA. And, and, and then now it's like, people are like, Hey, creating a lot of hate. Is he a free agent? Is he, does he hate Coker? Does he hate Bellator? And so we got through that, but I, I told my guys, I said, listen, just, just calm down. It's, it's, this is, this is par for the course, man. This is not, should not surprise you. Right. But, um, you know, these things happen and it's not just us. If you look at any, any company, uh, you know, it happens with all the fighters at some point, they get excited and, you know, the, the kid just won a big fight, came, came out with a, a million dollar payday on top of his pay. And, you know, he just started talking. So, uh, he came up to me and apologized. I said, yeah, you know, there's nothing to apologize about. We're good. Oh, wow. Let's just keep moving forward and, 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 uh, you know, make it happen. Cause I believe in the kid. You believe in the kid. Yeah. You know, you said you should put all your eggs in, in yep. the McKee camp, you know? And I said, you're right. I mean, we have a lot of hopes for this guy and, uh, had a little setback with Pitbull post fight didn't work out. And, uh, at some point in the future, I hope they get to run it back. So you want to be in the H.A. McKee business for the foreseeable future. Oh yeah, of course. We we love. I love AJ. He's a, he's a great talent, and uh, and really it's so nice to sit down and talk to him. And he's calm. And you know, when I first met him, I was like, "Oh my god, is he going to talk to me for eight hours like his dad?" I mean, <laughs> like his dad corners me, corners me in the office uh, at the Bellator office. Always, and I swear to God, eight hours later, he's still talking. And I'm like, "You should have a reality show, you know, pops. You should have a reality show because you are funny." You you're you got you got some good lyrics, man. You should make it happen. But anyway, he's a, he's a joy to work with. I think he's a tremendous talent, and he's a guy that you know we we found from the ground up. You know, and I love I love working with the fighters that we uh, built from the ground up because that's that's going to be the future of the company. And now, what about your future, Scott? How many more years do you want to do this for? I mean, have you thought in your mind, okay, like I'm getting tired of these guys complaining, all these fights <laughs> flying all over the world? Have you put a mm -hmm. An, an end date on i mean you just want to golf you want to go to warriors games you want yeah. to put your feet yeah, up yeah, right yeah you know i'll tell you um it's you you, you know this this is a grind business right because there is a lot of traveling and you're on the road you know half the year you're on for the week you're on the road right and you know how it is that's a grind it's like you know but um when when you come off big fights like ireland and the fight we're gonna have in l it's just to me, I love it. I mean, to me, this is something I love. This is not a job to me. This is something I've done, you know, as uh, like started as uh, something I just like a hobby almost and it turned into uh, a business. And, um, and I don't mean a hobby in the beginning of meeting with Bellator. I'm talking about back in, yeah, in the yeah. 80s when I first started, right? I was teaching martial arts and then I had this small kickboxing business, no TV, no sponsorship. And then ESPN came in like 87, 88 and we started doing fights. But it's just something I love to do. And, and honestly, it's, you know, I feel like it's, it's my commitment to martial arts and give back to martial arts. I think we're very good at what we do. I think I developed a great team. I think we add tremendous value into the sport and somebody, somebody, you know, you need more than one, uh, successful company to build an industry. And so to me, that's our, our, our goal is to just keep hammering away, keep providing opportunity for these kids that don't want to go uh, to the other guys and come here and we provide a home for them and a, provide a living for them. And, you know, they, they do very well here and you don't hear a lot of fighters complain about Bellator and how they're treated here. And, 
you know, it's, it's, we go way out of our way to try to really, really take care of them. So no end date. You, you haven't said like, when I reach this age, I just want to retire. No, I, you know, I'll tell you, I, uh, I went to my instructor's 75th birthday, right? This is my martial arts teacher, yeah. Ernie Ray, a senior. And, um, and he had this birthday celebration. And when I, when I look at him as a mentor, he's been such a great role model. Uh, and Errol, from the day I walked into his school, you know, as a child, I was 11 years old to now, he still is working out every day. He still is teaching every day. He still loves martial arts as much as he has every day. He still diets, you know, like, and eats good every day. I've never seen this guy, you know, not be, you know, engulfed in his passion. And he's 75 now. So wow. to me, it's a little bit different, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I have passion for. I love it. And, um, I'm going to keep doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it as long as I'm enjoying it. And that's really what it comes down to for me is that, am I enjoying it? And am I still good at it? And are we, are we making a difference? And if I can answer those three, three things, then I'll continue. And right now the answers are yes. By the way, your favorite night as a promoter, what was it? Ah, oh, man, there's so many. I mean, honestly, there's not it's one like that, that sticks out like super special. You know, to me, honestly, the, the fight that just like the greatest, I'll tell you this, the greatest fight I've, I've seen in person was the Diaz daily fight in San Diego. Oh yeah. That was a strike for us. That was like the Tommy Hearns Hagler fight to me. That was that. But that was one a weird one. You're just... sitting next to Dana White. Like it was like your baby had been taken away from you. Right. <laughs> that was super weird. You take that I'm, awkward I'm, photo. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the fight. Sure. The fight, sure. Right? Yeah. The fight. So the fight, that was it. And the other fight that I went to was, pride when Diaz fought Gomi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was unbelievable. But how many great fights did I get a chance to sit there and watch in person in Japan between 1999 and 2007? Oh, my God. I mean, it's like, I mean, I would go to K1 one day. The next day, I'd go to Pride, right? And then the next day, I'd go to Shudo or Pancrase or like, you know, in a week's time, you go to like five events oh. and in Japan. It's unbelievable there. And um, when, I, when I think about the Strike Force era, the fight that sticks out to me really is the Kung Lee versus Frank Shamrock fight because yep. it was electric in there. It was like kind of like a passing of the torch because, yep. you know, Frank was getting towards the end of his career and, and uh, he still had a lot left in the gas tank, but didn't work out. I mean, I remember the first kick that kicked Frank instead of blocking two hands, he blocked like this. And um, I remember Maurice Smith telling him, Frank, walk with, you know, block, block it. Frank told me the first kick, he said, he heard it go, the second kick, he hurt. He he felt the bone uh. separate, and and then the third kick when Kung hit him, I saw the X-ray. It was it was literally like oh this, my right? Gosh. Like the bone that completely separated. Like yeah, it was just like yeah, it was just not ugly. And uh, and you know, but just the energy of the crowd. Corano Cyborg. That was another one that was like you know historical because for the first time in mixed martial arts history, you have a main event on television. Uh, that was on Showtime uh, in the San Jose Arena, and uh, we had fifteen thousand people and big, big energy and just electric in there. And and then there's the Fedor uh, fight against uh, for, Fabricio Verdum. Oh my gosh! When Fabricio armbar and it was like just silence. It was it, people just couldn't believe it. Like, did this just happen? Like, yeah. this is you know, like freaking out. And I remember Vadim Finkelstein would give me such a hard time about this fight. I just looked over to him like, I love Fader, but I was like, 
Yeah. Good job, buddy. You know, now you're out. Now you're out of here. You're going to go away. So, you know, it, it was just, you know, he, he was just a hard guy to deal with and, 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 and just made us jump through all kinds of hoops. And, but today's Fedor's birthday. Oh, wow. You say, happy birthday, Fedor. It's uh, his birthday today. So wow. I sent a little tweet earlier. Or I, I'm going to send him a tweet here in a little bit. But um, happy birthday, Fedor. It's uh, to me, what an honor and a, and a privilege to, to be his promoter and see him come through, you know, <coughs> all the days of pride and all the great fights he did uh, for us. Really an honor to promote him. What about that idea that we talked about last week? Fyodor Emelianenko against Anderson Silva. What do you think? Last fight for both guys, goat versus goat in Japan. Feels perfect. Any traction after we spoke about it? Anything come up? Anyone hit you up? <laughs> yeah, Fedor hit me up. What? Why gotta, am I going to fight Anderson Silva? I said, no, no, everybody just calm down. Oh, this my God. That fight. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, listen, I would personally, like you, I would love to see that fight, right? But um, Fedor, he's got his bullseye on ryan bader wants to fight ryan bader okay so uh ryan you know is um resting and he he wants to fight you know beginning of next year so we're gonna have a conversation but if um you know and i don't know i think anderson enjoys boxing you know i haven't talked to him but i think he he enjoys boxing and he's gonna continue boxing and he's gonna fight jake paul in the showtime pay-per-view coming up so uh but listen, if there was an opportunity, would I love to do it? Of course, that would that would yeah. be amazing. The two go, the two goats, right? It would be incredible. Come on, that's, I love that it. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'd go to that. Would you come to Japan? I, I'd come to Japan. You go to Japan? Yeah. Can you tell Fedor I'll be there if he makes that fight? If he agrees to that fight, I'll be there. I feel like that's a good selling point. <laughs> well, you know, the other problem is I think the weight. I, mean, I don't think even even if you wanted to put that fight together, I think Anderson Park would probably want it to be under a certain weight. And Fedor's like, I'm gonna, I'm a heavyweight. Why would I want yeah, to lose just make any it open weight? weight? Open weight, old school. Ah, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, listen, I think we're going down a path that's probably, <laughs> okay. you know, just hypothetical, right? So, but uh, listen, as a fan, I'd love it. It would be unbelievable. Well, that's hypothetical. What is not hypothetical is this Saturday, October first, uh, Long Beach. You got the return of AJ McKee, who is from that area. So that scene should be incredible. Very smart to put him on that card against Spike Carlisle. Patricio Pitbull fighting Aaron Borix, defending his title. Aaron Pico returning. He looks to be in incredible shape. I saw a photo of him. The guy is like, I mean, I don't know if he has any body fat left on there against my fellow Canadian, Jeremy Kennedy. Something for everyone. And you guys just tweeted before we spoke. Uh, any MMA media that now doesn't have any plans uh, because the UFC event has now been closed off to the media, you are uh, graciously inviting them to cover your show on Saturday. So that is a very nice thing that you guys are doing. Scott, thank you so much for the time. Great to catch up as always. Appreciate you very much and, and good luck. Not only on Saturday, but rest of the way, you got that card in November, but also the big one involving my buddies Stotts and Sabatello. I mean, we gave you some nice promotional material there in December. Yeah, big. Listen, next time we're going to bring security for you. I don't want thank I don't you. want you to get hurt breaking these guys up. I would feel bad. I would be responsible. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for your support, buddy. Always. There he is, Scott Coker, president over at uh, Beltor MMA. Love reminiscing with Scott. Uh, he has seen it all. He has done it all in the world of combat, not just MMA, but also uh, kickboxing, of course, Japan, Strike Force, Bellator, K1, Pride. I mean, this man has been everywhere and uh, always nice to go down memory lane with him 
And looking forward to that event, Long Beach Convention and Entertainment Center. You can watch it here in the United States on Showtime. Our next guest, I think, was actually supposed to be on that card, but uh, got the... uh... Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, got the uh, release. We're going to catch up with him in a moment. Um, His name is Chris Avila, a member of the Nathan Diaz slash Nick Diaz fight team. Looking forward to catching up with him. In fact, the last time that I think he was scheduled to be on the show, um, we couldn't connect to them. So when I saw that he was here, I got excited. Now they're telling me he's not here. Anyway, he is returning on October the 29th against Dr... Mike, is that his name? Did I get that right? Is it Dr. Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Dr. Mike. Thank you for that. I got confused there for a second. Real name, Mikhail Varshavsky. Let's talk to Chris Avila about this because uh, I'm curious how he feels about it all. He's joining us now via the magic of Zoom. There he is. Hey, Chris, how are you? Ariel, what up? What's popping? What's happening, man? Good to have you back on the show. We had you in July when you sat in for uh, Nathan when he went to the bathroom. Now you're actually on the show as a guest. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me. Um, So good to have you on. Having me back. Yes, of course. October 29th in Glendale, uh, Gila River Arena. Be honest with me, Chris. You're fighting a guy named Dr. Mike. This guy's a massive deal on YouTube. Did you ever hear of Dr. Mike when you were approached about this fight? I've never heard of him before um i was offered the fight but um i by looking him up he looks like he's uh he's been boxing he's um i'm taking him as a actual boxer he's uh making his pro debut so i'm sure he's he's got some skills set and uh taking him serious so i'm not looking at him i'm not overlooking him and thinking that he's just a youtuber or whatnot you know how do you feel about fighting? But no, I've never heard of her. How do you feel about fighting a YouTuber? We're looking at his uh, page right now. His topology page is him in a, in a doctor's outfit. But I see his videos. He's very popular. Eight million views, seven million views. But now you're kind of crossing over into this crazy world. How do you feel about this? I feel like uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, show everybody who I am and 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 get my name out there as well. And um, dude, I don't know. I'm excited because uh, I'm uh, headlining. Oh, I'm not headlining the pay-per-view. I'm starting the pay-per-view off. I'm fighting a guy who gets a lot of views and he's, 
he can he sells tickets and and whatnot and i'm excited to uh go out there and and show everybody who the real fighter is and and i see everybody i see everybody like the new uh, the era right now is all these youtubers coming out and trying to get in the fight game and um trying to fight uh trying to fight anybody like a real fighter you know what i mean i'm so i can't hear with these headphones can i take these out sure go ahead sorry no problem okay can you hear me now can you hear me now i can you hear me now yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, do you want to finish your thought or are you good? Uh, yeah, where were we? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm excited. It's a good opportunity to fight uh, Mike Wachowski. Okay. Um, and and just curious, what are you enjoying more now? Like, are you a full-time boxer now or are you going back? Like, which which sport do you actually enjoy doing more, boxing or mixed martial arts? I would like to pursue my boxing right now. You know, my last fight was a boxing match. It was uh, on the last Jake Paul card. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna continue fighting both, but for right now, I would like to just continue uh, boxing. And um, I have uh, a lot of plans and uh, a lot of big fights ahead of me after this fight. Just I, first, I just want to get through Mike, <clears throat> and then um, I have. Uh, a lot of plan. I have big plans already set. So first things first is get through Mike and uh, continue boxing for sure. Okay. Yeah. What are the What are the big plans? Can I ask, or are you gonna keep them uh, a secret for now? I'm not just gonna. I'm not gonna name drop anybody, but uh, I've been uh, in talks already with some uh, pretty big names in boxing. So. Uh, just got to get through Mike and, uh, uh, yeah, plan on, uh, getting in. Yeah. yeah. I heard, a, I heard a rumor. Also, yeah. Were you in talks to fight Chad Ochocinco? Yeah, I was, uh, I was supposed to get on that card with, uh, that MSG card, the one that fell through with, uh, Jake Paul and yeah. the other guy. Yeah, Rahman. So yeah, I was supposed to fight him. I was supposed to fight him that day or on that card, but then that fight fell through for me, and then it just kind of happened. The whole the whole thing fell through. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, later on down the road I can run it, run it through with uh, Chad. So these uh the the Jake Paul team, the MVP team, they seem to really like you. They seem to be uh very open to having you on the cards. How do you feel like they uh, they treat you? Do you like the way that they uh, do business with you? Yeah, I I like the way they've been treating me. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they're giving me a lot of good opportunities and stuff like that. So I have uh, nothing but good things to say about them. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm excited. I'm happy to uh, be fighting for them this October 29th. Uh, they treated so, me good back in uh, December. Right. Yeah, back in December, they treated me well. They treat, they're continuing to treat me well now. So, all good. All good for uh, MVP. Okay. 
Um, and just to be clear, this fight against uh, Dr. Mike, is it four three-minute rounds at 185 pounds? Do I have that correct? Yeah, it's a four-round fight. I try to get a, I try to get more rounds, but they only wanted uh, four rounds, so I'm, I'm, I'm game for anything. So four rounds is cool, cool with me. And you cool with 85? You like 85, or do you like a little lower? I'll fight any. I'll fight anybody at any weight. I'll be at 85 on on the 29th, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, my last fight was 68. My whole career, I, I've been fighting him uh, at 55 and 45, but uh matured a lot more, so I'm sitting around there anyway. So 85 should feel normal to nope. me. I know Mike, he, he's a pretty big dude. Yeah. He's got, he got a height advantage on me and uh, the weight. But the weight's no issue for me. All right. Is there... I'm, I'm used to be training with bigger people anyway. I'm, right. I train with beast all day long, so I should be ready. I should be ready for it. Is is there like a pressure? Like you can't you can't lose to a guy named Doctor Mike, right? I mean, you're from a proud team, a YouTuber. Do you, do you put that kind of pressure on yourself? <clears throat> I mean, I guess it's normal, you know. Like, who wants to lose to a guy who's a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not trying to lose no doctor. Right, come on. Yeah, I agree. So, but yeah, I'm training. I'm training like I, I, I would like if I'm fighting Mike Tyson. So okay. I'm not, I'm not, not training like any funny shit. So. Is it is it hard when there's no footage basically to watch on your opponent? Yeah, a little bit, but. It's uh, yeah. There is no footage on him, but no. I know uh, he's training out of New York, out in New York at a gym, uh, last round boxing gym. Cause he's been training with uh, some guys out there, uh, so uh, I know he's he's taking it serious, and uh, I'm watching, I'm watching what he's doing. Okay. You watch his videos? Do you like his videos? Like the, his his uh, commentary videos on medical stuff, doctor stuff. You see that stuff? You like it? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> it's not your thing. You're not the market. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Okay. Um, no, thank you. And also, you know, I, I got to ask, we just saw you and the whole crew a couple weeks ago. Could you tell me how crazy was that week in Las Vegas? I mean, I still can't believe how it all turned out with Hamza missing weight and Nathan fighting uh, Tony Ferguson and winning. Could you just describe how nuts that was for you guys? Yeah, it was a crazy two weeks. Well, we were out there for a week, two weeks. But uh, the whole time, yeah, it got crazier and crazier day, day <laughs> by day. Uh yeah, but that whole turnout was fucking insane. Um, Comes out thing, just that that uh, was very unprofessional of him. And, uh, good, good, uh, good things happen to good people. So you see, uh, Nate's Nate's a fucking good dude, and fucking Comes out's not too good of a dude, and he's a piece of shit for fucking. Missing weight, and that's on him. He ain't gonna, 
he ain't gonna get that back. So whatever. That's a that was two and zero for Nate Dog. Yeah. That was two wins one one week. Some might say it was three wins. It was a win over Hamza, a win over Tony, and a win over the UFC because they were trying to kind of give him the old screw job on the way out, right? Yeah, that was dirty, but they got he got pretty exposed right there by Nate. Uh, yeah, it was a good turnout for Nate, and uh, <laughs> it all just favored. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Incredible. Now, we'll, we'll... It was cool that he got to fight, to fight Tony, though. Tony's an OG. Yeah, he's been the he's been the UFC time too. Yeah, they were, they were uh, all that talk of all that talk of Kamzai over here gonna destroy him. Woo 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 was bullshit. Anyways, I think the fight would have turned out the same way it did with Tony. Hundred percent. You think Nate would have uh, subbed Kamzai like he subbed Tony Ferguson? I believe so, yeah. Either standing or, or, or the same way, yeah. What's, what what comes out with it that was just fucking hold on for dear life, scared as fuck. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, I saw you, you were cornering Nathan that night. Uh, will, will he return the favor? Will he be in your corner on October 29th? Um, I'm not too sure yet, but if he wants to, yeah. If not, I'll be good. I know last fight he, my last boxing fight, he was off to the side. So we were communicating through. I don't think he likes to do the, the corner thing. So uh, that's all good. Yeah. But uh, for right now, I got Ernie Reyes, uh, Randy Spence, and uh, I'll pick the other two when it gets a little closer, but. Ernie Reyes is the man. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, of course, of course. And his dad's a legend as well. Uh, Ernie Reyes Sr., Ernie Reyes Jr. Uh, Yeah, I saw when Nate was sitting uh, close by. So you actually communicate with him when you're fighting. Like, even though he's on your corner, you can still hear him or at least make some kind of contact with him? Yeah, it's the same as, like, at the gym. You know, he's watching my sparring or whatnot. Uh, He's off to the side. He has some tips to tell me. Well, it's a lot easier to tell me in the gym, but sure. off to the side, I knew where he was, and I could see him. I see everything that goes on when I'm in there. So, uh, just like I treat it as if I'm in the gym, and I can hear him. I can, I know what he's. I know what he's trying to tell me. I know. So, that was happening the last fight. Uh, this fight, I'm not too sure what's gonna happen. So, okay, might be in the corner. All right. Uh, by the way, I see that you're rocking the uh, the real fight ink shirt which was announced around the time that he uh, last fought. W- are you fighting under the Real Fighting banner here when you fight on October 29th? How does that work? Yeah, um, I believe I'm kickstarting. The, I'll be the first fighter to represent the Real nice. Fighting. And, um, so, and then, yeah, we got a whole army afterwards. And then I know he's got plans. Oh, well, Real Fighting... Uh, soon, right after this fight, I plan on uh, we're doing a pretty big fight card with Real Fight Inc. And I got some pretty big names that I, I, I should be fighting on there. So that's coming soon too. Wow, coming real soon actually. That's exciting. Twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three? Uh, I probably twenty three. Okay. You know? Only got a few months left. That's right. 
What do you think? Uh, yeah, most likely twenty three. And and everyone thinks it's gonna you know maybe they'll we'll see Jake fight Nathan if if it all works out for Jake on October twenty ninth. How do you feel about that fight? Is that something you'd you'd like to see? Yeah, whatever Nate wants to do, you know. Uh, I, I like that fight though. So I think that's a um, a very winnable fight for Nate. Um, yeah, we'll see what's up. Uh, I know he's only gonna fight big names like that. Him or uh, his brother Logan. Right. That'd be a good fight too. I'd like to see that fight. Who do you think wins, Jake or or Anderson, on October twenty ninth? Who you think yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I'm calling the fight, so I'm not allowed to say that's a cop out. Are you gonna be there? Gonna I'm gonna be there, like, of course. Fight? Yeah, I only go to Chris Avila fights, by the way. That's the only ones I leave my house for. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I thought you hated me since uh, what? 2016. Well, because you because you no showed the show. I never. I never gonna go on there to show. You no showed us. Remember? I didn't no show you. I, have I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. I love the you know. I love the entire uh, Nick Diaz army. Every single member, even my good friend Jake Shields. Both of us, we hang out. We wear masks. We take vaccines. It's a great time. <laughs> Jake, don't. <laughs> I was like, hold on. <laughs> Jake's crazy. Man. This guy's crazy. Uh, no, I got love. No, no, no. That uh, no beef whatsoever. And I was at your fight in uh, in December. That was a great scene. You got a great win. And I think this card is going to be even more fun. I mean, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. It's crazy stuff. I don't know. Who, you know, I'm leaning. I don't know. Maybe Anderson. I, it's hard for me to say. Are you lean? Do you have any sort of uh, feeling, gut feeling on who wins that? I don't know what to expect from Anderson at this point. I think. Yeah, I know, right? I think Anderson can get it done. He's fucking. He's what. His last fights, he's been looking really good, and uh, he's a fucking OG, you know. And uh, Jake's just got the advantage. He's got the uh, the age. He's younger. He's a lot younger. He's stronger. I don't know, you know. Yeah. It can go either way. Hard. That one's a hard, hard fight to pick. But. Yeah. By the way, when's your next he triathlon? Yeah. So triathlon season kind of just ended. Oh. We had a pretty busy summer. Yeah, me and Nate and Nick, with yeah, all, a lot of the guys, we we hit um, we hit mostly every triathlon this summer. So, jeez, that was uh, right before Nate's fight too. Yeah, he did one about three weeks before his before the like about a month ago. Yeah, up in Lake Tahoe. Uh, ever been out there? No. Snorkel. No, yeah. Yeah, we hit um, uh, yeah, we hit some pretty tough ones. Uh, a lot of uh, hard exteras. Uh, how many is that? Bikes and like when you say all or most of them, how many are you talking? Well, so there's, I, I think we did six, six or seven. Damn, so. that's incredible. Yeah, they're, yeah, there. And Lake Tahoe's a uh, high altitude. It's like seven, eight thousand feet up. Clean, crisp air. It's good. Get you strong. Let me tell you something. Dr. Mike ain't doing no triathlons. You know what I'm saying? He's doing YouTube videos, all right? So he's got, you know, that's right. He's got another thing coming if he thinks he can hang with you. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. October 29th, you show this YouTuber what's what, all right? Yeah, I am, for sure. 
show right. you the real, the real, the real, the real fight. fight. That's right. The real fight. Ah. Uh, much respect, my friend. I'll see you out there. Thank you for coming on. Good luck to you in training. Appreciate it, Ariel. Thank you. All I'll right. talk to you soon. Yep, there he is. Chris Avila joining us. Big fight for him, October 29th. It's amazing. Uh, he sounds a lot like Nate. I love when he says the whoop whoop thing, right? Oh, yeah. That's exactly. So what do we got here? Ashton Silve against uh, Braulio Rodriguez. Whoop. Uh, Chris Avila against uh, Dr. Mike. That's what they have on the Tapology page. They just actually uh, dropped the uh, the poster for it. Man, Tapology so good, they already have the poster. Could you believe this? And yes, we will be there. Actually calling some fights as well, Frank. How about that? That's exciting. Yeah. Getting a shot. I mean, we did it back in uh, August in Cleveland. Um, that was a good time. But yes, we are back. A lot of people thought we were banned. We were not banned. We had to do the show. Other commitments, okay? Everyone just calm down. Uh, by the way, any odds out for that yet? I guess you'd have to go to the boxing best fight. I've only seen uh, Anderson and Jake. No Chris Avila, Dr. Mike? I'm sure they'll be up eventually. We're hammering Avila? Yeah. Flyer on, on Dr. Mike? Could you? I mean, I would never do such a thing. Katie Taylor, by the way, on that same day, currently a minus 3,000. Might still be some value in that. By the way, October 29th, a crazy day in combat sports. You got Katie Taylor. You got this Jake Paul fight. You've got Cater versus Arnold Allen, the freaking apex. Also, Lomachenko coming back, too. It's a lot going on. Uh, Anderson right now is a minus. So explain something to me, okay? I see minus 118, minus 106. Who's the favorite? The minus 118, slightly, like ever so slightly. That's a pick em, right? Yeah, that's as close as you can get to a pick em without being a pick em. Why wouldn't it just be a pick em? Like a pick em is just minus 110, minus 110. Yeah. But how do they decide that? I don't know. I guess it's yeah. based on what's the activity. Um, have you made a pick for that? Uh, yeah, I took Anderson Silva. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took it like right when it dropped. I think I got bad odds on it. I took it at like oh. minus 135. Oh, wow. Interesting. So now would you say, it, my math sucks, if you got him at 35 and he's now 18, does that mean more people think Jake Paul's going to win? Hypothetically, it means that money has come in on Jake, Jake Paul. Paul. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. All right. Um, well, that's the voice of GC. Uh, in a moment, we're going to hear from him. We're going to review last weekend very quickly because we've already kind of moved past. Look ahead to this week. Parlay Pals, and we've got a nice new little wrinkle. Plus, I have to finish up my uh, my questions. Yeah, you do. Should I do that now? No. I think you should do that after, after. Parlay Pals. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Uh, but first... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's check in with the guys and let's talk a little 
Oh, there he is. I almost forgot that you look like that in your crick. I mean, it's been so long. <laughs> uh, the, the facial hair, the stubble and, and yeah. you know, shadow is starting to come in. So I don't look so much like an egg, which I'm happy about. It is amazing that you legit look like you're 17. Have you gone that a lot? I do have a, yeah, the baby face uh, underneath the, the homeless look that I was sporting for a while um, has startled some third? people. What do you like better? What, what, what's, uh, what's that, Frank? I want to see his lower. He's third putting up comparison. the lower third where I look. I mean, I look similar. Oh, to Seventeen that. might be a little, might be a little young. I mean, what? What are you talking? Twenty two, twenty three? Yeah, like, yeah, like an angsty twenty four year old. All right, I'll take it. Listen, by the way, well, you look very similar I'll, to that lower third right there that we just. Showed. Yeah, I'll take. I'll take it. I appreciate. I appreciate the uh, the compliments, boys. So, um, what's up? Tough weekend for the Parlay Pals. <laughs> Shout out to was it? Line. I don't even remember. It's so it's long tough. ago. Yeah, it was. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Give it to us. Can you give us the? Uh, it's tough. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm delayed on the graphic, so I can't even see. But no, there's, what happened? There's actually no. There's no graphic. Uh, yeah, Matt oh, okay. cost everything. Connor, say the line. I believe it was yours. What is this? Say the line. What were we even talking about? Can someone give me clarity on what we were, we talking, were talking about, about in this scenario? Making a calzone, and you were like, it's tough. "Was that it? I swear <laughs> that was like an edit." I swear no, that no, was an they edit. did go back and edit it, so you said it more than once. But you... I also, why was I full screen when we were talking about a calzone? Because why not? I feel like I was just like, "Give me off of this screen." Uh, and I didn't know what tough. else to say, so I filled it with "It's tough." I love, I love that that's become like it's the line. Such now. a great clip. By the way, now that's become oh, a meme, and then there's on. one where. I actually am the first one that posted it where my like face looks shocked <laughs> and people have just started responding to different, to various things with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. It's tough. I, you have such a look of disappointment when you say <laughs> I know. it. You're That's like, why I can't believe that we were talking about a calzone. It's tough. I mean, it's just so good. And Killashaw is so proud of it. I mean, he's oh, taking he's ownership. <laughs> I posted another one. He was upset that I posted the other one. It was a cleaner edit on his. Was, was it even Killashaw that that started that did it, it off? And it might be no context Ariel. Yeah, I think it was no context yeah. Ariel. Classic Killashaw yeah. taking credit. <laughs> Guy it's thinks tough. I'm all about serious business over here. Okay, can, so what happened? Can we? Yes. Before we move on to that, I just want to say equal to the it's tough was <laughs> Frank. Frank's can't beat that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this was an air, in real life, but can't can't beat that. Was, uh, was, was that are you going to tell the story yeah. about yeah, that? You, or you what? No, no, no. <laughs> what? What do you mean? No, then no one understands. You were no. talking to the guy at AEW, and he yeah. had, oh. clearly had too much to drink, and he was getting deep in the weeds about pro wrestling was, history. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he was talking like <laughs> ECW shows from the nineties. By the way, you're so bad at telling stories. I mean, it's so incredible that. Okay, you, you have gotta, to paint the picture. Yeah. We went to Arthur Ashe last week. By the way, Arthur Ashe, phenomenal venue to watch combat sports. Like, if I'm a promotion, Coker I, and the boys, like, you, right? To watch anything. Because, I'd say anything. Yeah. In that, in that building, Incredibly it is, difficult it to is get so to, but well I built. love the building. Oh, my God. What a pain yeah. in the ass it was to get there. Holy shit. <laughs> but once you're there, because when you're at an, an arena... And you've got that huge space where the court or the ice is. You got to kind of fill it up with seats, and it's a little like spread out. It's not Arthur Ashe, which for those of you that don't know is a tennis stadium that is big. Like there's a lot of people that could fit in there, twenty thousand or so. But it's just kind of very high up. But the bottom, the floor is small because it's just a tennis, uh, you know, court. So yeah. everything feels like you feel like you're on top of the ring. 
And our good friend, you know, Action Bronson was competing. What a debut for him. Unbelievable. By the way, Mazel Tov to him and his wife. They're expecting another child. That's oh, very exciting. Super exciting. Mazel Tov. Yeah. Uh, he Congrats. freaking killed it. Looked like a young Bam Bam out there. Freaking power slamming, running the ropes like a 14-year vet. He, I mean, he looked absolutely amazing. And we were there at AEW and uh, enjoyed it. Got the red carpet treatment. It was very nice. And uh, hey, I was trying. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, that's what Wait, the so we're shoulder to shoulder, right? We're shoulder to shoulder. Frank is sitting next to some random schmo who is clearly Oof. inebriated. And first, first we're all in the whiskey. road together, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Then Frank goes, okay, this is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Let me sit behind. Let me right. sit in the row behind. Which, Which proved empty. to be a big mistake. Yeah, because then remember that his seat immediately got filled by a random woman that we did not know. Yeah, who was that woman, <laughs> by no the way? Idea. We don't know. Didn't I don't think anyone ever talked to her. her. I don't think anyone talked no. to her. Oh, my gosh. Um, the, and, and like poor... I think it was New York Rick who was super close to her, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Shoulder to shoulder. I was right. On, I was right yeah. next to her. Jammed yeah. in like a like a tiny airplane. Tiny airplane. And so Frank uh, makes the executive decision to sit behind us because there was actually an empty row for a moment. But then some guy who was very drunk comes and sits next to him and is, pro- you know, thinking, you know, we're at AEW. It's a hardcore <laughs> crowd. Frank's been around the scene. He went to the Elks Lodge to watch ECW back in the day. He went to Hammerstein. Yeah. And he's just rifling off names that really, like, I think New York Rick knows some of them. GC yeah. knows none of them. None. Frank definitely knows Not none of them. Chance. And he's rifling off names like RVD and Sabu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he was at this show and that show. And remember when Jerry Lynn came out and Taz and Landstorm? <laughs> and Frank is just... I mean, he is just entertaining and humoring this guy and is just saying things like, oh, you can't beat that. He's like, you remember when Jerry Lynn went up against Just Incredible back? He's like, and you're like, what, what do you, and, and Frank, you did a great job. just trying to be polite. <laughs> but, but yeah, incredible. That guy was yeah, living in his really own world. You can't beat that. You can't yeah. beat that. You cannot beat, cannot that. beat that. Can't beat uh, that. I mean, talking about a lack of knowledge, you guys uh, had me fooled for about oh, man. 90 oh. seconds that, Sting the wrestler and Sting the singer are the same people. <laughs> that was to the amazing. point where I had to Google it. You believed <laughs> was it. The there was I a legit it. a moment where you believed it. Until oh, a hundred percent. Until I saw a picture of the singer, and I was like, "There's no, no way. With, the, this, with the makeup on there. They look these the people cannot be the same people." I mean, y'all were so casual about it. You were like, "Yeah, we all you actually just get, zoned in on that." <laughs> it was you guys were like offended that I didn't know. Yeah, that it was the same people. That's, I mean, your I lack of knowledge me. is actually shocking to me. You actually popped hardest for Tony Schiavone of all people. Tony Schiavone, local Atlanta radio hero. I mean, I mean, he does local radio news. I didn't know he did anything wrestling until I was like. That's 19. crazy to me. I grew He's up my known whole life. worldwide as a yeah. wrestling play-by-play legend, WCW, for like 20 years. Grew up my whole life, and he was just the local news guy, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> That's crazy. Riding, riding home from school, he's given like, you know, uh, school Was he closings. doing this while he... Really? He's doing oh, yeah. school closings? Yeah, Tony Schiavone. He, he was local news, uh, WSB News, I think. That's so crazy uh, to me. This guy's calling matches at the Georgia Dome he, with 50,000 people, and then he's doing school closings? On AM radio. He was on AM radio. Wow. Yeah, 750. Tony Schiavone. I texted my parents. The, the, whole th- the whole night, the only thing I sent to my parents was that Tony Schiavone was there. And then MJF tackles him. I was offended. Oh, I, yeah, I couldn't believe was, it. That, it, was, it was a fun show. I still think they have a few kinks that they have to work out. Of course, the, uh, you know, the haters online who like to think that we're what? Tongue bathing, WWE, I think was the term used. <laughs> yeah, that was um, <laughs> you know Would be shocked to know that we attended. I enjoyed it. Uh, the venue is incredible. It really is. Uh, fast show, moved along. They did two, uh, two shows, so it went a little long. 
the my only complaint really is is the sound. Like you walk, you watch mm. the um, Bronson walkout, the entrance, way better on TV than it is in person. I think the sound, the microphones, all that needs to be worked on. But it was great. Great I, Muda showed up. GC had no idea who he was. Freaking living legend. That was that was one of the highlights of the show. Yeah. The the green spray uh, out of his mouth. Soraya. Soraya. It, Oh yeah, forgot that about was, the debut. That and was a crazy it, moment. Everyone went crazy for that. I had no idea what was going hysteria. on. Mass. Yeah. Uh, in studio, former in studio guest of the MMA Hour. Weirdly um, enough, yes. Well, um, not really a guest. She was, was she there. Page or? She was no. She Weird. was there. She was. She was in the. She was she, in the studio. Yeah, but she wasn't even on camera. She was there as like the. Did the, she never come the on significant camera? Other no. Maybe, yeah. Wow. Alberto Del I can't Rio. believe she never. Came. Wait, did she really not come on camera? I swear. I feel like she did. She was very low level at the time. Mm. I'd ask Joe, but he's currently climbing on the equipment right now. What? There's a lot going on back here. (laughs) Is everything okay? We just had a TV go out. He's replacing the cable. TBD on whether everything's okay. I mean, we're still live, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, we're live. Don't worry. Okay. Frank breaking the fourth wall. It's funny to see someone climbing on stuff. I would have no idea. Um, All right. Well, it was a good time. We enjoyed. Do you want to say something in your career? I was just gonna say to mount a potential defense of AEW there, maybe that's a, maybe that's a um, a uh, Arthur Ashe thing, the sound because I you know I've never fair. been to another AEW show. That's fair. For tennis, there's not a really you know you're not listening to commentary, you're not listening to anything. It's kind of um, quiet in there, so could be. I don't know. But I you, personally don't you know. I've never been to another AEW show. Were those belly? Slaps. Oh wait, I have been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The well, belly yes, slaps you, heard you have been. I went. I went to the other one. <laughs> With Robert at, at Pearson. Yes. With our with our great friend Roberts Pearson, yes, uh, yeah, you know what? I think it was an Arthur Ashe thing. I, I think I remember the audio being not an issue uh, in that arena. So there you go, take it back. Um, Fun time. All right, so we lost out on the Parlay Pals. How did you do, GC? Uh, broke dead even. Wow. Yeah, I I hit two bets that I won a half unit on each, and then I lost two bets that were half unit bets each. It was like the week never happened. Weird. Yeah, that's the first time that's ever happened uh, since we started this. All right, so uh, we're yeah, looking got, to get back on track. Yeah, I got the Shakur by decision and one of the Bellator parlays and then lost the parlay pals and another Bellator parlay. So, Who was uh, it? Oh, yeah. it was Mads Burnell that screwed us, huh? Yeah, shout out to Mads. Come on, man. Oof. That, I got to tell you, that was a very bad performance. Yeah. That was it was not that good. That was rough. No, yeah. not good. Stuff is <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> you just did it. You just did it's tough. You just did the it's tough. It was great. It was very well timed. He's never gonna escape. <laughs> I know. Totally gonna get that as a, I, that a need, I need the OG clip. I need like the long form OG clip where it happens. Just just to confirm that we were talking about calzones. Put that <laughs> in the uh put that in the merch store whenever it drops. It's tough. All right, we'll see. A picture of a, a like a cartoon calzone and yeah. it's tough. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Or a calzone <laughs> opening up and the cheese that's strung together says yeah. it's tough on it. Or a well-done oh, steak. That. A well-done steak. Oh, no. It's that's tough. That's actually tough. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah tough. That's, I mean, that's too tough, actually. All right. We're getting back on track. Uh, there's a new yes. rink. I'm very excited about this. I don't know if New York Rick has even seen this. No, but he has he, no idea. No one has I don't any know. idea. Oh, my gosh. I think Frank has an idea, right? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Okay, tell us the backstory here. There's a new wrinkle to the Parlay Pals. Yes. What do we got? So I can take no credit for this. Uh, this is a great production piece. It's uh, Heidi 
or Haiti Ayob. I'm probably butchering that name. I should have asked them for a pronunciation before I went on here uh, with this, but he is a front-end engineer, and he said, uh, you know, one day he was just bored at work, uh, chilling. So he decided to create like a widget for the Parlay Pals that will randomize the order and then we can add our picks to it. Um, he had reached out to me on Twitter a couple of times. He was like, you know, DM me, DM me. Uh, I, I got something for the Parlay Pals. And so I finally uh, was able to DM him and uh, yeah, he got back to me. And, and the widget is insanely impressive. Uh, so if we can, we can go incredible. to the screen here. I mean, here it is. This is amazing. We're I... just getting started though. It has all our names in it. Now, I don't have to throw the names in the matrix because I can just go on here. Wow. We're getting some randomization. Incredible. This is a sound effect, you know? Yeah. Wow. It did it. That's what we're going to go with. This is like when you're at the train station in uh, in Europe and all the things are like. Yeah. Well, is it digital or is it like those flippy things? Those flippy things are digits. No. Well, yeah, yeah pretty, I guess. But it's it's pretty right. incredible. So, uh, wow, yeah, that was amazing. By the way, can, I feel like we need some music for that next time. Next week, I feel like we need some music. Yeah, like a little, a little flipper uh, yeah. thing that it goes. Well, no, stay on that. I, I need, I need to, I need to look at this a little longer. This is amazing. Yeah, so, we should probably rerun it. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start it off. Yeah, uh, I'll kick us off. I'm actually. <laughs> I mean, was that the world. official shuffle? Was though? that the like, official shuffle? Or? Oh, okay, all right, okay. Yeah, that was one. That was one just for posterity. All right, we'll randomize it again. Do we have music? Totally Connor again. Oh, oh wait. It, me again. it was the same thing. <laughs> was it the exact it same order? It's the same order. Okay, uh, well, okay. Just because we have people at home that are not going to believe it. Uh, yes. You're gonna All right, one more try. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, fine. No, but I did it one more try. It was, Con- it was Connor, Ariel, Rick, Frank. Ah, same no, order. Man. Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to have to send this thing back to the lab. Very, very <laughs> suspicious. This, oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. It is suspicious so, that I pick first. Uh. So for those listening, it's Connor, Ariel, Rick, Frank. It, it has been that way three straight times. Let's see if it goes. <laughs> right. think yeah, are we just going to go this all night? Yeah. Well, I just want to know. A little suspicious that it is me picking first. Got to go back to the lab here. Have you tried closing? Oh, oh there it is. Wow. Yeah, this looks good. <laughs> That my, is definitely working like ha, it needed to. Hadi was sitting there and he's just like, I know my machine works. Do it one more time. Yeah. And he knew it was it. Now I'm picking last. It's so oh, random. Me. It doesn't feel random. No, I feel like we've got to go with the other one. No. This is what we're going with. All right. Wow. Because I don't know how to get that order back. Okay. Actually, I do. I can I can actually move picks. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, I say God. go with the original oh, order. We rolled it four times in a row. Go yeah, with the that. original order. So that Frank was last. Rick, boom. Look at that. C-A-R-F, yeah. This um, is the greatest production quality that we've ever had on the program. It's unbelievable. Shout out. Um, uh, on Twitter, what? it's Heidi Komau, H-A-D-I-C-O-M-A-U. I mean, shout out to him. It, unbelievable work here. Uh, and then the best part, I'll go ahead and tell you my pick, Frank. Could I get some music? Yes. I'm going to go to Bellator 286, Long oh. Beach, California. You mentioned him earlier on the show. Mm. Incredible shape. Man looks good. I'm going to go with Aaron Pico. Wow. Minus 560. Yep. Big favorite. Big favorite. But I'm going to go with him. And uh, then I'll just enter that in here. Look at that. And then it shows up. That is amazing. Gosh. If you're listening to the podcast, like this is all happening in front of us. It's amazing the little things that impress me. So now it says Connor, Aaron Pico. First pick minus five sixty. By the way, why did, why is he at minus five sixty? It says the parlay odd is minus five fifty nine. We're still working out the glitch. Okay, still working out the Okay, fair enough. 
Uh, Aaron Pico going up against fellow think, Canadian Jeremy Kennedy. I think this one's not ready for uh No, for this is great. Yet. Don't, don't, be, one, so, wow, don't be such a hater. Um, what's the... Uh, I'm up next. Uh, if we get some music, Frank. Thank you. What's the... Uh, What's the limit in terms of... Uh, minus 1,000. Why are you going to take Sadiq Yusuf <laughs> at minus 900? <laughs> I mean, it's staring me right in the face. Uh, there's Sadiq <laughs> Yusuf or there's AJ McKee. Listen. I want to take McKee. I think McKee, for the record, is getting back on track. I like that McKee fight. I think he's going to look great. I think he has a point to prove he's a man on a mission but I like to win as well so I'm going with Sadiq <laughs> Sadiq Youssef come on down good job and look at that the parlay oh, odds updated the parlay calculator on the side gets look, us to minus the minus 323 the, the odds have even gone down yeah well I would hope by adding a second leg the odds would go down <laughs> barely, awesome. we, got, barely. We, got some, we got some room to make up here to get this to plus money yeah, I don't know how much help Rick I'm going to be in this. Oh, wow, I don't know right. how much help I'm going to be getting this to plus money because after last week's debacle, I need uh, I need a, sh- a sure thing, and uh, for me, that's going to be AJ McKee. Man, yeah, it's a good one. Thinking AJ McKee. Listen, they didn't hear you. What are his odds? AJ McKee. His uh, odds minus four thirty-five. Yeah, AJ like McKee going up against Spike Carlisle, currently a minus four thirty-five on. DraftKings, big fight for him, going uh, to 55, going up, looking to get back on track. What happened to our screen? I'm kind of, you know, mixing it in because we got to do the old got uh, it. The video this week. That gets us to minus 163. Okay, Frank. I'll take it. It's on you. All right. So for me, I have to make a pick. I'm going to pick one person. Sure. That's how it works. Fights. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick Randy Costa. Wow. Mm. That's a big one, Randy Costa. I think so, at minus three hundred. Yep, he's going. Uh, I see him at minus two eighty-five here. Know, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Minus two eighty-five on DraftKings Sportsbook against uh, Guido Canetti. Wow, is it a cursed number that brings us? Oh, uh, no. If we can get Look it on the that. screen, that brings us to plus one seventeen, just like go. last week. Is that the same number? Same number as Jesus. last week. Jesus, but it's not Bellator. Now we got it, except for we got it. Looks for AJ McKee. Oh, no, half of it is Bellator, Frank. Half Bellator, half UFC. I mean, perfect. I'm comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable. Yeah, too. you know. Listen, let me tell you something. If this parlay bus, no, don't don't do any, okay. don't do any of that. No, don't do any. But we yeah. we we, st- we got wiggle room here. We, every play has been plus money. We're still five and four. We're up five units. I like we it. A, we got a little wiggle room. We'll get back in the win column this weekend. I feel good. All right. So there it is. Uh, the rare. Bellator UFC. Let me see what time uh, UFC. Do you know what time it starts? Four uh, p.m. Is it four p.m.? Uh, yeah, U- UFC is four o'clock. Start. Mm-hmm. Bellator is seven. But undercard, right? Correct. Prelims at four p.m. So yeah. seven p.m. So it's going to end at ten, and then the Showtime Bellator card will start at ten. The main card. Yeah. One of those. Uh, by the right. way, near quick, I'd love to ask PFL pay per view. Sure. You in or are you out? No, not in. Wow. I mean, wow. I like no. I like the championship. Um like you're asking me are you asking me financially or are you asking me in terms of the do card? You like, like the, the idea? card looks great. I like no, I don't like the idea. Right. I think every promotion wants to do pay-per-view and very few are set up to do it. I do I do not like the idea. What if it's 9.99? 
then you've got a bunch of 999 pay-per-view solds and are building toward nothing. Like hmm. that's a little what, extra what is the income, next step right? after that? Hmm. I didn't even think of nine. Would you is would, it? would you be down for 999 GC? Uh yeah, I mean I would pay $10 to see it. They they're all fighting for a million dollars. Uh you get to see Kayla Harrison Ten dollars. It is what it is. I pay ten dollars a month for Bellator. Sometimes they don't even is have it, fight cards. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I agree. Listen, Showtime. Showtime's a good product, and now they're. Uh, I think you get Paramount Plus with it now. So that's. I didn't know that. That you get. You get the challenge. So now we've take we've taken this to a premium. Is the product. challenge no longer on MTV? No, they're on the Paramount app. Wow, it's never that seen big of a Zabroni show of the, of the that it's on the Paramount. Oh God, the 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 greatest television experience. Why would they Possibly take it off the MTV, TV then? Show. Wow, uh, the money you got to get that thing on Paramount Plus, baby. You gotta you gotta yeah. get the subscribers in. Um, Pay per view. Yes, you can potentially make some extra bread. Nine ninety nine. I mean, we don't even know the price. We're just speculating. But let's right. say I don't think. It's, at by the way, I, I'd be shocked if it's nine ninety nine. So let's say it's twenty nine ninety nine, whatever the price may be, uh, right? Twenty nine ninety nine amount. Wow, you're gonna make some extra money potentially on whoever buys that pay per view. But are you now losing an audience that needs to be exposed to PFL and needs to care about PFL and build that fan base? Because you're not there yet. I, I just think that pay per view is not, you know, pay per view is not a, a bad model if you have the audience already. Uh, like if you're a Jake Paul or or somebody who can bring in people. PFL is not that league yet. It's it's premature. It's extremely premature. I agree. Remember when Bellator did it and they were further along with more established names and that failed. And what came of it? Nothing. Like you you need to keep the momentum going. This is this is a moment momentum halter. This is now your championship is going to be be viewed by less people. Right. Um don't, don't love the idea. Uh, speaking of pay per view, I will be paying to see it though. I'll I'll be in the Hulu theater on Black Friday. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's a great card. I would love to. I want to watch all these fights, and I obviously will be watching all Let's these watch fights. Let's watch them together at the Hulu Theater. I'll be there. I like that idea. But why Let's not have go. more people watch it? That's my I'm That's my you. thing. I'm with you. Don't love it because these are the types of cards that should be – like these are the cards that should get you – if anything, I know this would never happen. I'm not crazy. I'm just throwing it out there like, hey, uh, if there's a bunch of other – I don't know what ABC shows on – the day after, yeah, I guess you call it Black Friday here in the States. Is it? Is it called? Yeah, I guess it's called Black Friday, right? Why yeah. am I thinking of Boxing Day? Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. Anyway, yeah. I don't know what ABC shows on Black Friday if they have a big sporting event, but I would say put that on ABC as opposed to putting it behind a paywall, right? Like that's your showcase yeah. event. That's the one that you want to have the most – or at the very least, put it on ESPN National. Now, I know ESPN National will probably have college football and blah, 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 but golly, like you have your biggest – draws if you will and none of them are you know they're going to be fighting in front of a much smaller audience don't love it yeah, yeah the, the combo of the pay-per-view it's, and uh the day that it's happening and the time slot that it's happening i wonder if kayla and company get a cut i mean it, it'd be worth question. finding that out i mean yeah. i think what's what we should make clear though and i should make clear because probably i'm the one with the the most significant statement here is that it's not an indictment on PFL and it's not an indictment on the card. As I said, the card is very strong. It just feels premature. It's not that it's not that those fights are not worthy. Um, it's that that audience is not assured. That audience is not guaranteed. The UFC has created 
a, a never ending funnel. They can put on the brand is so strong that they can put on any card and a, a certain number of fans will tune in. They can do any pay-per-view and a certain number of fans will buy that pay-per-view. They're also incentivized by ESPN who, who has a minimum, but you know, there's a lot of factors at play there. PFL is just, it's, it's premature. They're just not there yet. Um, and this great card is something that should be used as a, as a business card to show people how great the PFL can be. Um, and then use that to maybe parlay for pay-per-view down the road, but premature for me, Certainly will be watching. Certainly excited by the card. I um, think there's a lot of interesting matchups in the championship this year, uh, as well as the other fights that they're putting on. I mean, Burgos versus Marais is fun. That is a fun fight. They're potentially uh, adding some more. I, I like what they're doing, but I, I do wish there were more people who would be exposed to it. In the Hulu uh, Theater. Uh, come on, Rick. We'll, we'll do in the Hulu Theater. Um, we'll, watch US, we'll watch USA England at a, at a soccer bar beforehand, then mosey our way over. To the Hulu Theater, we'll make a day of it. Leftovers, I mean, count, meet at my me lunch, meet at my house for lunch. Leftovers, off to a soccer bar, USA England, off to Hulu Theater for a PFL that night. I mean, sounds like a good day to me. Yeah, now we're adding a lot trash. on the front end. I got kids. I mean, we'll yeah, see. I mean, we'll see. Um, I do want to say one correction excuse. from our fearless leader Brian Tucker, uh, fellow Challenge fan. Uh, mm. The the flagship mm. version of the Challenge mm. is coming back on October twelfth on MTV. The All Stars, which I think is the superior product at this point, is the one on Paramount Plus. Um, but yeah, there's still some representation on MTV, but you know, Paramount Plus is the is the home of the challenge. Man, what a day! November 25th, Wales, what we Iran got? at 5 a.m., Qatar, Senegal at 8 a.m. Of course, Canada beating Qatar in a friendly just a couple of days ago. Netherlands, Ecuador at 11, and then England, USA at two on Fox. So they're not going to go head to head with PFL. No. So it won't be tough. Well, might be. <laughs> Spend all day watching soccer. You That's really want to sit there for a five-hour pay-per-view. What's the big uh, sporting event on, on the 26th at night? Is there a big – or the 25th? The 25th? Uh, I don't know. College football. NBA something. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think there is a big sporting event. The big sporting event is noon on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, baby. Lions, Lions Bills. Bills. Cool. Yes, sir. Got my Vaughn jersey ready to go. I don't. He, can I Uh-oh. just say something? Can I just say something? Uh oh. It did no more jerseys. Wow, you were a little worried about that. Come on. I mean, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Can I? Give me a break. Jersey, shirt. Just the pants are fine. I would be lying. I would be lying if the thought didn't cr- in 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 my anger afterwards. I would be lying if for a brief moment. Wow. A thought. <laughs> wow, you pulled out a voodoo doll of me, this guy. There is one ripped point off the, the little uh, Vaughn jersey. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, how could this happen? How could we have lost to the fucking Dolphins? How three did and this oh. happen? 3-0. Oh. They're a great team. Tua, all-pro quarterback. How did this happen? And then for a moment, I was like, no, nah, come on. The jersey. Here's a part of the he game. He bought though. a Von Miller jersey. He wore it. And now the, w- the win wasn't catastrophe. Like, it wasn't a catastrophe. Oh, yeah, Had they the lost in a catastrophe? Oh, you're it, right. I mean, the whole man. fucking defense being injured isn't a catastrophe. Eh, you're right. You know, a little heat exhaustion. Yeah. That's all. I just had to get rehydrated. Micah Hyde up for the season. No problem. Nah, so I I'll wear it again this week and we'll win by 20. All right. This, uh, this house of cards is, uh, is I got I got my Nottingham Forest uh, jersey, oh, too. Oh, great. No wonder. <laughs> That explains the last couple of games. I haven't worn it yet, though. That's the thing. <laughs> you know I was what? a little disappointed when I got it, the way they've been performing. I was like, uh, I was a little way, more excited about this after the Aston Villa game or whatever it was. 
it might it might be uh, traced back to the purchase rather than the actual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is when it turns south for for Nottingham yeah. Forest. It's true. Feel like the purchase might be the turning point. I feel like this needs to be weaponized for for good, for for selfish means. No, we've tried somehow, this. But... We tried this. I tried to wear my main city jersey, and we lost six nothing, six nil. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, my I do God. have to say that. Oh I man, think Connor kind of jinxes some things because uh, I watched the game with him. Yeah, I jinxed one play. <laughs> what <laughs> he, happened? He was decorating his apartment. Oh god! Yeah, by the way, my fall, my house is a fall wonderland. Totally at this understandable. Point. Frank got to witness it. But he's like standing on top of a chair trying to hang some things up, and he's like, "I'm not even going to turn around because I know this is going to be a stop." And then, like, Miami yeah, it was like a hill. was like a forty-yard <laughs> bomb. For oh, the that annoying yeah. one to Tyree Kill. <laughs> yep, yeah. or to Waddle, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Frank, new to the new to the red zone game, where you have the main game on the big screen TV, and then you have red zone on the side TV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes red zone can be quicker than the main TV. Oh no. Uh, yeah, he couldn't keep up. There was a few times where I watched w- what happened on the small TV, and I was reacting, and he's just like, and then he would watch it on the big TV. He'd be like, oh, there it is. I'm like, yeah, dude, I saw that. You know, 15 seconds. Wow, the ago. red zone game is quicker than the actual broadcast. But being a mensch, he actually yes. stopped the stream a little bit so they would catch yeah. up to each other. Oh, yeah, good. I finally caught it up. I mean, Frank, in a great football viewing experience. I mean, sixty-five inch for the for the main red zone on the side. How big is the side? Only thirty-two. Okay, Keep is it, it a TV or, it or a computer? No, it's a TV. Okay, are they both on the wall? No. Where's Where's the second one? Like on a chair or something? Or? Uh, it's on a like a stand table yeah okay. little... how often do you go with the two tv set up it's got to be a big night okay. energy's high in the apartment when it's a two tv <laughs> night i can promise you that and uh how was the dip the dip was phenenomenal i finished the leftovers for it the next day and it was it made my it made my day Literally I was, I was... three bites left come on fritos too there was some leftover fritos <laughs> oh, well, i was yeah. in the gym and i was like man what am i gonna eat after this i'm so hungry push me through the end of my workout uh, have you ever heard of this, Near Crick? They're talking about some buffalo wing dip, which is it, 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 the dish on its own. Like I thought, Frank was like, "I'm going to bring the dip," and I was like, yeah. "Cool, what are you dipping into the dip?" Like usually, Fritos. That, that's but there's Tostitos. There's celery. chicken in the dip. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of this dip. for sure. And it's fully cooked. It's <laughs> shameful that you haven't heard of it. And there's cream cheese in the dip too. Oh yeah, yeah, cream Might be the best cheese part. for sure. What are you talking about? Part. Welcome Chicken to 2022. And cream cheese. There is no way, and buffalo but, sauce. There's no way you would eat this, Ariel, and you'd be like, bah, this isn't good. There's I mean, no I way. I've never heard of such a thing. When I go to Buffalo, should I ask for this? No. No. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what they do in Buffalo. They Anchor bar? There's certain, in buffalo. there's certain ingredients that are just for, like, consistency and thickening and things like that, like a, like a casserole. Like, you know, there's, there's certain things in there. Incredible. I've never heard of such a thing. By the it way, really someone let me know where do I go because you just said um, you can you, go to Duff's or Anchor Bar. Yeah, but I I actually hear that Anchor Bar isn't the place. I hear no, that no, Anchor Bar is contested all the time. Yeah. I think Anchor Bar is like the tourist spot. Yeah, I've been to Anchor Bar before. The pizza was better than the wings. Uh, pizza was phenomenal. You've been to Buffalo? Oh yeah. For yeah, what? I had, uh, I had some family up in Rochester when I was growing oh, up. Oh wow. To the truth, my wife is from Buffalo. 
Yeah. And she thinks that both of them are trendy and like not worth it. So what's it. the spot? So, someone Instagram DM'd <laughs> It's really me like a mom and, and pop, just random spot, it. and you order. Oh wait, it's just like New York pizza. It's like it's the consistency. no. There's got to be a spot. Someone okay. hit me up on Instagram. Joe mm. said, "Tell Ariel that Bar Bill is the spot for wings in Buffalo." Bar Bill. All right. Do you think there's, when I go in there, I'll get a hero's welcome? There's there's another place that I've heard is incredible, and I can't remember the name. I think it's Wing Nuts. Wow. Have you heard of this place? Like super no. saucy, super crunchy. You have to like go really early. I think I think it's dinosaur wing nuts. barbecue. Yeah, no. wing nuts. What dinosaur barbecue? What are you talking about? I think it's wing nuts. Yeah, with a Z or with an S? With a Z. Okay. Oh, wow. I could I could be wrong. No, I think it is wing nuts. Uh, yeah, dinosaur barbecue is great too. Yeah, but that's a chain. Yeah, but they started in Buffalo. Did they really? I thought they started From in Syracuse. They start. Well, then you know. She tried to go to wing nuts. That's my that's my vote. Problem is, my wife eats really healthy, and she's gonna like. Well, she can have the celery sticks. She's gonna crap all over this experience. Celery sticks and carrots. She's ah, good. it's fried. Ah, dip wings. Yeah. Let it all out, man. Anyway, um, this is gonna be great. I can't wait. All right, and what about the rest of your picks? Do you have picks for? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You want to rip through them real yeah, quick? Yeah, rip them. I gotta uh, answer questions too. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, going into this, I just can't speak with. With, you know, a ton of confidence on these. Obviously, these Apex cards can get kind of tricky. So, uh, you know, proceed with caution as we get into this one. But I I did find some ones that I think I like. We'll start with this first one, Christoph Jocko. Just the experience that he's had in the UFC. He's been here for almost a decade. I just feel like he always fight, fights smart when he goes out there. He's got the grappling chops to avoid the submissions from Brendan Allen. Uh, I think he's also got the takedown defense to avoid getting taken down in the first First place, 83% takedown defense over a large sample size. And even if Brennan Allen does get him down, I think he's just going to get it back up. And when it stays standing, I think he's the better boxer. Uh, I think he's patient, uses the counter punching better. Uh, and I think he's just going to be able to outpoint him. It's probably going to be boring. It's probably not going to be that exciting. He doesn't have huge finishing capabilities, but uh, he is a good point winner. And I think that's what he's going to do here. Don't have full trust in Brennan Allen. I think he's got, you know, high level skills and he can put it together. He's still young at 26, but. I'm going to trust the uh, the veteran, high fight IQ uh, to get it done, likely by a boring decision. But uh, I would take that if he does get it done. Next up, I'm going to take Jesse Ronson. Silva does not go to a decision. So Ronson, eight of his last ten fights have not gone to the scorecards. He's been knocked out. He's been submitted. He's done the knocking out. He's, he's submitted people. Uh, and then if you include the ultimate fighter fights for Joaquin Silva, 13 of his 17 fights in his career have not gone to a decision. He has also been KO'd. He's also been submitted. He's also done that. They're, they're guys that have been finished that also have finishing capabilities. Um, and Silva, tough to trust uh, the chin on Joaquin Silva. Uh, he was KO'd by Ricky Glenn and KO'd by Nasrat Hakparas. Uh I don't know if you know the careers of Ricky Glenn or Nasrat, but uh, they are not the biggest finishers in the world. Nasrat, 10 UFC fights, one KO win. That was against uh, Silva. Ricky Glenn, eight UFC fights, one KO win. That was also against Silva. So uh, can't really trust the chin there, but I think there's multiple ways that this fight gets finished, and I I don't see it seeing the scorecard. So minus 145, uh, I like it to get done there. Uh, Next up, Tabitha Ricci. I took this one last week. Her, her price is inflating, but I still like her at the current price. The game plan is to wrestle. Jessica Penne, 40% takedown defense. We've seen her struggle get taken down there. I know she beat Lupi Godinez by a split decision, but she struggled uh, in getting taken down, and that's exactly what Tabitha Ricci's going to do. Come in here, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. I mean, that is the game plan to win, uh, and I trust her to get that done. 
By the way, um, every time I I see Tabitha Ricci, I always think of Christina Ricci. Hmm. By the way, I'm in that screen. <laughs> what's oh, funny? what's up, man? <laughs> that was weird. Um, you know Christina Ricci? Nah. This is freaking Actress. me out. Yeah. Yeah, what about her? Where did New York Rick go? He, he left. Oh, he left? All right. See you later. Um, I don't know why. Ricci, Christina. Makes sense. Yeah. Both Ricci's. Uh, yeah. I got Baby Shark getting it done, likely, as well, by a fairly boring decision. Next up, I will be taking John Castaneda and Willie Cat Santos. Hmm. <laughs> What's going on over there? Everything all right, guys? Yeah, everything, things are getting out of control back here, but uh, we'll keep it moving. I'm going to take this one. Does not go to a decision. So really the basis of this for me is the style that these guys fight. If you go back and watch John Castaneda's last fight against Miles John, Miles John was supposed to be the guy that was going to have a ton of power and be able to knock John Castaneda out. It was the exact opposite. Castaneda came in there with power in his hands, knocked down uh, John's in round two, knocked him again in round three. Ended up finishing him with an arm triangle. Uh, he was constantly moving forward, just pressuring him. He, he essentially just wilted Johns to the pressure. Uh, and then if you look at Santos, he's fighting out of shootbox Diego Lima where Charles Oliveira trains. Mm. Watching his last fight against Julio Arce, I know he did not land that many, but like he came out head hunting, he comes out swinging, and I think that's what he's going to do here. I mean, these shoot box guys just come out head hunting. We've seen what Charles Oliveira does in fights last night on the Contender Series. Uh, Mateus with the blue hair, forty-eight second knockout, fighting on a shoot box. Like these guys come out to head hunt, and I think that's what Santos does. He couldn't find the connection with Julio Arce. Julio Arce also has great uh, defensive striking, but. Castaneda got hit a few times by by Miles Johns. So if he's not the one doing the finishing, I could see Santos uh, picking up a finish here. I mean, he is just he's hectic. Throws throws spinning elbows, throws spinning kicks. Uh, is just like constantly throwing overhands. Uh, so he's going to make the fight chaotic. I'm fascinated to see who's going to be the one leading the dance. Who's going to be one controlling the center of the octagon, bringing that pressure because. Both of these guys like to do that. So I think it's really going to be a fight that people are sleeping on, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, just from stats-wise, eight of Castaneda's last ten wins are by finish. Santos, four of his last five wins, six of his last eight are also by finish. So I think it's going to be a really exciting fight, and I, I don't think it's going to go to a decision. I, I think it's going to be pretty chaotic in there. Uh, next up, Hione Barcelos. Took this one last week as well. We had the week off. I did take a couple bets in it. I just really like Hione Barcelos. Uh, Go watch a YouTube video on him, the striking of Aoni Barcelos by Downward Elbow. It's like 30 minutes, goes through his entire life. Uh, you'll have a hard time betting against him after you watch it. I mean, he's just a cool dude. Great mixed martial artist, Brazilian wrestling national champion, BJJ black belt, and super Chris striker. Uh, and in this matchup, I think he's just too complete of a fighter for Trevin Jones. Uh I mean, on the feet, I think he's just way more active. He's going to be able to out-volume. I know Trevin Jones has power, but Hione Barcelos has never been knocked out. Uh, and then if it were to go to the ground, I think Hione Barcelos has all the advantages there as well. I think he's just got him covered everywhere, and I, I think he bounces back after a, a pretty poor showing against Victor Henry where a short-notice debutante pretty much styled on him over the three rounds. So I expect Barcelos to be able to get a bounce back here, uh, which takes us to the main event of the evening. Uh, a lot of people not, might not like this pick. I feel like uh, you know Mackenzie Dern is going to be the popular pick this week, but I'm going to be going with Yan Jaunan on the money line. I'm not going huge on this, obviously, because of the dangers that Mackenzie Dern's presents. The fight could end at any time. Uh, she doesn't even have to get the takedown, even though her takedowns are pretty, wow. pretty awful at a 9% accuracy. She can just climb on you, get you in tricky positions. We've seen her get pretty much everyone in tricky positions, even if she doesn't, doesn't win the fight. Marina Rodriguez in that second round, 
in a whole lot of trouble. Tisha Torres, same thing too. Uh, so I think Yan John An is going to have to navigate some tricky waters throughout this fight, but I'm just going to trust that she can do it. Uh, I think she is a high-level fighter for the strawweight division, and when you look at the striking, every time Mackenzie Dern goes up and fights a competent striker, Marina Rodriguez styled on her for four of those five rounds. It was really only the second round where she found any success. Amanda Hebus, same thing, styled on her, just thoroughly outstriking her over the three rounds. Tisha Torres, I thought Tisha Torres won that fight. I mean, I, she found a lot of success getting through those tricky situations and found success on the feet. I rate Yan Jiannan as a competent striker. She she held her own against Marina Rodriguez. You can make an argument that she won that fight. Um, and I just think she has a level above in the striking department. If it does stay standing, if this does end up being a 25-minute war, uh, I think Yan Jiannan is going to get the better of her in the striking at San Juice. And similar to that Marina Rodriguez fight, just be able to outpoint her over it. I, I think if you're going to play Mackenzie Dern, it's her getting the submission, which obviously she is A++ at. You know, she has got a skill that, that she can capitalize on at any moment in the fight. So this will be a dicey one. That's why I'm not going that heavy on it. But I also did, because of what I what I just said, a 25-minute war. Yan Jianan has essentially no finishing capabilities in the UFC. She has zero finishes. Mackenzie Dern, tough as nails, hasn't been finished. Uh, I also sprinkled a little bit on Yan Jianan by decision at plus 325. I think that's her most likely path to victory. So I think Mackenzie Dern's price is a little bit inflated in what I think is uh, a good fight for Yan Jianan if it doesn't hit the mat. But everything I'm saying, it could all go out the window in a split second if Mackenzie Dern ends up locking something up because she is a uh, fantastic jujitsu practitioner. But I like the odds here. Like, say it was minus 125 Mackenzie Dern, I would probably be playing Mackenzie Dern, but at minus 225, I don't really like that price. So I'll be, I'll be taking the underdog shot here on Yan Jianan. Wow. Okay. I like Dern, but you do bring up some me. great points about the uh, Rodriguez fight, which was around almost exactly a year ago, if my memory serves me Mackenzie correct. Dern, also a pretty heavy favorite in that one, around minus 200. I played Marina Rodriguez in that one. A lot of people saying, you know, Mackenzie Dern was a lock going into that one, but... uh I don't know. If she doesn't find the submission, uh, I think she could be could be in some trouble in this fight. And look at those posters on your wall. You've got UFC, you've got Bellator, still no one odds, right? No, there are one odds. There are one odds. Yeah, I thought about playing something, but I don't know, man. That Lee fight is, I, I feel like you should just flip a coin. I feel like I should literally just take a coin out of my pocket, flip it, and that's where we end up with it. Okay. Uh, so, busy weekend. Busy weekend. I actually got to finish you off with four quick parlays. I won't get breakdowns, oh, yeah. you know. Go to No Bets Bard if you want the breakdown for it. Oh, but, yeah. But very quickly here. Uh, Costa Canetti doesn't go to, go to a decision. Randy Brown money line. I just like Randy Brown this week. I think he's it's a very advantageous matchup for him. Size, much younger, uh, much faster, more volume uh, than Francisco Trinaldo. I have him in two parlays. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, I took him last week. I know people are going to be asking for the slips. Good line on him, bad line on Castaneda. You can get Castaneda for minus 175 now. Uh, and then I also did the Randy Parlay plus Sadiq Yusuf. Um, and then lastly, Bellator 286. Had my heart broken last week. Why not get it broken again? <laughs> Think we got some squash matchups. Lance Gibson Jr. Samiko Anaba is the definition of a squash match. She is, she is fighting a 2-5 and five girl who she has already fought and knocked out in 60 seconds. So I uh, have a hard time seeing her losing. Aaron Pico and AJ McKee, who are also in the Mayor Parlay. There it is. Those are the picks. All right. There it is. Uh, good luck to everyone. Good luck to you, as always. And I'm going to finish up the uh, picks. My wife texted me about 
Claire's birthday party. Uh, I'm going to fix not the picks. I'm going to finish up the uh, the questions here in a moment. All right, now back to the questions. We stopped at 13, I do believe, and so we will continue here. And then say goodbye some juicy ones, I do believe. Yes, number 14, Zoobs. Ariel, several of your recent interviews have had fighters speak very candidly about their struggles in life or generally deeper subjects, whether it be mental health, difficult upbringings, mistakes they made, or spirituality. Aside from your S-tier interview skills, what's S-tier mean? Is that a good thing? To bring these discussions out of people, what do you attribute this willingness to show vulnerability to? Is it a recent trend you've noticed? And if so, when or why do you think it has started to be more common, uh, a more common part of the conversations fighters are willing to have? It feels the veneer of the impenetrable and unflappable fighter that isn't affected by anything. It's given way to more human and relatable stories. I think for the better, keep up the great work and incredible interviews. Honestly, I've always been interested in this side of things, and I think I've always been asking it uh, even before it was sort of on vogue to talk about these things. Uh, But yes, I think not just fighters, but athletes, public people, regular people have all been, uh, I think, a lot more open and comfortable in talking about these types of issues. I love talking about it, especially with fighting and fighters. It's such a psychological and mental game. Uh, I think the mental side of the game is just as interesting, if not more interesting, than the physical side of the game, how you come back from a loss, how you get up for a fight, how you prepare for a fight, the ups, the downs, the setbacks, um, the milestones, the big moments, uh, all this stuff. I mean, it's it's just incredibly mentally taxing. And that's why I say things like, oh, it's easy to joke about Aspen Lad's weight, but we don't really take into account like the mental anguish and the mental struggles that she is dealing with every time she misses weight, falls short, struggles. Uh, that sometimes is, is, is more detrimental than the actual physical pain that she is going through. So uh, yeah, all this stuff has been of great interest to me um, personally and professionally. And obviously, you know, I spoke about uh, talking to someone when I was trying to figure out what I would do potentially post ESPN where I felt like the end was near, but I wasn't really sure whether I would go or stay. Would I be staying for the right reasons? Would I be um, doing a disservice to myself? I needed to figure that out. I needed to get happier. I needed to figure out what I wanted in life. And so that helped me and other people can talk to someone for a lot of other different reasons. Um, so yeah, I'm just interested in the topic. I've always been drawn to that topic. And I love the fact that fighters are open to speaking about those sorts of things. Uh, Hugo asks, hey, Ariel, do you think Mike Goldberg will be in the Hall of Fame and any reason he is not in already? I mean, add him to the list. Yes, I think he should be in there. I don't really see why he wouldn't be in there. They parted ways with him. He hasn't really crapped on them on the way out. Um, I would like to think one day that he would be in there. So yes, I, I, I will say yes. He's not one of these guys who I think is on bad terms. I know there were a couple of like, I don't know, uncomfortable moments towards the end, but Mike Goldberg should 1,000% be in the UFC Hall of Fame, um, pick a wing, and uh, he was a big part of the sport. Those spike days were huge for the company, and uh, there was a time where WWE tried to steal Mike Goldberg away uh, when they moved over to, I think it was when they went back to USA or maybe when they went to Spike. Um 2005 or six, and then he went and, and stayed with the UFC, um, which was the right call. He was much better suited for the UFC and for MMA than pro wrestling. But WWE was looking to make a splash. They had an opening. Jim Ross was out. Uh, and we've seen as of late, it's so hard to make that transition. Um, nevertheless, I think he should a thousand percent be in there. I hope he's in there. 
and uh, it can't come soon enough, if you ask me. Ahmad, salam alaikum, Mario. Wa alaikum salam. I know it's not a very popular topic on your show, but what do you think about the latest news in the YouTuber boxing community? KSI versus Woodley looks likely. Uh, Deji, KSI's little brother, is officially fighting Mayweather, and Logan Paul is likely fighting Dylan Dennis. I mean, this is a crazy world, and it would be silly for me to look down on it. I mean, Woodley being a part of this world now all of a sudden is crazy. Like he's like a character in this world. Anthony Taylor, a character, all these kind of disciples of the Jake Paul orbit. Um, it's all very strange. Mayweather is a part of this world, fighting the younger brother of KSI. Tommy Fury is a part of this world. It's like it's like this little like TV show with these casts of characters and they all kind of fight each other. And it's incredibly profitable. It's incredibly popular. Does it last forever? No. But right now it's a big deal and it's it's doing good business for everyone involved and it's selling tickets and there seems to be a demand and it's a little weird, but hey, kudos to all involved. Get that money. I mean, I'm not really against it. As long as it's, you know, fair fights, people who are matched up correctly, it's not mismatches, it's not dangerous. Can't deny the interest and... I do like the fact that it is exposing combat sports to a younger audience, and you just hope that it's for the right reasons, and you hope that the matches are are fair and and on the up and up and and safe, and no one's getting seriously hurt, and no one has just yet. I'm never going to say that it's the uh, equivalent of you know Crawford Spence or anything like that, but there's clearly a market for it. So, who am I to hate on it? Uh, no, no soup for you asks juicy question. Number four. Hi, Ariel. This one is a good one and it's short and simple. What does the wonderful Mrs. Helwani and the kids think of Dana White and his treatment towards you? Maybe the kids are too young to understand, but when he mocked you for crying or took away the Showtime gig, what does Mrs. Helwani say to you? Dare I ask what the great mama knows makes of all of it too? take care team. No soup for you. I'll tell you, uh, mama knows is a fighter and obviously I'm her son. And she probably reads too much and spends too much time online and looks at a lot of the comments and would would often early in my career like get upset about some of the stuff, even some of the stuff with Rampage and Czech Congo and all that. Um, I would think less so these days. And obviously your parents are going to be concerned. But no, I mean, I, look, they're, they're not the biggest fans. I think my older kids, like my boys, know a little bit about the Dana stuff because they hear me talking about it at times. And they probably know that he doesn't like their dad very much. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what 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 do you think they think? Uh, they're they're not huge fans. Um, that was, it's weird. Like that was one of the most. Uh, I say upsetting, not in a way like oh, it made me sad. Like that was the most. Uh, upset, mad I ever got was when he even referenced my family because like there's a line shows that he has no line, but like you don't, you know, I would never talk about someone's family. I would never talk about in that way, um, even referencing them uh, because there's a lot that I could say uh, and, and, and it kind of, you know, turn the tables, but I would just never do that. That's not, I mean, there's, there's a line, Uh, but you know, just goes to show among many things, the differences between us. Um, so, you know, that was at, at that moment, like that's when in my mind I was like, all right, this is, uh, this is different. This is weird. But you kind of let that stuff roll off your back. And I obviously don't talk to them about it all that much. And there's no real need to 
these days. Um, so yeah, in short, not a big fan, not their favorite. One fun story was uh, those days back in the day where, um, remember when Dana was going to that, uh, golly, what was that frozen yogurt place? Um, Pinkberry. And he would do these meetups, like tweet, like, hey, I'm going to be at Pinkberry and everyone should come. You get tickets. One time I was, I was living in New York City right next to it, like, a, I don't know, five blocks away from the Pinkberry, 10 blocks away. And so I went with my wife and I had uh, one of those flip camera thingies and we actually recorded an interview with me sitting next to him at the Pinkberry, but we had no microphone and the audio was horrible. And I went back home and I listened to it and I was devastated. That's uh, the one time that my wife acted as my camera woman or camera person for any kind of interview. It was a Dana White interview at Pinkberry. Those were the days, the good old days, when we were all such good friends. Uh, Oded, Ariel, going to the original UFC 196 main event, who do you think was going to win, Connor or RDA? I thought and still think that RDA's pressure would have made the difference. Man, Connor was on a roll back then, man. He was on a roll. He was fighting at a different level. And then look what happened afterwards, RDA and Eddie Alvarez. And then look what happened afterwards, Eddie and Connor. Yes, I know MMA math is a different beast and it doesn't apply. But Connor was just feeling himself. He was on a different kind of level. Um, so I don't know. Gun to my head, I say Connor wins that fight coming off that knockout on top of the world. Yes, I know he lost to Nate, but Nate was a different fighter, a bigger fighter. And if we're doing this like alternate universe where, you know, Connor said he was sick, I don't know, who knows what's the truth. Um, but everything's equal. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's good. I think Connor wins that fight just because he was operating at such a different level at that point. Crazy time. It's a crazy sliding doors thing to talk about. If that fight happens... You never get the Nate fight. Who knows, you know, do they do a rematch there? Probably not. Does the MSG fight happen? Does the moment happen with MSG? Does he fight at UFC? Like, there's so many what ifs. Does Nate become the star that he becomes? Does Eddie ever get the title? Um, who does Connor fight at MSG? Who fights at 200? Does the John Jones suspension happen at 200? Uh, does Does Brock Lesnar come back if Connor's on that 200 card? I mean, just an incredible amount of things. It's a real... You remember that movie, Sliding Doors, with Gwyneth Paltrow, I think it was? That's like the greatest sliding door. 2016, I mean, if there isn't a movie made about that year in MMA, and in particular March to August, someone dropped the ball. Jason Osada, good morning, Ariel. Two years ago, I was working as the bartender in downtown Seattle when I lost my job to COVID. I found myself in my mid-40s not knowing what to do. Two years later, I'm an amateur chocolatier running a small business. Now my days are filled with dipping chocolate strawberries and making hot cocoa bombs. Sounds fun. I absolutely love what I do, and I just want to let people know it's never too late. I'm 49 years old, and I'm just getting started. Whether you're a former fighter or a listener who is down on their luck, just know that your next passion is around the corner. P.S. This show is so healthy, the mortality experts give it another 40 years. Nice one. I know what you're talking about. Lewis uh, says that I thought that this was great and symbolic of the great community and people that follow you. I appreciate that, Lewis. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that he just wrote that without a question or anything like that. And it's true. 
And I say this to a lot of people. I know, oh, I'm too old. I'm 34. I'm 35. I'm 40. Howard Cosell got Howard Cosell was a lawyer in his early 40s, and he ended up becoming the greatest sports broadcaster, arguably, of all, all time, especially combat sports. Legend. Um, look at this guy. Look at Jason. 49, and he just started two years ago. Uh, it's, it's never too late. And if you sit around saying it's too late, uh, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. You can pivot. You can change. And obviously, there are factors, there's responsibilities, there's family. I get all those things, but you have to be willing to take a chance and not be afraid of failure. And at the end of the day, if you're 85 and say to yourself, you know what, at least I went down that path. At least I dared to be great. At least I wasn't afraid of failure. At least I wasn't afraid of stumbling. I lived a you know, fulfilled life. But if I, if I look back when I'm 85 and say to myself, man, should have taken that chance. Should have gone for it when I was 40, when I had the opening, when I had the chance. You don't want to live with regret. No one wants to live with regret. That's the worst feeling. So I love this, Jason. Thank you for sharing it with us. Good luck. I would love to try one of those uh, chocolate strawberries, hot cocoa bombs. Sounds fantastic. Jeez Louise. Fantastic. Yeah, well done. I could use one of those right about now. Aaron Pete, salutations, Ariel. I host the Bigger Than Me podcast which goes out on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Well done. I do my best not to focus too much on the stats, but I do want to see growth. It got me thinking about your comments about topping episodes. Do you base success purely on the energy you feel afterwards, or do you also glance at your stats? Thank you for all that you do and your valuable insights. I wish I didn't look at the stats. I'll tell you this much. I have never, I don't even know how to look at the podcast stats, and I'm happy about that, and everyone can attest that I've never asked you see the YouTube numbers, and if they're accurate, great. But you know, our, our thing is splintered so much because there's the YouTube show, and then there's the breakouts, and then there's all the podcast stuff. So I don't really know how many people consume the show. You see that number, and you're like, okay, I guess this was a good show, a bad show. I don't know. Um, but I would love – look, I would love to live in a world where you never looked at any numbers. No numbers were available, uh, available to you, and you would just go about your merry way. I also am thankful that I live in a world where everything is digital because if I was working in the 1970s, you would do a broadcast, it would go off into the ether and you would never see that again. I could go back and look at a show that I did in 2012, 2013, 14, 15. It's all there. It's all just living there. And so I'm very thankful for that as opposed to someone who you know, worked 30 years ago and it's very hard to retrieve anything that you did. So there's the good and the bad. You take them both. You try not to focus too much, but it is a gauge on really like the interest. I think this show in particular, you know, if there's interesting fighters, but you try not to hang your hat on that. I know John Hathaway isn't a household name to the fans of today, but I mean, that's a great story. And that's a guy from back in the day. And I don't just book based off of who I think is going to like pop the number. You can't do that. You go based off the news and you always want to try to get the biggest names possible, but you know. Not everyone's going to be Nate Diaz. That's impossible. And you hope that people just enjoy the show and the conversations. Even the best thing is, even if they don't know about the guest, they're just tuning in because they trust that it's going to be a good show regardless of if they know them or are emotionally invested in them. And then you have the banter and you have everything. Yada, yada, yada. Um, by the way, the next couple weeks are a bit weird as we have two questions left here. Uh, we're back on Monday but then we're off next Wednesday because of Yom Kippur. And then we're off the following Monday because of Indigenous Peoples Day. So you get us for two shows, then we're off for two shows. So make note of that, please. But it's a quiet time in the MMA. Is this kind of like our off season? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, El Peruenos. Hola, Ariel. Oh, this is a, a knock on, uh, not a knock, but like playing off of uh, El Cubano, right? He's from Peru, Peruanos. Yeah, very clever. You picked up on that. Yeah. Uh, you've shared often about Mama Nose's passion and following of MMA. How much does the rest of the original Helwani clan care and or pay attention to MMA? P.S. Your sister's guest appearance was great. She should come back on. Thank you. Uh, I was just with her yesterday and uh, all weekend long. It was great being back home. Um, I would be lying if I said the rest of my family really care too much about MMA. Like my mom, like my mom could talk to you about GSP. My mom went to a few fights. She went to UFC on Fox 3. She went to the UFC one headline by... Uh, GSP versus Carlos Condit and GSP versus Nick Diaz in Montreal. So she's she's been around long time. My older brother is so anti. He's not anti MMA, but the violence. He didn't let his oldest son follow me on Instagram for the longest time just because of the stuff that I posted was a little too gruesome for him. Now, obviously, that's changed. He's in his teens. Um, my middle brother, second brother, I don't know what you would call it, like the one right above me in the rankings, so to speak, in the order, in the pecking order, is aware of some stuff, is a big sports fan. Both my brothers are sports fans. They were just never big combat sports fans. I would say the middle one, David, more of a combat sports fan. We would watch the big boxing matches. He would sometimes watch wrestling with me, sometimes, but more into basketball, football, Older brother more into football, hockey, basketball. I was the one who was really into everything. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, but then super into combat. My brothers were not into wrestling at all, really. And uh, not really into MMA, not really. And my, my dad is like aware of some of the stuff and actually like follows me on all the social media and sends me stuff. But, you know, he, my dad is aware of all the stuff that I've done in my career and some of the characters, but they're not staying up to watch. Like my mom has legit stayed up to watch fights or at least woken up at 11 or 12 to watch fights. So she is definitely the biggest fan of the bunch. No doubt about it. Uh, my wife has watched a few, but that was when we were living in a small apartment where she couldn't really escape it. It's a lot easier for her to escape it now. Uh, Taco Enthusiast closes us out. Uh, hi, Ariel. I really enjoyed listening to Chuck Mindenhall talk about the early years of the UFC on the Room Service Diaries podcast. His candid accounts of Dana White being a relentless promoter and advocate for the sport and company, perhaps to a fault, really broke the fourth wall a bit for the fans in the best way. I'm curious about your interactions with Dana in the pre-UFC 100 days. What was he like as a promoter working hard to keep a company afloat? Did you have any hunch in those days that your relationship may turn sour? Would love some story time from you about the good old days and your thoughts on the Dana White of that era. Well, uh, the first time, I feel like I've told the majority of these stories before, but you know, I couldn't get into the UFC events when I was working for Versus and AOL and MMA Rated, especially early on. And it was Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports that told Dana, hey, there's this kid who has this journalism degree. You should let him in. And the first event, it was actually like at the 11th hour that they finally let me in. It was UFC 97 in Montreal. Weirdly enough that it was in Montreal. It was the first event that I got to cover as a legit media guy. I went to Tough 5 finale for SpikeTV.com, but I was sitting in the back and didn't really partake in any of the media stuff. I produced the Tough 3 finale for SpikeTV.com. We did a pre-show, but again, that wasn't like me working for an outlet. So in my mind, 97 was the first 
And that was big because it was Montreal. Chuck Liddell was on the card. Anderson Silva was on the card. Shogun was on the card. And I remember uh, there was this media thing for a video game. I think it was a THQ event. And I waited in line for a legit 45 or so minutes, got to the front of the line. Dana White was there to do an interview with him. And my microphone XLR cable broke, died. I don't know what. Jumped into a car, freaked out. He said, don't worry about it. That's the first time I met him. Said, don't worry about it. I'll be here to his credit. Went into the car, drove to some AV store, bought a new one, came back, and he was there. And that was my first interview ever for uh, Versus.com. It was with Dana, my first interview with Dana. And uh, it's it's not up because that website no longer exists. So it's not like you can find it on YouTube. Again, what I'm talking about, right? Um, working 30 years ago, you do an interview and it just kind of disappears. Um, so I'm thankful for YouTube and having the majority of my stuff up there. Uh, so that was my first interaction with him. I, that was 97. 98, I also attended for Versus.com. I don't remember if I interviewed him. 99 was in Germany. 100 was obviously in Vegas. Don't remember if I did a one-on-one. 101 was in Philly. I didn't go to that. 102 was in... 101 was in Philly. I didn't go because it was a WC event the next night and I was working for Versus. 102 was in Portland and I didn't go to that. Why? Because I I attended a celebrity media day at the US Open and that's where I interviewed Justin Bieber and Will Ferrell. Imagine that. I chose to go to that over UFC 102 in Portland and still to this day, I've not gone to Portland and I've always wanted to go there. 103 was in Dallas, and that was actually during Rosh Hashanah, so I didn't go to that. Same night as, I think it was Marquez Mayweather. Yeah, I think it was that, and, and, and Vitor Rich Franklin. Then 104 was when I really started the run. 104 was my first event working with Esther and Casey. That was in LA, and we waited at a mall to interview him. And 105 was in England, but then from 106 on, like I didn't miss one for a while. I think I went to like 40 something straight. I think the next one that I missed was 45 or something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it was incredible. He was the most accessible, open, interesting promoter slash head of a sports organization out there. He would do the press conference. He was engaging. He was interesting. He was fired up. He was fiery, passionate. Then he would do a scrum where he would sit there and talk to you about anything that's going on in the sport, good, bad, ugly, go off on people. Then he would do one-on-one interviews with a bunch of people. And I kind of started the trend. And then all of a sudden, they became like this long line of people. And he would do that on the Thursday before. And then he would do that on the Saturday night afterwards. I mean, it was an amazing amount of time that we had with him. And when there were really interesting, juicy things going on, I mean, he was as accessible as anyone. And I've said this before, even if my career, I mean, at this point, you know, it's been, it's been six years, but there was a stretch there where I said, like, if I never talked to him again, I would have talked to him probably more than anyone in the sport. Uh, very accessible, very open. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, just the way the cookie crumbles, the way things uh, shake out. Um, but I do feel, by the way, that we're seeing a bit of a different side of Dana these days, like a more relaxed side, 
a more reflective side. I even saw him yesterday talking about when I leave. He says he's not going away anywhere, but like when I leave, when... And, um, you know, you would never hear him say even any of that five, six, seven, eight years ago. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a guy who was like fighting. He was, he, he wasn't a fighter, but he was fighting for his company. He was fighting for his place in the sports world. He was fighting for the contracts. He was fighting for, you know, um, uh, their rights deals, their coverage, everything was a fight. Uh, and it was fascinating to cover. I mean, I would always say like, wow, we're so, imagine we had like a boring head of the sport or head of the biggest organization sport. Like it would make the job a lot less fun, but uh, he definitely made the job interesting. Then over time, get a little closer, things get entangled, if you will, get a little dicey-dicey, get phone calls, a little too close, bad things happen. But uh, during that, you know, I, I look back on 2009, 2010, 2011. I look back from the period of 2009 to 2012, so pre-Fox deal starting with great fondness, amazing, like that's, probably when I was the freest, right? Like I had no ties to anything. I was just out there doing things, traveling to all these cool places. Um, and the fights were great and it felt like the sport was really taking a turn. And 2011 was incredible. 2010 was incredible. Uh, yeah. Then 12 to 16 was weird feelings because of the Fox deal. 16, you're free. 16 to 18, I thought was some of our best work. 18 then ESPN, obviously we've talked about that. And then back here for uh, 21, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy ride. But guess what? You ain't seen nothing yet. But baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Sing with me, Frank. But baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Dun, dun. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Bom, bom. All right, we're out of time. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Much love to you all. Thank you to everyone on uh, the Substack page. And thank you most importantly to moderator Lewis, who continues to do a great job, a thankless job in uh, curating all of these questions, the best ones of the week. And uh, thanks to uh, everyone who tuned in today. Frankie, you can hit the music. Thanks to, uh, well, what was that? I was just, just happy. Happy that the show's over? No, absolutely. You've had enough? You keep telling me when to hit the music. Well, I mean, I was kind of waiting there. I was doing the thank yous and, uh, it just wasn't coming. Just wanted you to know that I was ready to go. I think we have another ad read. Do we have another one? No. Wow, we're swimming. Bump, bump. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Bump, bump. So just one show this week, uh, but we're back on Monday. I have a fun little thing for you on Monday. Another face-to-face. Not in studio, though. It's a Zoom one. I'll tell you more about that closer to the, uh, the show. One show next week. So get us while you can. Soak it in. Digest it. Marinate. Shower. Bathe. All those things and more. Thank you to all our guests today. Fun show. Eddie Alvarez, good luck to him. Can't wait to see how that plays out. I mean, there's 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 the Bellator tournament now. PFL, I think that's really interesting. Plus that Chandler fight. Options aplenty for the underground king. Uh, thank you very much to John Hathaway. Welcome back. Best wishes to him. Thank you to Scott Coker. A lot of fun to have him back on the program. And thank you to Chris Avila as well. UFC this weekend. Bellator this weekend, won championship this weekend, 
something for everyone, as they say in the business. And on Monday, we'll be back to talk about it all, recap it all, do all the things that we like to do. Back on Monday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.